Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. It up here. That's right, Avery. Our uh, phone screener and nighttime producer who will only be available till us to the break of dawn. And then he will not be available Sunday morning. So it means, Avery, we're going to have to shuffle the deck. We've got to do the Frank Morano, the worst side of the other side of midnight, uh, review, rap. I say in the four o'clock hour. Coming up, we can't we can't avoid that. I mean, I'm sure Frank has provided a lot of material with his uh, his cronies. Matt Blaze, definitely a fugitive in society with a group of aliases. Ken, the runway model, who's his telephone talent coordinator, and of course Alec, or Alex as he likes to be called, got the biggest brown nose in all of radio. He's got. He schnoz right up Frank Morano's tuchus. So we'll get into that in the 4 o'clock hour due to the fact that Avery will uh, have done the bird in 24 hours. But Broadway Bill Lee, you who have been a fixture, an icon at uh, WCBS-FM, have you gotten over uh, the shiver that you were sitting for Scott Shannon's departure? Not that he died, but he retired. 
You and Joe Corsi, oh, me, what a bunch of mamalukes crying your little eyes out. Wow. It's like now now it's pro style for the next uh, 12 hours, right? Six and six plus one would make 13, right? Six and six plus one would make 13. Well, actually, it is 13. Think of it. Because when I finish this six to the break of dawn at six, then I return after uh, going out there on rat patrol as the self-appointed rat czar of New York City out to Eric Adams' home on Lafayette Avenue in Bed-Stuy, which is infested with rats. We got to check up on our rat patrol, which is the cat patrol with my wife Nancy and some of the guardian angels. And then I come back while Eric Adams heads to El Paso, Texas, finally going down to see the Michigash. I mean, he was offered that opportunity back in August. We'll get into all of that momentarily. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. But he'll be flying the uh, skies down to El Paso, Texas. Although he probably won't venture across the bridge into Juarez. No. There's a lot to see. I've been down in El Paso many, many times. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. But just think of it, we have just uh, finished Friday the 13th. I haven't heard anybody here at WABC all day, all night discuss that we were in the midst of Friday the 13th. Some people consider that an unlucky number. I happen to consider it a very lucky number. I actually have that in common with a person that I hate, I loathe, I despise, Taylor Swift. But let's talk about what's happening on... uh, uh, Friday the 13th, now Friday the 14th, as we are moments into it. The record-breaking lottery jackpot up for grabs $1.3 billion. I think second largest in history, and you got to ask yourself, you know the fix is in. How come all of a sudden all of these jackpots keep going higher and higher and higher and higher? would suggest that states realize, hey, if we keep there from being a winner, more suckers, I mean more uh, players out there, suddenly will reach into the mattresses, will find some scattered behind the walls, will dig up the Medallia Doro coffee can that was buried by their grandfather years ago next to the fig tree in the yard, and all of a sudden go crazy lottery jackpot style, right? I mean, think about it. $1.35 billion as a prize. A lot more people are going to play who have never played that before. But the record-breaking lottery was established just hours ago on Friday the 13th. And then some very bad things occur on Friday the 13th. I remember as a uh, youngster, I was all of 10 years old, when we heard what had transpired the night before on Austin Street and Forest Hills. The murder of Kitty Genovese as she was stabbed over and over again, raped. Uh, The perp came back and stabbed her even more, and nobody did anything in the nearby buildings. Her screams were curly, and none of the men came down out of their house. Nobody put their head out the window and shouted, What are you doing? Stop! And back then, they didn't have 911. To call the police, you'd have to pick up your landline phone, call the local precinct, and that just didn't happen. And boy, that left a stain and inevitably really changed the psyche of New York because before that, you really didn't depend on the police. The police were the second line of defense. It was really 
the men in the community would put their trousers on one leg at a time, hip-hop out into the street, and take care of business. And then you might need the police. Uh, you had the nosy neighbors who were out there in their tenements, out there on the fire escape, keeping an eye on all the young, young whippersnappers, including the troublemakers, keeping people out of harm's way. You really didn't need the police as your first line of defense. It was the community. But with March 13, 1964, the murder of Kitty Genovese in Forest Hills, Queens, boy, that changed the equation for quite some time. And I will never forget at the age of 10 how it had impacted on so many, for so many weeks, so many months thereafter, so many years. And then there are individuals who believe that 13 is a lucky number. I mean, how many people play the numbers, right, and always play 13? Paramutual, doesn't matter, uh, whatever. And we'll be talking about that later on because there are now even more people wanting to have all-purpose casinos. There will be three licenses available for downstate, but two more have jumped in. One would be a luxury three stories put aside on the top of Saks Fifth Avenue, right across the street from Rockefeller Center and St. Patrick's Cathedral, and it would just be for the heavy, heavy rollers, the whales. And then, of course, we saw my husband-in-law, uh, former Governor David Patterson, the stepfather of my oldest son, Anthony, as he was doing a press conference out at the old Nassau Coliseum. He represents the Sands interest from Las Vegas. They want to build an all-purpose casino out there in Uniondale. And Bruce Blakeman, who, uh, if he chews gum and thinks at the same time, I don't know what he's able to do first. But anyway, he was like stung out. Yeah, we'll leave it to the community. And already they're having a demonstration in just a few hours. <laughs> they just announced it. And all of a sudden there's a demonstration day tour. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But also, I wore the number 13 on the back of my Little League jersey, the Adam Blowers. Oh, was that? What team do you play for, the Adam Blowers? What? Is that psychosexual? What do you mean? You know, Adam Blowers. You know, like the big fans. They make fans, industrial fans. You think they could have given a, the Little League team a different name? but Like Harry Shoes, Bella Fiore. No, 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 no. I had to play for uh, Adam Bowers, number 13. Uh, when I played for Brooklyn Prep JV, I was the JV captain on the baseball team. I wore 13. I never considered it unlucky. Others, they don't want to have anything to do with 13. And then this Taylor Swift, who would often perform with the number 13, which she considers uber lucky. She says, I was born on the 13th. I turned 13 on Friday the 13th. Her first album went gold in 13 weeks. Her first number one song had a 13-second intro. Every time she won an award, she's been seated in either the 13th seat and the 13th row, the 13th section, or row M, which is the 13th letter. Basically, whenever a 13 comes up in Taylor Swift's life, it's a good thing. I mean, she's had how many boyfriends? 13 more? And all of them she disses and dismisses. She's like a black widow spider. You know, she's like president of the man-haters club of America. But clearly heterosexual because she keeps coming back again and again and again like a black widow spider. Or like a scorpion ready to sting that guy. 
In fact, in her new Midnight's album, Swift even crafted 13 songs that she says are stories of 13 sleepless nights scattered throughout her entire life. Like I said, I think she's dissed and dismissed more than 13 boyfriends, but I don't keep track of that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And as, uh, as I told you, this song here, Rebel by Billy Idol. Billy Idol has a star on the Walk of Fame in uh, on Hollywood Boulevard. And, in fact, I believe it's this week that they're putting it into this man. He's going to be out there. And remember, he's a wreck. You know, he walks around with a cane. He's done cocaine for so much time. I mean, he's like, what, 60, but he looks like 90. And, you know, you have to get down and kiss the star. When the star's put on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on Hollywood Boulevard, you got to get down and kiss the star. And there's only one way to get him down on all fours, and that is put some cocaine down there and watch him <laughs> snort it right off the sidewalk. I mean, that guy's a coke freak. But... A great, great song. The CDC and the FDA are looking into concerns that the Pfizer COVID vaccine causes strokes in those 65 and over. Notice Fauci, when he was around, he didn't want to talk about this at all. Now that he's gone, all this is beginning to uh, gurgle to the top. I represent science. Yeah, sure you do. Get the hell out of here. I don't want to ever hear from you again. Represent science. Now they're saying these booster shots. That can cause heart attacks and strokes and all kinds of physical mishgush. Now they tell you. Because what, Fauci? Oh, I represent science. Sure you do. I represent science. By the way, you were a doctor smoking, what, four packs a day? You had to have that operation into your throat to get rid of that polyp. Yeah, yeah, you were a degenerate smoker. But let me also talk about the fact that there's another dead whale that is washed up along the Jersey Shore. And the seventh whale in just one month washed up on a beach on the New York, New Jersey coastline area. This time it was a humpback whale which washed up at a beach at Brigantine, which, as you know, is down the road from Atlantic City, where Frank Morano and Rachel and Carmine would love to get a little cottage and live there if they could. Wait a second. Is that the morning call of another humpback whale known as Shabu? El Jefe! Chris Christie! As he sails up and down from Wildwood to Point Pleasant. Always available to do an interview with ABC News on Sunday morning, right? It's okay. All right. No, no, you didn't get beached yet. Seven! Just last Saturday, a dead whale washed up just miles away in Atlantic City. That was a big one. Going to have to talk about that with my wife, Nancy, the animal rescue expert in the animal welfare hour. That's the end of my marathon cycle on the weekends when WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. That's 11 or 12. So if you have any questions about any animal welfare issues, boy, that's the time to ask it because I'm not the expert. Uh, that's my wife, Nancy. And then, oh, this is the winner. Yeah, yeah, give me a little bit of Billy Idol. I need this. This, this. this is the absolute winner. As President Joe Biden has gone back to the house where his Corvette is in the garage, where they found all those uh, top-secret documents, apparently a House Democrat 
is suggesting that the documents found at President Biden's residence and in a former office at Pennsylvania University may have been, that's right, planted. Georgia Representative Hank Johnson called the timing of the discovery of the documents suspicious. Johnson also stated things can be planted in places and then discovered when it is somewhat convenient. <laughs> Boy, that's a loony kazuni crackpot. Hey, they come in both parties. What can I tell you? You got the squad on the left. You got the squad on the right. You got screwballs, nut jobs, quacks on both sides of the aisle. We'll get to that later on. And then in the battle against crime in New York City, and you know it's really bad. As much as Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, has tried to put a spin on things and say that, oh, shootings are down and homicides are down. Well, every other crime is up. I couldn't believe this. This is a mind blower. Howard Beach and Linwood Civic Associations have proposed establishing a private community security program which would hire off-duty cops in their uniforms, which is permitted by the NYPD. They get some of the You Basically, they lease out the cops in uniform. But they have like a 100 NYPD paid detail program. Howard Beach and Lindenwood need to have cops off-duty patrolling the streets and especially Cross Bay Boulevard because of all the thugs and thuggets. Man, I can see a lot more for sale signs going up there in Old Howard Beach. New Howard Beach. And the beach that nobody really knows much about, except for a small handful. Hamilton Beach, and that's not a blender. It's right next to uh, the A-Train tracks as you head towards uh, JFK. A lot of people don't know about Hamilton Beach. Does this mean then next it's Broad Channel? It's going to have to hire its own security? Because the NYPD either can't do it or won't do it. And then out to where Sid and so many have escaped to. It's like the hop, skip, and a jump before they decide to head below the Mason-Dixon line, possibly to Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Texas, Tennessee, and the number one destination for all Americans, DeSantis land, Florida, USA. Can you imagine they're hiring uh, off-duty cops in Bell Harbor and upon it? Breezy Point, Rockaway Beach to patrol the streets because they don't think they're getting enough coverage from the 100th Precinct or the 101st Precinct. I, I could see uh, Sid Rosenberg coming in one morning. You can hear Monday through Fridays from 6 to 10 moaning and groaning that all of a sudden he's got to pay for additional security. It's bad enough his pipes have burst. The curse of Eric Adams be upon you. It's bad enough that he keeps moaning and groaning that they're putting him up at a five-star top-shelf hotel in Manhattan, he and his family. Maybe he's over at uh, Milford Plaza there, you know, with all the illegal aliens. As they're getting free weed, corona beer, having sex in the stairwells. We'll get into all that later on. You know, quite a bit to discuss here. You know what? If you're really down on your luck... Why don't you break into Mexico? Nobody's going to stop you from breaking into Mexico, right? Be an illegal alien, breaking into Mexico, and then declare, come on the other side, the American side, ask for asylum, declare that you're a refugee, and they put you up in a five-star top-shelf hotel 
They give you a phone. They give you a swag bag. They give you everything. And you get to go out and get corona, get stoned in your room, smoke weed, and have sex in the stairwells. A hell of a lot better than some Americans can do, right? With our little hot tamale, maybe from Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And, oh, boy, later on we're going to talk about my evil Knievel daredevil act on the streets of 3rd Avenue in the darkness of the early morning when Sid Rosenberg first took to the microphones when I decided to protest his imposition of cancel culture club on me, Curtis Lee. In terms of denying my opportunity to speak to all of you as an antidote to all the tookus kissing that goes on now with Sid Rosenberg and friends. Oh, it's like Barney, you know, we love you, you love me. Oh, Joe Tapioca, Tapioca, you know, you're the greatest defense. We love Eric Adams. Oh, we're going to get into all of that, trust me. There's a lot to discuss here. A panoply of things to discuss. Well, let's go to Robbie first in Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robbie. Hey, number 13 can be taken in two ways. The first one is more on a spiritual side as far as, like, the uh, the first apostles. It was 12 apostles and one Christ. So there's the 13. Mm. On a darker side, 13 happens to be... A number, uh, a number of uh, of darkness for people that practice the occult, mm. you know. So it can go both ways. But I don't believe in any luck or anything. If something's going to happen to you, it's going to happen to you, whether it's Friday the 13th or Saturday the 14th. But I just wanted to throw that up in the air where you can you can mix and match a number like that. You can, you know, what happens if you're in a casino, you throw your chip on number 13 and it hits. Not so bad, you know. We're going to be talking about that later on, the proliferation of those seeking licenses for legal all-purpose casinos exploded just within the last 48 hours. But Robbie makes a point. 13 can mean good, can mean bad. Nobody has talked about that all day long, right? I'm waiting, I'm waiting. It's Friday the 13th. Nobody mentioned it. My wife mentioned it to me this morning. You know, she was telling me about, oh, don't do this, superstitions, don't do this, don't do this. Don't stand in the middle of 3rd Avenue with 18-wheel tractor trailers coming down that were ready to turn me into a speed bump Friday morning as I was protesting Sid Rosenberg. But you know me, I always call, I always cast all fate into the wind. Is that the appropriate way of saying it? I cast all fate into the wind. Is that appropriate, ladies and gentlemen? Anyway, let's flip the script and go to Nick calling all the way from T.O. in Ontario and Canada. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Nick. Hi, Curtis. How are you? I've had better days, Nick. Uh, You're a cool guy. Um, Just wanted to mention uh, Friday the 13th or the number 13th, me being Italian, that's good luck for us. With the red horn and the crown. Mm. I don't know if you know about that. Well, no, I, in fact, even though I'm part Italian, uh, Bade's on my mother's side, Francesca's side, I never really heard that. Can you give me a little bit more of the lineage, the little bit of the history of that in the Italian-American tradition? I really don't know the history behind it, but it's, uh, I remember growing up as a child, 
Uh, my dad always 13. His house is even number 13. <laughs> and uh, he'd always have that little red horn with the, with, with the little crown on the car mirror. And uh, he'd have it uh, on a, a gold chain with that thing on it, that little horn. And he would always say 13 is good luck. 17 is bad luck for us. Ah, 17. Do you know why 17 is bad luck? No, I, I don't know. I just, you know, growing up Italian, you just listen to what your parents said. Well, that's that's interesting. Now, I say it over and over, Nick. By the way, which uh, part of Italy was your family from? Uh, Calabria. Ah, that means you're hard-headed. Calabria, hard-headed. <laughs> well, I don't know about the Barres. I, I grew up with some of them, too. Yeah, we got ice in our pockets. We got ice in our pockets. But I tell you this, yeah. Nick. I tell people this, and they look at me, and they stare at me, and they think that I'm pulling their chain and chewing their shorts. I tell everyone. There are more Italians in Toronto than there are in the five boroughs of the city of New York. You know, I know that. I know that. I listen to you not every night, but for the last little while. And you mentioned that quite a few times. And I've also heard that uh, Toronto or even Canada has more Italians than any other city outside of Italy. Yes. I don't know how much truth there is to that. No, that's true. Now, tomorrow I'm going to go the deep dive into how your Canada only has 40 million people total, which is the equivalent of California, although after all these floods, <laughs> they may have lost uh, a few hundred thousand or more that are going to be uh, vacating California. But how your Prime Minister Trudeau, while sitting there with the Mexican president with four names, never trust anybody with three names, this this character oh, yeah. had four, and Joe Biden, who's totally stangad, your country is always asking, oh, we we offer asylum, uh, we we believe in refugees. Why the hell? You got no people from Central America or South America or the West Indies or Caribbean, very few. Well, we, we do have them, but it's not, not like you said, it's, it's not a lot. And I believe our population is 37 million. I just gave, I gave you an additional 3 million, okay? I, I'm uh, trying. 37 on the books. And by the way, by the way, Nick, uh, Trudeau and Parliament in Ottawa passed a law that says that if you're an American, you can't own a house in Canada. Is this true? I I heard something about foreigners, but I don't know if the U.S. is, is considered a well, foreigner. Excuse but... me, Nick. Yeah. When it's convenient, <laughs> Canadians always think of Americans as foreigners. No, I listen, I love Americans. I, I have family that blood relatives in the States mm. that were born, raised, fought in World War II, and are, are you know, Italian-Americans or American-Italians. So I respect the Americans. I've been to the States many, many times, and I wish our country was, was like your country in the sense that um, you are the land of the free, you know? And here they just talk, 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 but a uh, little uh, sock boy that we call him sock boy here, or junior, a little potato. He's got so many names. He's he's basically a, a communist. But I tell you what, Nick, uh, we would more than be happy to begin the uh, co-opting uh, of uh, Canada. We'll start first with Alberta. That's like the most American of the provinces. Anybody yeah, who's like gone. Texas. That's right. You, you go to Calgary or Edmonton. They even have a stampede there. They got cowboys. Oh, yeah. You think you're in like uh, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, in Calgary? Yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been I've been to Calgary, and it's like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We have the Calgary Stampede and, and all that. It, it's fantastic. I mean, when I when I was there, I figured 
this is like I'm I'm in Dallas, you know, you know the show Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, absolutely. They got a stampede. It's like a whole month. They got cowboys and cowgirls coming from everywhere. You really think you close your eyes. You think, wow, I'm like in Texas, not in Alberta. Well, I'll tell you something. I was at a Calgary Flames game, and there was a gentleman there. He was dressed all in white. He kind of had like the Colonel Sanders outfit with with the beautiful hat, the the mustache and all that, and just cool as a cucumber. Just watching the hockey game. It was like a real cool guy. He was a Calgarian, a real Calgarian. Wait a second. That gives me an idea. <laughs> Do you remember the movie Canadian Bacon? Vaguely, vaguely. Is that the one with John Candy and and, and Yes, John Candy was like a deputy deputy sheriff. Right, 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 right. And then yeah. all of a sudden we declared war on Canada. And he invaded Canada. <laughs> and it's sort of like we took over Canada. Now, Nick, you know, your military isn't uh, all that impressive. We no, we don't have a military. L- listen, um, the United States, I don't want to say that they will defend us in the sense that it's in their interest to defend us, but we don't have a military. Yeah, and the the RCMP, uh, I always used to look to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Dudley Do-Right and his steed. <laughs> now I look at the RCMP, I never see them on horses. What did they do with the horses? Well, we used to have a $50 bill back in the day. And on the back of the back of the $50 bill, they had a, a bunch of RCMP because it was red. Like the, the, the ink was red. So, and RCMP is red, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, they had like a bunch of uh, RCMP guys on their horses in a circle. So, yeah, when you say that, yeah, you're, you're right, 100%. I don't understand. I was always looking for the Dudley Do-Rights. I said, where is yeah. your horse? He said, hey, hey, American, we got rid of our horses a while back. I said, oh, man, I grew up with Dudley Do-Right. Uh, there was uh, Rocket Chase, Squirrel Bullwinkle, Boris Natasha, and then Dudley Do-Right and his steed. He preferred his steed to his uh, his girlfriend, Nell. That's right, Nell. And Snidely, this Snidely, he's tired to the tracks all the time. That's right, Snidely Whiplash. That <laughs> crazy guy. You see, this is how Canadians and Americans came together over Rocket Chase Squirrel, Bullwinkle, Boris Natasha, and, of course, RCMP, Dudley Do-Right, his uh, gal, Nell, his steed, and as you said, Snidely Whiplash. He was always up to something, something no good. Now, now, question, um, I've uh, appeared on many talk radio programs in T.O. Toronto. Uh, they just don't seem to live up to the standards here at WABC. Would I be correct, Nick? Uh, 100%, and plus, I don't know if you're aware, but... Uh, Justin Trudeau had given the Canadian Broadcasting Corporations all all radio television five hundred and ninety six million dollars, and what did you expect? They're all going to kiss his tukas. Now, question, Nick. Yes. As when I was a child, they used to say, "You see this Canadian dollar? It's worth more than the American dollar." It was back then it in was. the early sixties. As of now. If I were to pull out an American dollar and a Canadian dollar, which is worth more? The um, obviously the American dollar is worth about thirty to thirty to thirty-five percent more than what a Canadian dollar is. 
what the hell happened when I was a kid? We used to say, no, I don't want the American dollar. I want the Canadian dollar. It was worth like a a dollar eight, a dollar ten, a dollar twelve. It was a, a buck five. Buck five. I remember okay. one of my uncles coming over and visiting, and he gave me a dollar bill. I went to the corner store, and the guy, sh- <laughs> I thought he shortchanged me a nickel, but I came home and I told my dad, and he says, no. Our money's stronger than their money. Yeah, strong. Five cents less. That's right. <laughs> I understand it. And you know, we also diluted your sport because when I was a kid, I would get, uh, I get the hockey magazines, and it was almost all Canadian, some Americans, but you know, I could follow the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Okay, there were the Boston Bruins, the Chicago Blackhawks, Detroit uh, Red Wings, and the New York Rangers. But they were almost all Canadians. A few Americans. Now I can't even pronounce the names of the oh, hockey um, players. There are too many teams. They've diluted. They destroyed the Canadian game. It's it's not just that, uh, Curtis. Um, what's happened even with sports all, all around the world? All the domestic league, leagues were are, are infiltrated. Well, not infiltrated, but self-infiltrated by uh, bringing in foreign players from other countries and. Um, it just um, dilutes or, or, or uh, I don't know what the proper word would be, but um, a lot of the kids that play hockey, um, they get to the point where, where they turn 16 or 17 and the teams here do not draft them. And they take Russians and they take uh, Slovenians and, and, and whatever. And- I, can't, I can't even pronounce their names, but I'll tell you this, Nick. I would like to negotiate a trade with you. Imagine you are an ambassador for uh, Trudeau and I am an ambassador for Biden. I would say let's turn on the pipeline again from uh, from uh, Calgary, Edmonton, up in the north there. Pipe in that oil, the shale oil that we could use, and we'll turn the spigot on. And all of those illegal aliens from Central America, from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, from Colombia, Bolivia, Ecuador, from the Dominican Republic, uh, those who are coming from Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba, who, who are all along the Texas border there. How about you take your fair share? This is like NAFTA. The whole idea with NAFTA is we were supposed to share and share alike, right? Well, the thing about it is... is um we all feed off the U.S. And without the U.S., we have nothing here. Uh, I'm sure you know that. I mean, the auto industry uh, back in the day, because my father-in-law worked for uh, for AMC at the time, and then it became Chrysler. But at the time, you had GM, Ford, and Chrysler, and American Motors. And those were the only cars we used to see when we were kids. I mean, you saw the odd Fiat or, you know, VW and that, but... Most of the people drove American cars, and let's face it, uh, if it wasn't for the U.S., we'd be nothing. My dad worked for a company, an upholstery company, and I worked there when I was 14, 15 in the summertime, and a lot of the orders were going to the States. They'd go to Texas. They'd go to Dallas. They'd go to Ozzie, New York. Uh, they'd go, like, basically the U.S. Like 99% of the orders were going to the U.S. So without the U.S., we're nothing. I will tell you this, though, having gone through the tunnel connecting Detroit to Windsor, I can speak expeditiously that the automobile plants in Windsor were better, in better condition. The strip clubs were better, and the casinos were better. 
All three. Well, All yeah, three. Well, you know what? Uh, you you mentioned two industries, the casinos and, and the strip clubs. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but do you know the, the, the crime the crime capital of North America is Montreal? That's where the big gangsters are. Oh, yeah. Everything the, has to go through there. And remember, the leader of the pack there of the Gambino crime family was named Rizzuto. That's right. And no relationship to Phil Rizzuto, no, I know. the great New York Yankee. <laughs> exactly. I must I must tell you, when I went, uh, I went to Montreal, I had to uh, speak at the college there. Not, uh, let's see, it starts with a C. It'll come to me momentarily. Cornell? Uh, not Cornell. Uh, it was uh, with a C. They were, uh, they were harassing these Jewish students, these Palestinian students. They were giving them all kinds of grief. So I was there speaking. And I came across some of the Italian mobsters there. And he said, hey, let me tell you something. You're not going to get away with what you got away with the Gambinos in America, Sliwa. Remember, this is Montreal. We rule. I said, I'm just here for a few days. Relax, guys. I'm not trying to take anything from Rizzuto and company. Everybody relaxed. They smoked their Denobla cigars. They cooked little Italian cigars. And then they had their little Nutazza Cafe with their little biscuit in their cafe. And life continued on. So, Nick, yeah. Nick, I want you. You are uh, you are in our listening post there in Toronto. Because we have listeners all over the world. As I told John and Margot Katsimatidis, this is a global entity now. We are the choice of so many others who live in countries all around the globe because their talk radio outlets suck. They really do. I've, I've appeared in them. I've listened to them when I've been in the countries. and <laughs> They're horrible. So we fill the void. And because all of you out there now have the technology that did not exist years ago, where all you had to do is listen to the terrestrial radio, and let's face it, the most powerful news talk station in the nation. You can hear the 50,000 powerful watts of sound right now in 38 states, parts of Canada, and right on a little sliver of uh, Europe, right on down to Davy Jones's locker between Bermuda and the Bahamas on the terrestrial radio. But then on the app, crystal clear all over the world. The stream on your laptop or your worktop computer, clear, clean, concise, all over the world. And for those of you who feel you must have an FM fix, because you're a young little Huckleberry who grew up with FM and think that FM rules, yes, yes, we have a sister station, WLIR, that goes out to the east end uh, of Long Island. And FM, as you know, stands for freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, Frank Morano, and Frank McKay, who is the president of our FA, FM affiliate. Oh, yeah, this is a global network. This is a global entity. It is not just an American station of renown. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. What the hell happened there? That was a skip on that Houdini vinyl. Oh, you're trying to scratch it, huh? That was low budget. Low budget, uh, 
Bill Evans, Broadway Bill Evans of WCBS-FM. And, of course, we have Avery only one of the two nights. He is going to be on a mission, Operation Hush, Hush, Mush, Mush. He will not reveal any of the details. So we will get in uh, Frank Morano rap in the 4 o'clock hour because we're going to be keeping you up to the break of dawn. No doubt about that. Friends of foes. Oh, you missed it earlier this morning as uh, I have opted out of Sid Rosenberg and Friends, the show that replaced uh, Sid and Bernie as Bernie McGurk, an untimely death, has gone into radio heaven, although not through uh, St. Peter's Pearly Gates, St. Patrick's. He had an easy pass. But remember, friends out there, whether females, males, non-binary, 72 different genders or 72 different sexual identifications, we'll be talking about that, a segment from Bo Snurdy this week. It talked about how Harvard University at its medical school is training its doctors to diagnose a baby as potentially being heterosexual, gay, lesbian, non-binary, polymorious, uh, whatever the hell that term is. I mean, it, it, bunch of sicolas, right? Babies! You're right out of the womb. They're training their doctor. Oh, I, I see certain indications uh, that this 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 female baby, or at least anatomically, what is female, in fact, is not going to be female. You're not going to want to miss that. In fact, you're not going to you're not going to sleep. You're with me to the break of dawn, because uh, in my battle with Sid Rosenberg, which I will explain at length in the coming segments, I said, look. I'm on twice a week, 7.05 on Mondays in the morning and 7.05 on Fridays like a bookend. But I'm not your friend. I am a fiend and a foe. And I give balance to all the tuchus kissing that you do all the rest of the time with your friends. Like Congressman Peter King, like Rodito, like the rest. You know, they're your friends. No, 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 I'm not your friend. I'm your fiend, I'm your foe. I'm here to balance the scale. And he's taking umbrage to that. I had to take it to the streets earlier today. Oh, yeah, no justice, no peace. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Tommy, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here, Tom. There it is. Morning. When I was was an iron worker... um, Local forty iron work. We used to have to go to these picket lines, scab to scab the you know picket the uh, scab jobs. And um, during the protest, there was always a rat there. You know, one of those big blow up rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to talk to, talk to one of the locals. Usually, usually it was the laborers union that handled that. So maybe like local local uh, seventy nine, seven thirty one. I stay away from six A because those are the Italians, and you know they know. Oh wait, wait, wait! You mean the Gambino Carpenters Union, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, these are laborers, concrete cement laborers. Yeah, what the hell? They're all the same, right? They're all the same, Tommy. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tommy. Uh, And the other thing was, you know, I I, I wanted to tell you this a long time ago. I know you you got Bari blood in you, right? My my grandmother was Bari's. And she used to say there there aren't any Cosa Nostra in Bari. And they also have the best tomato crops in the world because they're fed by the decaying bodies of the Cosa Nostra. I don't know. Have you ever heard something like that? Uh, Hold on. Ashbet, Ashbet. Slow down, Tom. 
So yeah. this was your grandmother, who is from Bari, the province of Bari. Pascua. Okay. Pascua was her name. All right. And what did she tell you when you were just feeling uh, me a little one young? God, I don't know. Uh, she said that um, it is no Cosa Nostra, no mafia, what they call the Cosa Nostra over there, right. uh, in Bari, because and they also had the best tomatoes. She said it in the same sentence, in the same, like, uh, dialectic to the whole thing. And she oh. said, because yeah. the tomato crops were fed by the decaying bodies of Cosa Nostra. Ah. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, so she conflated the two. I see. Yeah, yeah, that's what she did. Now, did you believe that? I was seven, eight years old. Of course, I believe everything my grandmother used to say. I didn't understand half the stuff because she used to sing to me in Italian. You know, you would think I'd be smart enough to go to high school and take Italian in school. But no, I take German. I'm not even German. I can speak great German. But I, I don't whoa, 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 whoa. Why would you want to learn German? It's like me when I took French in junior high school. I can't even read from a French menu now. These are like useless languages. We should have taken Spanish. That's what I think. You know, if I had Italian, at least if I took Italian in the house, I could at least Spanish to sing. Well, that's true. But let's face it. With the invasion that's taking place now, pretty soon English and Italian, they're going to be secondary languages. You're either going to have to speak Spanish or that's it. Well, I'm going to conflate those languages now, Italian and I, you know. Italian and Spanish is going to be all one language. So now, in your particular um, Bares uh, group, was there a special significance like Nick told us from Toronto about the Calabres and 13? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do have some. Uh, uh, um, there are a few of them. I mean, I don't know about the Calabres, I, uh, but... In Italian, they say fetrecci or something. I, I, am I really good at Italian? So maybe you can fetrecci, and it means that it, it, you hit the jackpot with 13, you hit the jackpot, and anything that happens on that day will be positive. That's, um, it's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I looked it up in the Google. And you know, Tommy, it uh, sounds like you're speaking German to me. You want me to speak Deutsch? You speak a ganz gut Deutsch. Dankeschön. What the hell are you going to do with that? I mean, you're, well, you're, I mean, where do you ever use German? It used to be you could go to Ridgewood, Fresh Pond Road, all the Germans. They had yeah. the great bakeries there. Oh, you mean over on Cooper Avenue, the Metropolitan? Yeah. And horrible food. I mean, Germans don't make great no, food. No, they threw me out of it. I took my two little sons there, right? Right by Cooper Avenue. We were across the Jungle Gym and McDonald's. Mickey D's, there's a diner there. And then they say, ooh, ooh what's this? What's this? So we go over there. I walk in. The, the guy had the, the leader holes in on, you know. He had the little feather in his cap. He was probably from Bavaria. And I said, uh, right, I and my two sons, we, we'd like to sit in the booth. They said, no, they said, we don't, we don't serve you. I said, what do you mean you don't serve me? Oh, you say horrible things about our people. I said, what are you talking about? I say horrible things. About World War II? Yes. About World War One? Yes. The guy, he gets into an argument with me there. I mean, right there in front of all the customers. I'm like, you're a grown man wearing leader hose. And he goes, you're a grown man wearing a red beret and a red sateen jacket. 
I mean, you, we, probably, you probably looked a lot better than he did, you know. I mean, well, he had these gnarly knees, and, you know, it's sort of like it was a little different. And then some guys got up, they were the uh, maintenance guys over at Christ the King High School, and they came over and said, hey, Curtis, calm down, calm down. I said, the guy won't even sit my two kids. My kids want Venus schnitzel. Venus schnitzel is horrible. Yeah, it is. Listen, my mother, hold on. My, my, my mother-in-law, she was German. God rest her soul. She did make the best. Her and my father-in-law were great cooks. And they used to um, go to Zoom Stompshares all the time. But they, she used to make the best Vienna schnitzel. Oh, man. Yeah, but wait a second. Wait a second. They let them in, but they didn't let me in. And then I said, and a Hungarian goulash to you, too. <laughs> they took such offense to that. I said, and yeah, a Hungarian goulash to you, and I put my hand underneath my my chin. A Hungarian goulash to you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was really, drunk. I was really going to get heated, you kraut, yeah, you hun. I, I had, I had my two youngest sons with me. You know, I had to, I had to calm myself down. You know, I said yeah. that's why when I used to watch combat on TV, right. And I used to see them, you know, walking through the villages looking for krauts to, to kill, you know, to end World War II. You know, I used to root, root against, against the Germans. I think that guy recognized that I was not rooting for the Germans in World War I or World War II. Why would you? We're Americans. We're fighting against them. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that guy accepted that they lost. You know, it's like you go down south, you get some of these rebels who fly the stars and bars, the flag of treason. They still don't realize they lost the Civil War. You get some of those Germans the same way. You know, they got attitude. I'm going to tell you a funny story. Yes. It, 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 I don't know how funny it is. My father, I, I was a machinist. I, I used to have a, a machine shop. My family had a machine shop in East New York, Brooklyn. And, um, I I I got a scholarship to go to to Switzerland uh, on an exchange student for for six months. It was great. I did speak German in, in the Switzerland part, so the German actually did come in helpful eventually. And I, I my uncle, my father's best friend, we used to call him Uncle um, Uncle Johnny. He was born on Hitler's birthday, and he was in the uh, the early part of the war. Um, a Nazi. He was like he was forced to fight with the Nazis. He was a young kid, and uh, he, came, he got captured and he came to America. Big man. He was in the submarine uh, division or something like that. I don't know much, and, but he he got uh, asked because he became an American citizen. He hated the Nazis. He came here. He went to the uh, Korean War and he won the uh, the bronze medal and, and something else that was very big for. Uh, he was nuts, but he used to run around. He was nuts. He used to run around with a Nazi flag as a cape on on Hitler's birthday. He was, a, and I'm saying, you're a Nazi. You're a piece of garbage. You know, I told my father, I want nothing to do with this guy. Where did they, Where friend, did Where did he live at the time? Um, Maspeth, Queens. Wow, Maspeth. Oh, oh, yeah, yo. <laughs> I've been in some of those halls. You know, those old, really like over a hundred years. And I could see the markings on some of the tiles that had been laid because my dad taught me in Wisconsin when we visited some of our family members. They had uh, dairy farms up in Wisconsin. My Sliwa family, the Polish family, was from Chicago. There were boonts up in uh, Wisconsin. This is where those that were loyal to Hitler would meet before World War II. 
And when I was in Maspeth, I looked at some of the architecture, some of the, um, oh, they're really fine, well done, like marble. And, you know, they were craftsmen. I could tell that some of those halls were boonts where they had these meetings. You could just tell by the architecture. Oh, just like I saw in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's scary stuff. I'm, I, you know, I want nothing to do with the Nazis. You know, when I was growing up, I had a friend named Stephen. And when I went to his house at school, when they were in like, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade, I also went to PS 114, but the one that was in Far Rockaway. I mean, Rockaway. Now, um, well, you know where, seen, well, you know where we would, uh, I would see the German kids go was the Lutheran schools. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them. There's one on, um, on Cross Bay Boulevard. Um, but I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's right past uh, the cemetery there, where the old Italians are buried. What's that? What Saint John's? Yeah, Saint John's. That's where my uh, grandfather is buried and grandmother. But you know, very good schools. The Lutheran schools. Oh, There's yeah. one out there in Staten Island. One of the great talk radio performers of all time was here at WABC. Then went out to KBC in Los Angeles. Brian Whitman went to a lot of fine Lutheran schools out there. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl with yellow feathers in her hair and a dress cut down. You know, with Barry Manilow gets another face left. His face all snapped like an old rubber band. Never forget the first time I landed in Las Vegas. Hot. Like 115 degrees, the asphalt was almost like uh, bubbling. And they have all these billboards. And like every second billboard was Barry Manilow. I didn't want to get off the plane. It's like he was staring at me like, I know you're a Brooklyn guy, but he had that look in his eye like, hmm. Like that one time when Merv Griffin interviewed me at Alice Tully Hall for a show, remember? He had it at night on Channel 5, Merv Griffin, and he says, Curtis, uh, I got an idea of a uh, TV program we could do about you and the Guardian Angels, but you might have to come back with me to Atlantic City so we could discuss it further. I said, oh, no, Merv, that ain't me. Oh, man. He's getting a little frisky there. They get Charo came on or somebody like Kukul, uh, whatever. But anyway, he was giving me a little bit of that look. Uh, mm-hmm. It was making me a little uncomfortable. Check this out on the weekend. Info. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. 
Here's Curtis Lewa. South of the border, down Mexico way. That's where I fell in love when the stars above came out to play. And now as I wonder, Broadway Billy, I, my thoughts ever I wonder, like Frank Sinatra said he wonders in his song, why I never hear Jersey Joe Piscopo play this song, this Frank Sinatra classic about going south of the border into uh, Mexico. Never heard it. And I listen uh, to Jersey Joe Piscopo, who's on Sunday, 6 to 8, right after Vinnie Madugno, uh sponsored by Ramsey Monster. I never heard him play this song. Well, I don't think Frank Sinatra was gay. I'm so gay, right? You heard, you heard what he said there, right? But there is a place. By the way, not where Eric Adams is going from uh, El Paso to uh, across the bridge to Juarez. He probably won't go across the bridge. But if you go to Nuevo Laredo, that's on the Mexican side. Laredo's on the American side of Texas. That's where a lot of truck traffic goes through. On the bridge over the Rio Grande, you can see the Rio Grande below. And uh, you walk right across the bridge because almost... Nobody checks you when you go into Mexico. It's all coming back in. <laughs> you can walk in. Hey, welcome to Mexico. Are you ready to spend your dollar dollars? That's all they want to know. Americano, good. And you have uh, dentists for like five dollars a tooth extraction. You got doctors, chiropractors. You got like row after row of guys and gals with their shingles there. Charging outrageously low rates, but a lot of Americans will swear by it. And then you have like these Walmart-style uh, pharmacies in which they sell everything over the counter that they don't sell over the counter here in the United States, from steroids to anabolic steroids uh, to uh, Viagra, uh, Levitra, Cialis. I mean, everything. And you can take out cases of it, man. It's like, and everything's clean, man. Those huge pharmacies. You say, wait a second. How come I go to other stores further into uh, Nuevo Laredo? It's far more, it's dirtier. It's certainly not as clean. And then you see all the cab drivers, and they're looking for these guys, and they're saying, we'll take you to Boys Town. Boys Town. You know what Boys Town is? It has nothing to do with Spencer Tracy and the old Boys Town movies. Nope. It's uh, for gay guys, Boys Town. And all of a sudden, oh, Boys Town, Boys Town. Uh, I don't want to go to Boys Town. Are you sure? Americano, right? Boys Town, Boys Town. I don't want to go to Boys Town. I want to get right in your face. Like, oh, you must be here to go to Boys Town. We're not here to go to Boys Town. What are you here for? And then they give you a whole laundry list of options. Would you like prostitutes who are Mexican? Prostitutes who are Venezuelan, prostitutes who are Russian. They, they, like, they, it's like you go into Denny's, right? And they give you a menu. They say, get that crap out of my face. Yeesh. 
Ah, we know why a lot of Americanos like to go south of the border. But why is it that Joe Piscopo never plays this song, this classic by Frank Sinatra, South of the Border? How many times did you hear Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack talking about going to Ensenada, down the Baja, past Tijuana, into other parts, Acapulco, West Coast, East Coast, right? He never plays any of those songs. Does he have a prejudice against Mexico? And I have to take it up with Jersey Joe Piscopo. But you know what we're talking about now. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who clearly suffers from attention deficit disorder. He jumps from one problem to another problem to another problem and never establishes a plan to eradicate that problem or at least to nullify it. So here it is, he announced earlier in the day that he's going to be flying to El Paso. He's going to see the Michigash, everything down on the border, that he was offered an opportunity to do back in August. Back in August. Remember Governor Abbott? Remember how Governor Abbott said, hey, Eric Adams, come on down to the border between Texas and Mexico. Hey, Mayor of Washington, D.C., come on down. And they're a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, they're fine with illegal... Do you expect Mayor Adams and, and Mayor Bowser? And they're a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, they're fine with illegal immigration flooding across our borders and the crisis caused by the Biden administration as long as it stays down in Texas. It's true. And uh, Governor Abbott was very gracious in offering them first class, first class airfare, uh, first class airfare accommodations, and to give them a tour of what was going down at Eagle Pass, which is basically what the governor controls, and El Paso, which at that time the mayor, the Democratic mayor, controlled it. Uh, We didn't know that he was in constant communication with Eric Adams and that Eric Adams was actually accepting the Venezuelans illegally coming across the border from Juarez into El Paso. But anyway... uh, Here is uh, Eric Adams talking about the illegals coming to New York at that time as Abbott. That's 38. Uh, Abbott put him on the Greyhound buses and had him pound the hound, and he gave him almost like a wheel of fortune. Where would you prefer to go, amigo? Would you prefer to go to Washington, D.C.? Would you prefer to go to Chicago uh, with the mayor there, Beetlejuice, or would you prefer to go to Nueva York? And most chose New York. Things as a political uh, play, it's, 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 it's just, he finally admitted what we were saying. And uh, we're going to continue to be open arms. This is who we are as a city, and we just need help from the federal government. We have a, we're having a great conversation this afternoon with the federal government. Uh, to figure out how we can get this right. But it is despicable what we're witnessing in Texas. So that was back in August. So Eric Adams, swagger man with no plans, claimed he was having conversations with uh, the Joe Biden administration. Because remember, he called himself the Biden of Brooklyn. He didn't get belly button linked in. Then he started to rail about the bad treatments that the illegals were getting when they were being shipped up by Abbott from the Texas border to New York City. It's unimaginable uh, that what uh, the governor of Texas has done, when you think about this country, a country that has always been open uh, to those who were fleeing uh, persecution, 
and other intolerable uh, un uh, un conditions. Uh, we've always welcomed that. And this governor is not doing that in Texas, but we are going to set the right message, the right tone of being here for these families. Now, that was back in August. Totally different Eric Adams. He was saying, hey, who's your, who's your daddy? I'm your daddy. I'm your Papa Chulo. Come to New York. And in fact, a lot of these illegals, they had cell phones. They watched Telemundo. They watched Univision. And they saw how he was coming to the Port Authority and welcoming them. So naturally, when they were asked, Wheel of Fortune, you know, with Vanna White there, uh, okay, where do you want to go to? They would say mostly New York. And then we learned that as much as Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan, was vilifying uh, Governor Abbott, Republican, who was uh, bringing illegal aliens from uh, Eagle Pass, that's the border crossing between Mexico and Texas, and putting them on the Port Authority buses and shipping them to New York, that Eric Adams had this negotiation going on with the El Paso mayor, who happened to be a Democrat, who was dealing with a horde of Venezuelans illegally coming uh, across the border, both across the Rio Grande and across the bridge, and that Eric Adams was actually accepting these illegal aliens from the Democratic mayor of El Paso. And we're very thankful to um, Mayor Adams from New York that really stepped up to, to help us. And, you know, he did tell me when I, when I spoke with him that there is not a community there within New York from Venezuela, but uh, he will welcome them into his community and then work with them to get them to a community where there is their peers so they can continue to be there, and that's really important to them. Now, all that was in August. Oh, yeah. In August, Eric Adams was saying, send me your tired, send me your poor, send me your illegal aliens. I don't care if they're from Venezuela. I don't care if they're from the DR. I don't care where they're from. We can handle it. We can handle it. And who was his ally? Who was his uh, partner in this? Santa Claus from the Archdiocese of the city of New York, Cardinal Dolan, who through Catholic Charities, which was getting a lot of Biden money, a lot of federal dollars, basically turned this whole illegal alien thing into a business, into a racket, as he would stand down there when the buses would come in from El Paso and from uh, Eagle Pass and welcome them basically by saying, hey, I'm Sandy Claus with the taxpayers' dollars. These just aren't cases. These just aren't. Uh, these just aren't problems. <clears throat> these just aren't statistics. These are not just refugees and asylum seekers in the plural. These are people with names, and with dads and moms. They've had a terrible journey. But yet they're filled. They're, I don't see any animosity or any. They're filled with gratitude. They said people have helped us on the way. The church has been there. Oh, it's been there with our dollars. You see, it would be different if Catholics were contributing to a specific fund for the illegals. But they're getting federal dollars. They're the biggest NGO in this business of bringing illegal aliens in. And Catholic Charities is paying for the buses, paying for the airline flights, paying for the Amtrak flights, and encouraging illegals to come in. Why? Let's face it. The Archdiocese is in need of people to attend Mass. You go to an English-language Mass on Sunday, you can roll a bowling ball through, and you almost don't hit anybody. 
You wouldn't even have enough people to have a minion for a shul or a synagogue to have a service. And then all of a sudden, you go later in the day, it's the Spanish-speaking mass. The place is packed. Packed to the rafters. So for the survival of the local parishes and the local Catholic schools and the whole Catholic church in North America, which the population is uh, depleted, less and less Catholics born here are going to church and are religious, so they need all these newfound uh, immigrants, mostly coming in from Central America, South America, and the Dominican Republic, and especially from Mexico. So Cardinal Dolan is there, man. It, this is really a wreck. And what do we do? We put him up at the Milford Plaza. Remember the first thing that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, did was he took 600 rooms at the Milford Plaza, which had gone into bankruptcy. Uh, Bank of America held the note, and then a new consortium came together, an LLC. So that means you don't know who the owners are. Uh, we can't figure out if they're friends of Eric Adams, friends of Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, who politically they're connected with. But all of a sudden, we took 600 rooms at $500 a night at the Row NYC, which is the old Milford Plaza. Come on along, I'll take you to the lullaby of Broadway. And in the center of it all the Milford Plaza Hotel with cocktail dinner and breakfast for $43 per person. Discover why we are the lullaby of Broadway. The Milford Plaza is the lullaby of Broadway. Ah, uh, you see that, uh, Broadway Billy? Uh, what did he say? Cocktail, breakfast, and dinner. It's like, what, 43 That was how many years ago? Now, we give them all kinds of food, and the New York Post did an expose. Great job by the New York Post. They went into the old Milford Plaza, which is now Row NYC. They were able to go into the rooms. They saw empty Corona and beer bottles everywhere. They saw people with weed, people going into the stairwells and having sex, and people refusing to eat the food provided by us, the taxpayers. Oh, we don't eat... We don't eat bagels with cream cheese. We don't eat sandwiches, ham sandwiches, bologna sandwiches. You know, we want hot food. Well, excuse me. <laughs> You're here at our expense. $500 a night. Right there, 46th and 8th, right in the heart of Broadway. And you're bringing in weed. You're bringing in booze. You're having parties there. You're having sex in the stairwells. No security. And this is Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, no supervision, no security, and just spending all money, mad money. So naturally, you can imagine, uh, most of the uh, illegals in the Milford Plaza, which has now been uh, renamed the Row NYC, are from Venezuela. They get on their cell phones, right? They're talking back to their amigos in Caracas, and they're saying, man, if you can get to the Texas border... Get on the Greyhound, choose New York, come here. Man, you can cop a squat with us. We're smoking herb all day. We're having sex in the stairwells. We're drinking Corona beer. We're having a party. And guess who's paying for it? The sucker New York City residents. Not the feds. Not the state. Hochul has said not a nickel, dime, a penny, Eric Adams. Uh, the president of the United States, Joe Biden. 
has refused to answer any of the calls of Eric Adams, who said he was very dear friends with the president. And in fact, he called himself the Biden of Brooklyn. No money. Now he claims it's going to cost us $2 billion, that the population has grown to 40,000 illegals, and we are now leasing out 72 different no-tell motels, Holiday Inn Expresses. We're sending food over there. They don't want to eat the food. So you know what I would tell Broadway Billy? Starve. You don't want to eat this food? Let's starve. Or go back to where you're from. We'll be more than happy to put you on the Greyhound bus and transport you back to your country of origin. But get the hell out of here. Man, they're like whining now because we've raised the expectations that when they sneak across the border and they get here in New York, they get five-star accommodations. You know, they get laundry service. A lot of Americans who work hard are saying, maybe what I should do is I should go down to Mexico, come to the border, seek asylum, claim to be a refugee, and then get... Get placed in a hotel that's worth $500 a night, right? I mean, that's the way to do it. I know that you're thinking about it, Broadway Billy. Uh, Avery there, our uh, nighttime producer and phone screen is thinking about it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But in the words of Tony Montagna of Scarface, he puts it all into perspective. Me, I want what's coming to me. Oh, well, what's coming to you, The world, Chico, and everything in it. Oh, Can I hear that again? Because uh, Tony Montagna said, I want the world and everything in it. Me, I want what's coming to me. Oh, well, what's coming to you, The world, Chico, and everything in it. Oh, and remember, he came over with the Mariolito boat lift in which Castro bamboozled Jimmy Carter and his wife, 1980. Remember how they were waiting on the shores for all the poor and impoverished Cubanos who happened to be uh, released by Castro from his asylums, from his prisons, who then were sent to our shores and caused all kinds of Michigash. And the sucker, Jimmy Carter, just welcomed them all. And then he put some of them in Fort Chafee outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. There was the boy governor at the time, Bill Clinton. He had aspirations to run for the presidency of the United States. And then all of a sudden, the illegal uh, Cubanos who had come in, the Mariolitos, burnt down Fort Chafee, where they were being housed. The voters in Arkansas held uh, Bill Clinton responsible. The gubernatorial election was every two years, and they ousted him. And then he came back, you know, cleaned up his act. He moved to the right. You know, these politicians, they're all sanctimonious hypocrites. He said, what do I have to do to get reelected? You got to move to the right. You got to be anti-Cubano, anti-Mariolito. Oh, man, lock him off, throw away the key. They reelected him. But they sat him on his tookers for two years. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So all of that was back in August. Eric Adams couldn't be nicer to the illegal aliens. Give us your tired. Give us your poor. We will fund your lifestyle in New York City. And now all of a sudden, he's decided to do a pirouette, as he calls it. Uh, he calls it a, what does he call it? Uh, we call it a flip-flop. But he calls it a, a, a dividend shift or a pivoting shift. Pivoting shift, that's what he calls it there. Uh, in fact, if you have his description of it, that would be perfect. Broadway Bill Lee, 
the old-fashioned flip-flop. He calls it a pivot and shift. Anyway, you look at it, he's moving in a completely different direction because his uh, program of acting like Papa Chulo, like uh, Who's Your Daddy, has failed miserably in that New York City, meaning us, the sucker taxpayers, we got to pick up, pick up the tab. Oh, we're going to have to continue to pivot and shift. Yeah, pivot and shift. Uh, that's flip-flop. Anyway, so we're going to pivot and shift as you need it. <laughs> pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. I do the boogaloo. I salsa. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. First you pivot, then you shift. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. The walk. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. Oh, that's so good. Such a classic. Now all of a sudden he needs somebody to blame. He needs a heel. He needs a boogeyman. So he started to blast the New York State Controller, Tom DiNapoli, who uh, analyzed his state-of-the-city address where he was putting a budget together. And he said, from an accountant's point of view, you said you're going to spend a billion dollars to house these illegal aliens. It's not in your budget. Uh, how do you intend on funding this? You gotta, It's got to be in your budget. Oh, he broke wild, uh, Eric Adams, on Tom DiNapoli. Helping New York City is not saying spend more of taxpayers' dollars. I just want one letter, one tweet. Maybe y'all can find a tweet. Did you see one? (laughs) Right. Can you get him on the cell phone, speakerphone, and say, can you send us the letter that you sent to the federal government saying help New York City? Or, or, or send us a tweet or, or do an Instagram post with a sign. Do something. Do you, I mean, we have, can, can you believe it? We're the only ones that are saying federal government do your job. But everyone is telling us to do our job, which we're doing every day. We're doing that every day. We're doing our job. So I need help. And that was one of the number one things I said to all my colleagues. I need you to join me in telling the federal government New York taxpayers don't deserve this. And so if he believe I'm not doing a good enough job, then I think he should be part of this team calling for the federal government to do their job. I don't understand why this guy can't name and shame. Like, the president needs to do his job. Giggles Harris, the vice president, needs to do her job. Mayorkas, the head of... The uh, Department of Homeland Security needs to do his job securing the border. He refuses to name and shame. He speaks in generalities. So now he's blasting state controller Tom DiNapoli, who's doing his job. He's basically saying, look, I'm an accountant. You know, it's like I'm Price Waterhouse. I've looked at your budget. It's $102 billion. It's more than the budget of the state of Florida. But you haven't put into your budget how it is you're going to be taking care of these illegal aliens that are flooding in as we speak. You claim you're going to spend close to a billion dollars. You need an additional billion dollars. You need two billion dollars. And there's none of it in your, none of it in your city budget. Ah, mind your own business, Tom DiNapoli. And then he warned us that hundreds more are still coming. Trust me when I tell you, our numbers, <laughs> we are still receiving hundreds of migrants. In the last a few days, we received, I, I believe, 800. And then uh, Eric Adams uh, told the feds to do their job. We're the only ones that are saying federal government do your job. 
But everyone is telling us to do our job, which we're doing every day. We're doing that every day. We're doing our job. So I need help. And that was one of the number one things I said to all my colleagues. I need you to join me in telling the federal government New York taxpayers don't deserve this. And so if he believe I'm not doing a good enough job, then I think he should be part of this team calling for the federal government to do their job. Don't get this, man. It's like he's moaning and groaning. But he refuses to name and shame. Again, won't name and shame the president. Won't name and shame Giggles Harris, the vice president. Won't name and shame Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security. He speaks in generalities. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And while all this craziness was going on, the junior senator of the state of New York, uh, Gillibrand, decided two years ahead of time to announce that she's seeking uh, re-election, a six-year term. And upon hearing that, my Kumbaticic, Rudy Giuliani, had an interesting suggestion that uh, maybe he and I flip a coin and what, what do we do if the results were in the affirmative or the negative? Senator Gillibrand is, is leading all, is, is going to announce that she's running. I said to Curtis, why don't we flip a coin? Whoever loses should run against her. <laughs> That's interesting. You see, there's one positive thing that Gillibrand has said, and then all of a sudden you haven't heard anything from him. When the flood of illegal aliens were pouring in, and Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, was telling them, who's your daddy? I'm your Papa Chulo, and accepting him in along with Cardinal Dolan, who was playing Santa Claus with our tax dollars. It was Senator Gillibrand who said, you know, we got all this space upstate in western New York, central New York, way up in there, Plattsburgh, empty. You could roll the sagebrush through. Why don't we transport some of these illegal aliens to upstate communities? Take some of the burden off of New York City. I thought it was a great idea. Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, the governor, thought it was a great idea for all of one day, and then she just shut down the idea. And also, Gillibrand shut down. You never heard her talk about it again. I thought it was a great idea. Why not transport some of these illegals upstate with plenty of open space? No, no, that wasn't going to be discussed any further because of the schmuck, the pucks, Chuck E. Cheech, Schumer, who did not want Gillibrand to have any say in this plan. You know, because he's the boss, he's the senior senator, you know, he's the majority leader in the Senate. He can't be outshone by any pisha like uh, Senator Gillibrand. By the way, who he encouraged to run for that open seat that was vacated by Hillary Rodham Clinton, remember, who had replaced Daniel Patrick Moynihan. But then she decided, after serving some time in office as the junior senator of New York, to uh, become secretary of state for Barack Obama. That left the seat open. So you had... Uh, Congresswoman Gillibrand from up outside of Albany. She was like the Annie Oakley of the congressional uh, delegation. Yeah, she used to have shotguns, rifles uh, right underneath her bed. She was great with pistols. The NRA loved it. They called her Annie Oakley. And then all of a sudden, the schmuck to putz Chuck E. Cheese Schumer came over to her and said, Congresswoman Gillibrand, how would you like to be the next U.S. Senator from New York State replacing Hillary Rodham Clinton, who's going on to become the Secretary of State of Barack Obama? She said, sure, what do I got to do? 
change your complete ideology. She said, why? Because your one competitor is Caroline Kennedy of the Kennedy family. And she has the support of President Barack Obama. She's got the support of the billionaire Michael Bloomberg. And she's got the support of the Kennedy clan. Even though she can't chew gum and speak at the same time, Carolyn Kennedy is a very, very strong candidate. And I got to lobby David Patterson uh, to accept you and not to accept Caroline Kennedy, which uh, the schmuck to Chuck Chucky e. Cheese Schumer had to sit down with Patterson. And Patterson chose Gillibrand and not Caroline Kennedy. And Caroline Kennedy, when she went off to become ambassador to uh, Japan, boy, what a winner she was. She could not chew gum and think at the same time. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what it is with all the Kennedys. He gets to about three, four, five uh, in the afternoon and night, and they're a lush. They're half in the bag. They're smashed. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. This is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. Cool and Dre. This is. The remix for the city, let's just start snapping. Crack hit bleak on the jack like, let's make it happen. Oh, it's Nothing me. can stop me, I'm all the way up. It's me. Eric Adams, homie, not Tony Montagna, a Scarface, no, 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 this is French Montagna, all the way up, you know, Coke Boy, he's a CEO of Coke Records, what do you think he does, right, <laughs> got shot in the head, I think, when he came over from uh, Morocco, anyway, he was doing a video down in, uh, Miami Gardens, rough area in Florida, right? Ten people got shot. Isn't that ironic? Ten people got shot. Eric Adams hangs out with this guy. And then Ja Rule, what is that? I got a hundred guns. I got a hundred clips. I come to shoot. Shoot, 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 shoot. He hangs out with Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. By the way, it is uh, approximately 1.35 in the morning East Coast time. I've heard from a few little birdies, Avery, that, yes, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, is up at Club Zero Bond. He's raising the roof. Whatever happens in Club Zero Bond stays in Club Zero Bond as he prepares to take his trip to El Paso. Now, he claims he will not be meeting with the media on Saturday at any point, but will only do a press conference on Sunday. I got to tell you. There ain't no way you're going to separate Eric Adams from any of the lenses down there because part of it is, man, he's going for the photo op, the video op of being down at the border, separating uh, El Paso across the Rio Grande from Juarez. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Benjamin, who's calling from... The land down under Australia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Benjamin. Yeah, hi, Curtis. We, we were, you and I were talking about this topic a number of months ago, uh, Eric Adams in relation to the crazy people in the subway doing the barbecue on the, on the train. And 
Um, then Eric Adams, a few months later, recently, he went and said, oh, let's authorize the police to, you know, call all these people crazy and carry them to the to the funny farm. So listening to you, I realize, you know, the tremendous great idea would be to send all the crazy people from New York City to Mexico and tell them that they're going to the afterlife um, to sign a record label for their rap songs. Problem solved. Well, I will tell you this, Benjamin. I felt a much better route would be to recirculate them through the United States, north of the border to Canada, which has only 40 million people, a landmass much larger than the United States, and plenty of room for them. And Trudeau there wants uh, always to give uh, uh, immigrants uh, refugee status, uh, uh, asylum status. I mean, that would be the route to go. Now, Benjamin, you yourself, your country has taken refugees, right? Your your country has offered asylum to people. Yeah, it's really depressing because I offered an illegal alien um, um, a home, you know, and, like, to do some work on my crib, um, and he ended up suiciding there. And so when that happened, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to help people anymore. I don't believe in um, Christian charity like I used to. So, you know. Now, what was the... uh... Uh, the people do because uh, I'm I'm saying to myself. Uh, last I remember checking, uh, Australia, the size of the United States. People don't realize this. The continent of Australia, your country, is the size of the United States. So that means uh, when you're on one coast, going from let's say Melbourne or Sydney to the other coast, Perth, which would be the equivalent of our West Coast, going from like New York to Los Angeles. You got all that land, and I only think you got like 27 million people, correct? Yeah, there's a lot of land, but when you take away the desert, it's not as big as it looks. So um, the desert is like two-thirds of the land. So it's like in America, everything east of the Colorado, the Rocky Mountains, is that's where most of the um, river deltas and the water that falls from the sky drains. That's where most of the people are. If you look at west of the, the Rocky Mountains of America, there's not that many people there. Right, but I'm telling you, uh, we want to share. We want to share with Canada. We want to share with Australia, our illegal aliens. And I understand that uh, Frank Morano, the Mameluke, had invited you to his New Year's Eve party in Atlantic City? Yes, yeah, so I'm Spanish, okay? I'm a citizen of Spain, and I will not um, play games with the Immigration Department in America. So if they want me to jump through hoops like little poodles, they can get a dirty visa up, no. Okay, they can give me a stamp when I come in, or they can lock me up and say, go home. But their immigration um, system is a joke. So I would never apply for a visa, you know, like, you know, I just don't understand it. Honestly, I don't understand Well, this is what I would like you to do, Benjamin. I'd like you to reverse the offer to Frank to Mama Luke Morano. I'd like you on behalf of the land down under and Australia to invite him to your Gold Coast, which is between Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane, uh, up the coast. Uh, Lots of hotels there, casinos. Offer him some Vegemite and just tell him he'll be able to shoot craps there with the Japanese. Could, Could you make him that offer, Benjamin? 
He can sail on my yacht. I've got a 25-foot um, sail yacht. I've already invited um, Greg Kelly because he put me on his show. I'm happy for any of you radio people to sail on my yacht. Um, I won't push you into the water. Um, you're all welcome. So just ask um, Frank Morano for my email address. Oh, I could just see Frank there with his little rubber ducky right in the water there. You know, bait for the big white sharks. Oh, my God. Hey, let's go to that Mama Luke Frank in Staten Island. You got casinos there, a lot of Japanese in the Gold Coast. You know, Frank can teach them how to play Baccarat, right? You know, we're going to hear all that later on. As we once again prove that we are a global, we are a global radio station with outreach to every continent in the world. Or maybe not Antarctica. Maybe I'm really stretching it a bit. But every other continent in the world, uh, particularly if you have um, an app, you can hear it crystal clear anywhere if you have the streaming audio of your laptop or your worktop computer. Oh, crystal clear, you can hear it. Anyway, let's go to David, who's calling from California. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, David. I want to talk about the outrageous Eric Adams hotel for homeless plan but first you mentioned scott shannon at the beginning of the show let me give you your own custom id in the voice of scott shannon tell me how you like it you ready now hold on a second before you do it david now yours uh, broadway billy you've worked with scott shannon at wcbs fm for many years you have a better ear for scott shannon <laughs> so pay attention to david as he's going to try to imitate the retired Scott Shannon of WCBS-FM. Go for it, David. In three, two, one, you're listening to Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Sliwa on 77 WABC, New York. It's not bad. I like that. Yeah, he's my role model. He's a big inspiration. I used to work in radio. I got I to I gotta tell you, that Dave, if somebody had uh, a little, you know, were ginned up, that would sound legit to them. <laughs> I called briefly. I called one of his operators at Z100 DJs in the Scott Shannon voice back in the 80s, and I had him turn the transmitter down, and he actually did it. Well, I remember when he actually vacated the East Coast, went out there for a while, L.A. for pirate radio, they called it. Uh, didn't do too well, uh, and then had to come back to PLJ and, as you mentioned, uh, Z100 and then WCBS-FM. Uh, you know, he created the whole zoo, the whole zoo concept of radio when he was down in Tampa. He's, he's an iconic figure uh, in uh, radio. So he got a great role model there. But let me ask you, David, do you, are you in your Noah's Ark? Uh, we see all these these weather shots coming from Southern California, Northern California, you were in a drought. Now it seems uh, you made up for all the uh, years you had drought. You're getting a deluge. Yeah, you know, I've been out here since the 90s, and I have to say I never remember this much rain all winter. It's, it's really been depressing, cold and rainy like I've never seen before. And people that have grown up, it's, it's the worst in 20 years. But. Is there a positive side? Because we know that the entire state was gripped in drought. You are 
really the breadbasket for America. You are the citrus basket for America, especially Central uh, California. Will this help eventually? Well, you know, the sad thing is they always say, oh, well, it's, we're still in a drought because they want to, like, just suck more money out of the people. But I think at this point I just read on the news that most of the state is out of drought emergency. Well, it's one positive to getting wiped out. You're not in drought anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, you know, if you're if you're a wedding DJ and you have a – here's what I hate. You know, I was a wedding DJ, and I had a DJ a wedding, and uh, it's like, oh, damn, it's raining. And it's like, oh, good. Well, you know, we need the rain anyway. Yeah, well, it doesn't have to rain when I'm doing an outdoor DJ wedding. Shut up. Now, uh, David, were you a wedding DJ? Yes, I did that as well. You know, you shared that uh, skill with uh, our own Mama Luke Frank Morano for years. He would show up with his uh, uh, equipment. And he was the wedding DJ. Well, in that case, I'm not going to do it anymore. Oh, no, 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 wait a second. Whatever floats your boat, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do our uh, Frank Morano rap a day earlier because Avery uh, is on some kind of operation in 24 hours. He calls it Operation Hush, Hush, Mush, Mush. So you're definitely going to want to hear the Frank Morano rap in the 4 o'clock hour. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Calling all the way from Hawaii is Mark. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mark. Aloha, Brother Curtis. Uh, Sounds like you've had better, sir. Oh, I've always had Uh, better days. Uh, No matter what day you ask me, I'll always answer. That's my knee-jerk reaction. I've had better days. (laughs) Hey, I just wanted to, to, real quick, I know you're busy, Uh, I was blessed to have the opportunity to talk with you on uh, New Year's Eve and that uh, with uh, the fine panel that you had assembled. It was really, was really special to me. But my, the reason I'm calling, uh, I'm retired law enforcement. I split my time between Connecticut and Hawaii. And uh, I noticed that you call uh, Adams a, a house mops. I'm very familiar with the term. And I, I understand what it means, and I agree with the term. However, uh, back where I worked, we used to call them station rats or a station rat. And I think in light of what you've been experiencing from our mayor, that perhaps station rat would be a better term than house mouse. means the same thing, although the, the rat part of it, too, is maybe a little bit more Parmesan cheese eating. But um, ah. uh, just a, suge- a suggestion to you, sir. Well, there's a problem with that. I'll explain. Uh, Eric Adams... To everybody's description who ever served with him in the transit police and in the NYPD for 22 years say that most times he was assigned to the precinct. He was a house mouse. They refer that to here. In fact, I remember he was talking to a group, uh, uh, the Polish, in the annual Pulaski Day dinner that I was at with Nancy. And he mentioned how he was in the precinct in Greenpoint in Brooklyn and somebody there said, yeah, and we never saw you in the community. You were always in the precinct. So he loved to, you know, hang out in the precinct. He rarely would go out. He never made collars. Uh, all during the campaign when I ran against him, questions were, did you ever make an arrest? Did you ever make a collar? He never answered that question. Now, maybe he did. After 22 years, you would figure you did. But he can't use that term now, house rat, 
because I I am the self-proclaimed rat czar of New York City. And uh, oh, good point, good point. Yeah. And yeah. he he has decided not to accept my very generous offer of uh, being the rat czar at no expense to the taxpayers. Uh, he he got very angry the other day because uh, I brought cats over to uh, his uh, property in Brooklyn. He has a building that he really should sell. He, he's, he's not Donald Trump. He's he's not into. Uh, uh, property, you know, he just doesn't know how to manage property. He has massive rat infestation. He's been ticketed galore. He fixes the tickets. It's caused him all kinds of headaches. And then he has me declaring himself to be the rat czar and going over to his building and eradicating the rats. So I don't think we want to use that because that might trigger him off and he might drop the F-bomb on me again. Well, good, good, good point, Curtis. I didn't think of that, sir. Once again, you've got our back on this one. I, I did see the pictures and the read of the article uh, in the post, and uh, I, I found it quite amusing that he, he wouldn't take your help. But uh, it doesn't sound like uh, there's high expectations from this guy. So. Well, you see, everyone that knows me, they know one thing: I hate rats. Uh, <laughs> it's not his fault. Uh, the rat explosion and population of mice and other rodents took place in the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020 because exterminators were not able to go out. The population exploded. But once he got elected mayor, he made the mistake of declaring war on the rats. You know, and we always do this in America. You know, war on crime, war on drugs, war on rats. And we never win these wars. You know, it's sort of like uh, figure out another term. And as well, I didn't, you, didn't, 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 I'm sorry, uh, Curtis, didn't you say, if I remember correctly, you said you got to cut a deal with them because you're not going to win the battle, right? No, no, they, no, no man, no woman, no country, no city, no county, no municipality has ever won its war against rats. What you do is you basically you have a detente. You say, rats, you stay below ground, we're above ground. Uh, there'll be plenty of food, but we're going to eliminate parts of your population. So you're not going to go scrounging for food from 10 o'clock at night to 4 o'clock in the morning all throughout the streets and the alleyways and then embedding yourself in people's townhouses and condos and apartments and projects. And you basically create it so that the rat will still exist, the mice will exist, the rodents will exist. Because uh, let's, uh, for argument's sake, uh, Mark, say that finally uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, in a vodka-enraged discussion, decides to launch a nuclear weapon at New York City, drops it right on the Empire State Building. We will all melt like candles. But the ones who will survive will be the rats, the mice, and the cockroaches. They are survivors. They've gone through centuries in which men and women have tried to eradicate them. You get some results, but you'll never win the war. You will never win the war, Mark. I told the mayor that, but he's so obstinate. He's so pretentious. He thinks, well, you know, I'll win the war against the rats. I I even said publicly, I said, look, we hear Rudy Giuliani all the time talk about what a great job he did against crime, and he did. But you never heard him say that he won the war against rats. He never brings that up. I said to Rudy the other day, because he broadcasts here at WABC three to four, Monday through Fridays. I said, Rudy, who did you assign to deal with the rat problem? He said, my deputy mayor, Joe Loda. 
I said, how come you never really brag about it or talk about it the way you did about your ability to bring down crime in New York City? He said, well, that ought to be self-evident. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kurt, Curtis, thank you. Uh, aloha, brother. Be well. Be healthy, my friend. Thank you for your time. Yes, and by the way, be on the lookout for the woman in white, your former congresswoman, Tulsi Gabbard. And just uh, if you see her mention, you know, Frank Morano would love to interview you, Tulsi. He's not a stalker. He's just desperate <laughs> to have Tulsi come on his radio program. I'm not that brave, brother. I'm not that brave. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that. As you can see, ladies and gentlemen, our global outreach. We've had calls from Australia, California, in the rain, in Noah's Ark, Hawaii, and all other ports of call. That's what we can do with the 50,000 powerful watts of sound to the old-fashioned terrestrial radios. But with all the newfangled technology, we can go 24-7-365. Although my job today is to take you to the break of dawn. So nice. I'll then end up doing it twice after I stop off for an hour with left versus right. Anthony Weiner, 3 to 4 today. And then I'm back at it again, 12 midnight to 6 in the morning on Sunday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. in the bullpen, Avery in the 4 o'clock hour. They'll be doing the uh, Frank Morano rap. I'll be assisting him because uh, we've been told that Avery will be on a very special mission. 
24 hours. Operation Hush Hush Mush Mush. We're not permitted to mention it, but he won't be with us. He'll be doing something uh, far more important to the welfare of this radio station and to the life of AM radio. And so uh, we must sacrifice uh, having Avery with us, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, tomorrow. But he'll be back same time, same place next week. Now, I know we could have had uh, two uh, Frank Morano raps, but it's okay. He's got important work to do. Well, we'll get our Frank Morano rap uh, this morning in just a few hours in the 4 o'clock hour. And none of you are going to sleep because you're all, I'm taking you to the break of dawn. He's a cold-hearted man. Cold-hearted shit. You know, I thought it was doing him a solid. With the passing of Bernard McGurk, untimely death last year. And again, I can't say it enough to all of you out there. Men, you got to have a blood test, a simple blood test, a simple prick of the finger. To determine if you, in fact, have uh, any uh, any prostate cancer, uh, I need my music again. Broadway, Bill Lee, please. I need it underneath me here because Sid has been cold-hearted to me, and I'm going to make my case to all of our many listeners globally on this. Is uh, With the passing of Bernard McGurk, and we are broadcasting from the Bernard McGurk studio, I have uh, pimp-slapped Chris Libertini. And I say, Chris, wait a second, you know, the opening of the show I do at 12.15 uh, in the afternoon to 1, right after the Bill O'Reilly update, has that embedded, uh, talking about 77 WABC Radio, we are broadcasting from the Bernard McGurk studio. Why isn't it on the weekends? Oh, well, you know, I got to scratch my belly, got to burp. You know, I got to look behind my left ear, maybe find it in my right ear. It's like all all excuses, nonsense. You know, you gold brick slackers like you never believe these hipsters and millennials. Like, what the hell is it? You want me to inhale for you and exhale too, huh? So I'm whipping them into shape. And that should really be the lead into each and every one of our segments. And so I got to voice it over. In honor of Bernard McGurk, the greatest of all time, the GOAT when it comes to being both a producer and a talk show host. Nobody ever combined both of those uh, jobs any better than Bernard McGurk. And as I said, he delayed too long getting that simple prick of the finger, a blood test at his age. I think he was 60 at the time. And boy, that prostate cancer that he had undetected, metastasized to his liver. And boy, he struggled. He suffered for his last year, oftentimes coming on with Sid from his bed, bedridden, and he came on. I mean, he toughed it out. Rudy Giuliani, my kumbada cheech, he uh, had prostate cancer 20 years before me. I had mine in 2012. 
And both of us almost waited too long to get our simple prick of the finger at a blood test. So, ladies out there, more importantly, I am giving you the green light to nag, to just constantly uh, bark at the men in your life. If they're 40 or over, they need to get that blood test. Uh, the government says 55 plus. No, 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 no. 40 and over. Uh, there have been many cases of men in their 40s who have come down with prostate cancer. And because they say, well, I thought it doesn't happen if it does happen until you're after, after you're 55. Wrong. Simple test once a year. And uh, children, grandchildren, I don't care. Uh, be a witch, be a wicker, just be constantly nagging the guy in your life until they get that simple blood test. In honor of Bernard McGurk, I know later on in the year, we will organize uh, a prostate cancer run to bring awareness. WABC-TV Eyewitness News used to do that every year. And how ironic, Broadway Bill Lee, that I was chairman one year. Rudy Giuliani was chairman of the run one year. We didn't have prostate cancer at that time. And years later, we developed prostate cancer. And most of the individuals participating in the run, it was about 10,000, were men. To get across like women, they're constantly talking with one another about breast cancer. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I mean, to the point where mastodons on the gridiron in the NFL season are wearing pink shoes, pink gloves. It's like we're constantly, women feel very open to discuss it with other women and even with men. You bring up the subject of prostate cancer with men, it's like, shh, don't talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to be a eunuch. I don't want to have to cop a squat on the porcelain palace. I won't be able to use the urinal. I'd rather not face it. Uh, you know, you better. But what could typically happen to you is what unfortunately happened to Bernard McGurk. Could have happened to me if I waited any longer or to Rudy Giuliani. All three of us would have been gone. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And as a result, uh, Sid Rosenberg had to carry on the torch. And as I repeated to Sid this morning when he lifted the suspension on me, oh, yeah, Broadway Billy and Avery had a suspension on me because they're contemplating, they're pondering, eliminating one of my, uh, one of my performances each week on Sid Rosenberg and Friends. And I said to them, I can't say it enough. Well, you need a fiend and you need a foe. Sid Rosenberg, friends, fiend, and foe. I'm a fiend on Monday, 7.05 in the morning, and I'm a foe Fridays at 7.05 in the morning because you need that balance. Yeah. Instead of this uh, tongue-kissing, uh, I kiss your tukus, you kiss my tukus, that goes on in which his guests are always in agreement. You know, Sid will say, oh, the greatest guest of all time. You know, it's like ultra hype. And I bring a little reality to it. And I thought I was doing a damn good job, Broadway Bill Lee. And I had to take to the streets earlier this morning to fight for my right by labeling uh, Sid Rosenberg part of the Cancel Culture Club. With a little play on words, because to me, when uh, you saw with the big picture that I was parading around with in the middle of 3rd Avenue while the traffic was rushing by, I made him look like Boy George, uh... As if he was singing Karma Chameleon, Chameleano, or whatever the hell that song is, with that stupid hat on, you know, that Boy George had. 
Yeah, yeah, Sid has joined the Cancel Culture Club. And remember, he had demeaned feral cats. He said he hated feral cats. In my war on rats, we need feral cats. So I was out there and say, in our war on rats, we need more feral cats. But here, here, let's go. Let's go to the audio tape so I can make my case. And hopefully the jury of WABC listeners will determine if I'm right or wrong on this. I thought I'm just being a team player. It's us and we and not just I and me. The importance of morning drive radio. Because I've done it three times now in my 35-year career. It is the most grueling. You have the most pressure. You have the most tension because you're the first one in the race. Could I have my music, please, uh, Broadway Billy? You're the first one in the relay race. And as you break out of your marks, if you can get clear enough ahead of the competition, you're going to make it easier for everybody else that follows you to maintain that number one presence. So we are the number one news talk station in the nation, but it all starts in the morning. And Sid, previously with Bernie, had blown right out of the box and got into that number one position. So that if you follow, it's a hell of a lot easier to stay ahead of the competition than if all of a sudden he passed off the baton at 10 o'clock to Brian Kilme and Brian was all already behind the competition. That would make it super tough to catch up. And Sid has done a magnificent job when he was teamed up with Bernie. And it's done a magnificent job now that it's Sid Rosenberg and friends. But I figured you needed a little, you had to have somebody who was adversarial. Somebody who wasn't going to just kiss the tuchus of Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who all of a sudden is of interest to Sid Rosenberg, who it's like, hey, you got two metrosexuals there. It's like you got two peacocks. You know, they're strutting their stuff, showing their $5,000 customized suits. Sid Rosenberg, uh, his uh, Joseph uh, Bood uh, selection, and Eric Adams. Oh, he's got the kind of suit selection that John Gotti Sr. had that uh, Pablo Escobar of the Medellin Cartel had. Anyway, let's go to the audio type. Here is Sid, who says he doesn't care about what I say about the mayor. And then basically said, I'm persona non grata. He doesn't need me. And it's never nasty when him and I are together, but... Is there any truth to this, though, these are messages I get that he gets really nasty, specifically around 1245, because if it's true, then I'm going to whack him. Let him do his own show, his own weekend show. I don't need him. You hear that? He's going to whack me. He doesn't need me. Let him do his weekend show. Should I just accept that, or should I fight for what I know is right, ladies and gentlemen, to give that morning show some balance, some bookends on Monday mornings at 7.05 and Friday mornings at 7.05, where I'm the fiend on Monday mornings and the foe on Friday mornings. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Broadway Billy, can I hear that again as uh, Sid Rosenberg basically throws down the gauntlet to me? And it's never nasty when him and I are together, but is there any truth to this, though, these are messages I get that he gets really nasty, specifically around 1245, because if it's true, then I'm going to whack him. Let him do his own show and his own weekend show. I don't need him. Going to whack me. You heard what he said. And then he was like, uh, sounded like a male yente. He was complaining about me again and again and again. 
You know, I get all these uh, text messages. Oh, Sid Curtis, he's a hero. He's a legend. Don't kick him off the show. Be nice. And I don't want to keep maligning my listening audience, but some of you, you just, you can't figure out the difference between shtick, real life. 99% of what Curtis says outside of his real jealousy for the mayor, real jealousy, because he got his ass kicked, is all shtick. And almost 100% of what I say is all shtick, too. I just don't care. Uh, hold on. So I let Curtis yell and scream every afternoon, and... All he wants to do is end up on this show. That's all he cares about. That's it. The more I talk about Sid, the better chances I've got on him mentioning me or putting me on in the mornings. It's really that simple, folks. If you haven't figured that out, you're not as smart as you think you are. What is it? 99% of everything I do, Avery? Everything I do, Broadway Bill Lee is shtick? I can't believe this. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then you, you never tell uh, Sid anything, because if you tell Sid anything, he puts his business out there for everybody to hear. Here, he's talking about private conversations he had with his uh, uh, board operator, Lou, who's been uh, with him since their days with Imus in the morning. Lou thinks his, his act is old and tired and boring, and he, he won't say it, but I will for him. Okay, good. Now I uh, will move well, on. Now you've said it now. Well, I always tell you not to tell me stuff off the air. Well, you know what's going to end up on the air. I mean, I, 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 I try not to say it, but I can't control myself. Well, I make the mistake of thinking you'll act you know, <laughs> like a human being. Right. Come on. What is he talking about? You tell uh, Sid anything, he puts uh, he puts your business out there for everybody to hear, just like Frank Morano, the Mama Luke. But you can see how they're teamed up against me. Lou, he doesn't even want me. He says my act is old, it's hackneyed, it's over. And then the uh, new jack of the crew, uh, Macedonian Phil, he actually was uh, pretty cogent. He basically put it to Sid that if you shut you shut Curtis down on the morning show, he's just going to come back at you four times harder. They are? If you, kick, if you kick him off your show entirely, he has no appearances, you think he's going to stop talking about you? No. He's going to talk about you four times Let me ask much. Lucas. That's right, four times as much. With all the hours that I have, where WABC on the weekend, Sid, always stands for always broadcasting Curtis. Or always broadcasting Katsimatidis, right? Sometimes it's the CNC show, Katsimatidis or Curtis. Especially when you get to Sunday mornings uh, from 8 to 10, all those newsmakers that bleed right out there virally into every port of call around the world. And then sometimes so powerful the news cycle of uh, John Katsimatidi's guests that we end up talking about what they had to say on Monday and Tuesday. That's how powerful it is. But then I said I would come back, I would demonstrate out in the streets early Friday morning. And that I would promote the fact that uh, Sid Rosenberg had joined the Cancel Culture Club of Boy George. And I was out in the middle of 3rd Avenue. I mean, the traffic was intense. 18-wheel tractor trailers, buses, cars, I mean, cabs. They were almost knocking me down. But I wasn't I wasn't going to fold like a cheap camera to Sid Rosenberg. In fact, listen to Sid talking to our, our traffic guy, Joe Nolan, about what he considered to be insane in the brain tactics of Curtis Lewa. Long Island Expressway now. He's fell. Right? Forgot about all this. 42. The biggest problem we've got right now traffic-wise 
I that? swear to God, John, I'm not making this up. What do you got? Curtis Sliwa is continuing his four-hour picket of me. <laughs> I swear to you, Joe, he is, is standing he? in the middle of the street on 3rd Avenue. There are cars zigzagging out of the way. He's in the middle of oncoming traffic on 3rd Avenue holding up the cancel culture sign of me. He almost got hit by a Mercedes. I'm not even kidding, Joe. I know you're not. The buses are swerving out of the way. The car, he's right in the middle of the street. What's he doing? You know, He's insane. He's going to get hurt. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a and you got a ringside seat. I know. I'm watching this whole thing. He's insane. <laughs> That's your traffic issue about to happen on 3rd Avenue. Get ready. Well, there you go. <laughs> You know what that reminded me of? The old uh, Crazy Eddie commercial. He's insane! Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Roy, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Roy. Curtis, there's a song by Little Anthony and the Imperials that you should play. And it's called the... Looking on the out, I'm on the outside looking in. That's what it's going to be with Sid. He's going to get rid of you, and you better watch out. He's a tough Jew. He's going to give you the beat in your life. You get smart with him. Watch out for Sid. Now, Roy, uh-huh. uh, let me get uh-huh. the let me get the name of that song again. Little Anthony and the Imperials, one of my favorite groups. I'm, I'm on the outside looking in. I'm on the outside looking, looking in. in. Oh, yeah, I'm on the outside. Because you are. He, that Jew's going to get rid of you. You're done. You're finished. Goodbye. On the outside looking and in. And don't get smart with him because he'll knock you out. Uh, I guarantee he's going to uh, knock you gonna out. How's he going to knock me out? He didn't knock out Bernard McGurk when they were over at uh, WFAN. Bernard McGurk took him out with the Everlast uh, gloves on it. Oh, that man. was comedy. Comedy? This would be, be, be hatred. Because you can hear it in him. He's ready to fight you. Roy, here's the song. Hold on a second. Here's the song. Roy, right? I'm on the outside looking in. And I want to be back on the inside with you. You are with somebody new. And I don't know what to do. Cause I'm still in love with you. I'm on the outside looking in. So good, so good. I don't wanna be, I don't wanna be left on the outside all alone. Well, I guess I've had my day. And you let me go my way Now it's me who has to pay I never should have gone away I never should have gone away And left you like I did With tears in your eyes Good stuff Last time I was with little Anthony, no Imperials. He was with uh, Cousin Brucie 
That was at the uh, Garden State, if I remember. Ladies and gentlemen, help me because I know many of you were there. It was a packed crowd. Uh, we were on the Garden State Parkway. We passed the Luke Oil. I was there with Nancy. Uh, you gave me a standing ovation. Uh, cousin uh, cousin uh, Vinnie Madugno was there. He sang a song. I know many of you were there. I'm just trying to remember. It was Anthony... Little Anthony without the Imperials. Man, he was hitting those high notes. On the outside looking in. Yeah, that's the way I felt this morning when I was on 3rd Avenue. That Mercedes almost turned me into a speed bump. That was a close call. Oh, so good. What happened to the Imperials? There was little Anthony there. There was Cousin Brucie. There was uh, Vinnie Madugno. There was Nancy, myself. We were sitting there in the crowd. I mean, it was packed. Packed. Right on the Garden State Parkway. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I really did feel this morning on the outside looking in. Broadway, Billy and Avery. Uh, if you go to Instagram, WABC Instagram, you'll see the video. They posted it. You can see the close calls. I mean, it's right on the yellow line. And, I mean, these these vehicles were whooshing by. They said, you've already been hit twice. First by hollow point bullets, June 19, 1992. Then three days before the mayoral election the last year, you got clipped by that cab right outside of Radio City Music Hall on 6th Avenue. And this would have been the third time. Maybe the third time is the charm, right? Man, I avoided those 18-wheel tractor trailers. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jay, who's calling all the way from Orange County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jay. Hey, what's going on, Curtis? How are you? Well, I made it this morning, but it was a few close calls as I was out there protesting Sid Rosenberg. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I loved that show when it was Bernie and Sid. I listened every day, nonstop, and uh, it's just not the same anymore. I, I don't know. I, this, I don't think uh, I don't think he would be going doing this all this with Eric Adams if Bernie was around for sure. No, but uh, again, they were like the yin and the yang. If you notice, they had two different personalities. Uh, when they were together, it was magic on the radio. It's unfortunate, as I said, uh, Bernard McGurk had an untimely death. Uh, they got together originally because Bernard McGurk, who uh, was producing the Imus in the Morning Show, uh, Sid had been exiled down to Florida. He was soon going to be uh, lining up for the Bluebird special every afternoon in uh, Boca Raton at 4 o'clock. And Bernard met with the uh, with our boss at the time, Chad Lopez, uh, and Chad said, would you like to do a mid-morning show right after Imus? And he said, absolutely, that's been my dream, but I don't want to do it alone. I want to do it with Sid. We always talked about that. And so they went down. They hired Sid. There was a battle with the Cumulus executives. They didn't want Sid. They wanted Bernie, but they didn't want Sid. Uh, and then I remember coming back from Florida. I was at the uh, – uh, I was at uh, – in Hollywood – at the casino there, the Hard Rock Casino, we had a Guardian Angel conference of our Florida chapters. 
And I went out and I did some intel on Sid because, you know, Sid, he's been very open about all the problems that he had with booze and drugs and chasing skirts and gambling and all that stuff. Uh, and I was assured by a lot of the uh, uh, retired wise guys down there that he had pretty much, you know, he was no longer involved in that kind of stuff. So I gave a good recommendation. I said, you got to sign up, Sid. And then they had a contract right on his desk, Chad Lopez, for Mike Lupica. That day they were going to sign up Mike Lupica to be the mid-morning show following Imus. This guy lived in New Canaan, Connecticut. He was never going to come into the studio. He was going to call it in from his basement. And I said, you can't do that. You've got a great team in waiting uh, who work on the Imus in the morning show. You've got Bernard McGurk. He wants Sid Rosenberg. we got to bring him up. And uh, luckily, Chad Lopez stood his ground, Jay. He took a big risk because the suits that were much higher uh, in the corporate uh, chain uh, of uh, Cumulus could have easily whacked Chad over that. But Chad held firm, put together the team, and it was magic for the years that Bernard McGurk was uh, alive. But now Sid is going solo. So, of course, it's going to be a little different when they're not together. But you gotta listen because you gotta, you gotta help, you gotta help me, you gotta rat him out when he really goes over the top with me, Jay. Yeah, no, we, uh, we had a, we had a, like a, a running joke in the office, like after Bernie passed away, who was gonna replace him. My money was on you. Um, I never thought they'd put Sid solo because it was kind of like Bernie holding him in, like keeping him in check. Because you can feel the narcissism all the time. Well, I, I got to uh, tell you this, Jay. Uh, even though everybody has their own point of view what to do, he's the ratings leader. And in this business, when you uh, are the ratings leader, that means people are listening. There's no, there's no way uh, you can uh, chintz on the ratings. Having been in that position three times doing morning radio, it's a grind. It's grueling. Uh, it's ratings intensive. It's where most of the advertising is. The advertisers are listening intently. They want to see if their product is being placed right, uh, if it's getting uh, its proper due. It's a hell of a lot more pressure on you when you do morning radio than at any other time of the day, the night, the weekends. Even all the hours that I do are not comparable to doing a four-hour morning show. It's doing an outstanding job. Look, there's some people going to like Sid. There's some people who are not going to like him. There's some people who like me. There's some people who don't like me. Then there are other shows, I won't mention them, in which nobody likes uh, the persons on that show. But, hey, what the hell? You know, they're not at that time of day where they have to be number one because the morning show does a, such a good job getting out of the shoots. And running the relay race and getting us ahead. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oofa. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. With a great big hug and a kiss for me to you. God, I hate, I hate Bonnie. All those years I had to sit with my sons. Anthony was now 18, Carter 13, Hunter 11. Sitting there, that purple monster Bonnie. I love you, you love me. Oh, God. If I had had a sort of shotgun, 
I'd have put those shells in there. I'd have cocked that shotgun. And I got to tell you, I would have shot that TV screen. I hate it, Barney. Well, you know, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, when you hear the title and it comes out that it's uh, Sid Rosenberg and Friends, it's a little like Barney. I love you. You love me. We love Eric Adams. Well, not Curtis Lee, but that's for sure. So that's why you need Ubalance. Yeah, that's what my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, always said. Wanya, fateli fate tu. Ubalance. You got to be balanced. You can't be in an extreme one way or the other. Balance in everything he, you do. He had a balanced meal each day. He had a balance in the way he lived his life. Now, I can't say I'm balanced. Because I live in the extreme lane. But for, for most folks, they enjoy the balanced way that life needs to be. And I got to tell you, I think what I do for Sid Rosenberg and friends is I bring the fire, the adversarial fire that sometimes does not exist from the other guests. Like I'm at war now with Congressman Peter King. Uh, he can't wait to take shots at me coming right out of the box. You know, ever since all of a sudden he decided to uh, jump off uh, the SS uh, Donald Trump, and all of a sudden he decided, I'm swimming over to your tugboat, Sliwa. Uh, you're a never Trumper. Uh, you're a rhino. I said, yeah, I was uh, I was that way a long time ago uh, before the election in 2016. Uh, don't swim to my tugboat. And then Bo Dito likewise. Oh, I'm a big Trumper, but now, you know, uh, uh, I'm a never Trumper. Uh, I'm a rhino. No, 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 don't swim to my tugboat because it'll capsize. No life rafts, no life, uh, no life uh, rowboats, none of that. You're on your own. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Peter, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Curtis, how are you? I've had better days, Peter. I know. I heard you before. I've called a couple times, and a couple things I wanted to mention was, uh, have you checked out that new movie, Otto, uh, with uh, Tom Hanks? It's a it, it has a little uh, introduction with cats, and you're a big feral cat guy, and I think it would be interesting for you to check it out. Oh, yeah, my wife, she already saw that, uh, the advertisement in which Tom uh, Hanks is sitting there like on a chair, and you have one of those fluffy yarn ball uh, uh, cats uh, in his yeah. arm. Really, it's a very, very well done uh, shot, but, no, that's going to be an encouragement uh to have her watch it. Now, she's had a few vision problems. The other, the other day was a bit frightening for both her and I. We were leaving an event at WABC, and about halfway home, she went blind. She couldn't see. We had to actually get out of the cab that we had taken, and she could not see. Everywhere she looked, she could not see where she was going. And so... Um, I was able to get her home. Uh, Dr. Mikolos, who oftentimes appears with uh, John Katsimatidis in the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion and his, his health care guest, he uh, did uh, great referrals uh, for Nancy. I brought her up to Columbia Presbyterian. We're getting her back on track, but she, she's got quite she's got quite a regimen to go through to get her sight back because as it stands now, it's very difficult for her to see when the light is on or even out in daylight. It's got to be almost pitch black. 
Well, I, I, it was just an odd idea, but I wanted to mention two other things. Number one, hiccups. I heard you uh, the other day with a woman talking about putting a lemon in their mouth and sucking it down and getting rid of the hiccups. I had a very simple uh, remedy. Uh, if you want to listen, it's a small glass of water, a little piece of paper, uh, slowly drink the glass of water down. You don't have to have much water, but just watch the piece of paper go to the end of the glass, concentrate on that paper, slowly drinking it, and uh, you'll lose your hiccups. And the third thing is if Sid is big on uh, serious and he wants to be uh, on your same level uh, with your interest in helping New York City, he should run for mayor. Consider it. Bring it up the next time you talk to him. Yeah, but then he wouldn't want to run against his newfound pal, Eric Adams. See, that's, well, it, it, <laughs> that, that's the problem is that they're like two peas in a pod, a soup and a sandwich, a horse in a carriage now. Well, uh, uh, Adams has got a couple more years. So uh, let's see what happens over the next couple of years. But I think that if he wants to be on the same level with you, his love of New York City, uh, let's see what happens over the next couple of years if Eric Adams does what he says he's going to do, which – is highly improbable. There's a lot of things going against them. And I don't know whether or not being hmm. Some interference there. Somebody cut into Peter. Somebody didn't want Peter to finish what was on his mind. You see, uh, what I've been telling uh, Sid is be very careful. You're getting uh, a little too close to Eric Adams. You are not able to discern um, positive from negative, what's political, what's ideological, what's in the best interest of Eric Adams or the best interest of the city. And I told him, uh, I told him, Broadway, Billy and Avery, do not get into a hot tub with Eric Adams. Do not get into a hot tub. You know, they're both metrosexuals. We're not talking homosexuality here. They're, they're like peacocks. You know, they, they admire one another. Oh, is that, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I like that suit, you know, it's, uh, it's metrosexual, not homosexual, it's metrosexual, platonic, right? It's it's sort of a platonic uh, respect, love, I, I don't know how you condition it, but that's what it appears to be to me. But I have one, Sid, don't get into a hot tub with Eric Adams. You never know. You never know. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Giuseppe calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hi, Curtis. Good morning. Listen, why is, uh, for example, Frank sort of afraid of Sid? For example, the other day I said uh, to uh, to Frank, Listen, Frank, let's say Sid comes over to you and begs you, you know, uh, to recommend someone to replace Bernie McGurk, right? He went on, he did everything except mentioning a name. Now, as far as you are concerned, by the way, do you know why he discourages you from uh, 
appearing on his show too often. No, what? He's afraid Katz Medidis would be eavesdropping and having you, Curtis, take over McGurk's seat. But uh, Sid, he does not want anyone on the planet, you know. He's so self-absorbed that he wants the show all for himself. And the friends, uh, you, you know, and he's not very new, much of a New Yorker like you, you know. If he gets another job somewhere better, he'll leave, go to Florida. He despises New York, actually, especially when it rains. He says it stinks of feces, you know. He, he, do, he doesn't like it uh, as much. So as far as, uh, 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 Curtis, are you there? Oh, I'm listening very intently. Yes, I'm, take, more, I'm taking notes, Joe. I'm taking yes. notes. Correct. One more thing I have to mention is regarding the uh, uh, prostate, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, blood test. Yes. That's so simple yes, to do. Yes, yes, yes. The reason why men don't take the test, it's not because of the test proper. They're not afraid of the, They're afraid of the consequence, the result. Uh, you know, they're afraid of it being positive. Otherwise, I would take the test 100 times a day. You know, I took it a couple of years ago. But, I mean, they would take the test on a regular basis every day, even a dozen times a week. But they're afraid of the result. Yes. Hence, they're afraid to take the test. That's the reason. That, 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 is, that is correct. And let me uh, explain to you a difference, Joe, between uh, Sid, uh, I and me, Rosenberg. He totally is into himself. And Frank Morano. I'm the, the man. The Mama Luke. Uh, Frank Morano was going on vacation. He's taken quite a few vacations of late, and I've eat, eaten into his uh, real estate talk time. But you may have remembered Broadway Bill Lee. Originally, he came up with about 72 different substitutes for himself. All of these people had at one point worked for WABC and been fired and not in the most positive ways. And when I went up for a meeting with John Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez, uh, they were telling me, yeah, he's uh, suggested about 72 different people to substitute for him while he's away. I said, get the hell out of here. I I'm looking at this list. I said, I'll do it. I don't, We don't want this station to be ruined. He's going to bring people back here that were already fired? That's crazy. You can't leave it to these folks, I'm telling you. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I guess because I was standing in the middle of the street, uh, traffic was almost hitting me as I was continuing my protest Friday morning against Cancel Culture Club Sid Rosenberg, who actually looked on my poster like Boy George without the hat. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, Broadway Billy? Look, right? Looks a little bit like Boy George. Karma Chameleon. You think you can get Karma Chameleon right now? Yeah, yeah. That's like uh, the theme song. See if you can find that song because I got to tell you, I was out there. I was getting a lot of response from people. A lot of people were saying, yeah, I listen to Sid and Friends in the morning, and then I listen to you, Curtis, during lunch. And that's the way it should really be because there are times that people cannot listen to the radio. Uh, they may not be permitted to listen to it on their uh, worktop radio or their laptop radio, uh, meaning the stream. They may not be able to listen from their terrestrial radio. They may not be in the car. But the times that they may most oftentimes have access 
to a radio station, and in this case, the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC, is in the morning, 6 to 10, with Sid Rosenberg and friends. And then when I come on right after the Bill O'Reilly update from 12.15 to 1 when they're having lunch, 1-800-848-9222. Oh, here it is. Yeah, yeah. Let me hear that. Yeah. This should be uh, Sid Rosenberg's theme song. Cancel Culture Club. Starring Sid Rosenberg. And friends. Boy George. Rosenberg's new theme song for Sid Rosenberg and Friends. By the way, uh, Boy George, a few years ago, was in his uh, condo in Soho or Noho, I forget which one. He was with one of his boy toy friends. They were having an argument. The cops were called. Bye, boy, George, I might add. And when the cops came, there was a lot of white powder on the table. Kukina. Boy, George gets arrested. He gets assigned by the judge to do community service. And he had to sweep the streets of lower Manhattan, of Chinatown, and up along the West Side Highway. People were stopping. They couldn't believe boy, George. Had a barrel, had a broom, and had to do a sweep, sweep, cleanup of community service. And that's the way it should be. Can you imagine? He calls the 5 knowing there's cocaine on, on the table because he's having a battle with his boy toy. Not very smart. one 800 848 Let's go to Tom in Hartsdale, New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Yes, good morning, Curtis. Uh, I just wanted to tell you, I have a lot of respect for your wife and everything she does, you know, for the cats. And uh, I'm very sorry to hear about the problem she's having with her eyes. I, I think it's a very serious problem, and I'm very sorry to hear it. Hear it. And I really hope that uh, it can be corrected somehow, uh, I really like her. I think she's a wonderful person, and I like you too, of course. But uh, well, do, uh, Tom, to let me let me uh, let me assure you, I was there at Columbia Presbyterian uh, with her, her initial uh, doctor's appointment. Uh, the doctor showed me uh, from what he was looking at into her eyes. She had a cornea issue. Uh, where uh, it was like uh, she had some burns uh, along the cornea and these objects that had grown into the cornea. He says that's common with some people. Uh, but she's on a regimen now. She has to go to another eye specialist uh, who will continue the treatment with eye drops, with salve. Again, she's able to see now clearly when it's dark. Uh, but if the light is turned on or, for instance, if she were outside now, she would have no problem seeing because it's dark. 
but when the sun comes up, uh, as it will when I take you to the break of dawn at 6 o'clock, she would have difficulty seeing then. But this can be cured. It doesn't require an operation. It just uh, requires her to constantly, uh, uh, what, what can we call it, uh, liquidate her eyes, so to speak. You know, putting liquids, putting those ointments uh, uh, on the outside of the eye and such. And eventually it should. Uh, remedy the problem. 1-800-848-9222. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave. This should be uh, Sid Rosenberg's theme song. I'm too sexy for my shirt. When you walk around the studios of WABC, as my wife Nancy pointed out on New Year's Eve when we did a very special broadcast to all of you all over the globe with our owners and operators, John and Margot Katzmatidis, with Rita Cosby, was amazing because... uh, Nancy, as she walked through the corridors, pointed out, God, there's like five pictures of Sid where he's got no shirt on. And I asked Sid about that. I said, Sid, the hell you have all these pictures up all over because I like looking at myself. I'm the man. Put your freaking shirt on. God. And then he goes to that tanning salon and he, he's like glows in the dark. <laughs> he's like a red man. Can I even call him a red man? Is that politically correct? Oh, my God, he looks like a, a beat. At times, he looks like a beat. Oh, God. And then uh, he did something positive, though, today after he uh, withdrew the suspension, after I nearly got hit in the traffic protesting against my suspension. He said that he would invite me to the preview of Gemini Lounge, the big movie that will be hitting theaters all over the country that Sid Rosenberg is one of the stars of. Now, of course, uh, I've got the the, uh, screening coming out February 13th for Gemini Lounge. By the way, I haven't been invited. You're invited. I am the one who knows all these guys. I grew up with these psychotic killers. (laughs) Joey and Patty Testa, the Gemini Twins, Joey Testa, Anthony Centaur, I mean, DeMeo, Chris Rosenberg, all these people I grew up with. I know. I I don't get an invitation. You're invited. You're invited. I'm inviting you right now. I just found out about it three days ago. So that's a big deal for me. Oh, this is great. Oh, it's going to be great. Jake Cannavale, whose father Bobby's a great actor. He plays Chris Rosenberg. Danny A plays Roy DeMeo. Bo Deedle's in the movie, too. So that's exciting. And yeah, I but do... you see, I'll be able to rate it based on the real-life Right, characters. you knew these people, right? I taught them to play stick ball. <laughs> I gave them their first beatdowns. <laughs> Too sexy for my True. love. Too sexy for my I love. I will be able to compare the movie, which will star Sid Rosenberg, with the actual real-life Gemini Lounge Twins, that was Joey Testa, Anthony Centaur, Mad Dog Killers, they grew up with me, uh, his brother Patty Testa, they were like uh, they were like poster boys from Hollywood. Uh, the girls just went nuts over them because they had those uh, pretty boy looks. 
They were skirt chases doing massive cocaine. That's that's really what upset uh, the, the the so-called balance of nature. You know, between sort of operating on the uh, down low and then becoming a psychotic killer in which you would bring your victims upstairs from the Gemini Lounge where you'd be knocking back some Jameson. And the next thing you know, you'd be sticking shivs in them, then put them in the bathroom, hang them upside down upstairs and bleed them out. Then chop them up, put them in hefty trash bags and bring them over to the... uh, to the Spring Creek dump there along the Bell Parkway and bury them. Now, I had known these guys, and then years later, I'm going to visit my mom at 89th and J. I'm walking from the uh, L train, and they roll up in an El Dorado Cadillac, uh, Joey Testa and uh, Anthony Centaur, the Gemini twins. And they say, hey, Curtis, uh, why don't you come out to the Gemini Lounge? You know, a lot of the guys haven't seen you in a while, you know, ever since you started at Guardian Angels in the Bronx. I said, man, I ain't going to that Gemini Eye Lounge. I have a pretty good idea what these guys are up to. They had that psychotic look in their eyes. I said, nah, nah, guys, uh, uh, maybe the next time. There's something about them. You know, that cocaine, man, it would drive them nuts. All of a sudden, they would become insecure. They would become suspicious of one another, of others. And then they would do really violent things. I mean, these are the same guys that would give them a beatdown in order to, you know, get them in line. Taught them stickball, boxball, stoopball, Johnny on the pony, buck, buck, ring, Olivia, one, two, three, one, two, three, Chinese handball, stoopball, you name it. Now, who is it? Joey Test is doing triple life without parole. No chance of parole. Anthony Centaur, triple life without parole. He was out there at uh, the Cosa Nostra wing out in Pelican Bay, I believe it was, federal prison out there. No, Lompoc, uh, with Carmine the Snake Persico. These are bad boys. Occasionally, you know, they write to me, uh, Broadway Billy, hey, you think you could write a letter to the parole officer? Drop dead. I'm not writing anything. I warned you, I warned all you guys, don't be going with that, that the mayor guy, that Roy the mayor. He's going to use you, you're going to be stealing cars for parts, you're going to have the money, you're going to be chasing uh, trim. Next thing you know, you're going to be inhaling cocaine, and then you're going to become psychotic killers. And hell if I wasn't right. And now they made a movie about it starring Sid Rosenberg. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Now what you hear is not a test, I'm rapping the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike, and I like to say hello. Up to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, and the purple, and yellow. But first, I gotta bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie, say up, jump the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie, let's rock. You don't stop, rock the rhythm, and I make your body rock. Well, so far, you've heard my voice, but I brought two friends. Next on the mic is my man Hank. Come on, Hank. 
Just an hour away from Avery and his uh, Frank Morano rap. Normally he would do it Sunday mornings, but he will be away on assignment. I've been told by management and ownership of WABC, it's Operation Hush Hush, Much Much Mind Your Own Business. So what do you have have to do in terms of getting that Frank Morano rap out? We're going to be getting it out in just one hour. The funniest hour in all of radio. And it's Avery who does the hard work. I'm just along for the ride. I'm just like the Ed McMahon here. You know, I, to the Johnny Carson. But what we're going to talk about now is something that I saw on TV. And then I saw a cascade. I saw my husband-in-law who is uh, former Governor David Patterson. He is the stepfather for my oldest son, Anthony. And it just so happens that in addition to being a frequent guest of John Katsimatidis in his Newsmakers segment, which always hits the newspapers uh, from Sunday from 8 in the morning to 10, he's a uh, regular contributor to the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion. And, in fact, was mentioned in a shout-out by Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb in her inaugural address before the State Assembly and the State Senate. But let me point out what I was watching him do on TV. Was acting as a lobbyist for Sands, the uh, gambling extravaganza coming out of Las Vegas which is going to be investing a hell of a lot of money in what they hope will be a casino entertainment complex in the old Nassau County Stadium area in uh, Long Island. And, oh, my God, man, it's it's like stirring up a nest of snakes. In just a few hours, there's already going to be a demonstration outside of the Nassau County Coliseum in which Las Vegas Sands had agreed to take over the lease on most of the 76-acre Coliseum property, including the arena, and they're going to build a major entertainment destination. Oh, they're going to pour out millions and millions of dollars. And here was uh, my my husband-in-law, who is the lobbyist for this Sands project in Uniondale, David Patterson, speaking of it. We're going to talk to the local uh, academic institutions about training people so that when they come in, it won't be just jobs. It will be the beginning of careers. This Sands announcement made by former Governor David Patterson out in Uniondale, Long Island, site of the old Nassau County Coliseum, comes a week after New York State opened the application process for casino operators seeking to build full-scale Vegas-style gambling facilities in the downstate region. The state's gaming facility location board is expected later this year to award licenses for facilities that offer traditional card games such as poker and blackjack, along with slot machines and other electronic gambling. The board, in its request for application, said... The cost of obtaining a commercial gambling license in New York State 
would be $500 million. The application fee is a million dollars. You got to be a whale. You pretty much got to bring in corporate entities or you got to be a billionaire. And there are a lot of billionaires who are putting in their bids for different potential casino locations. So what I'm hoping from all of you, ladies and gentlemen, is you give me an idea of where you think the best potential casino locations could be downstate, either existing locations or brand-new locations. And what do you think of the uh, plan that was unveiled by uh, Governor David Patterson, who, as I mentioned, is a lobbyist, for the uh, Las Vegas Sands plan for Uniondale, the old Nassau County Coliseum. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And the fact that in less than 24 hours, uh, some of the surrounding communities there in Uniondale have already decided that they're going to picket the project. It's like less than 24 hours. Man, that's a faster picket line than I set up against Sid Rosenberg Friday morning because he had joined the cancel culture against me. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So the Las Vegas Sands uh, Casino and Resort Company has submitted a bid to build a privately funded multi-billion dollar tourism destination on the site of the old Nassau Coliseum, after striking a deal to become the new tenants on the con- on the county-owned property. Officials with knowledge of the proposal, which would include a gambling casino if the state awards a license, say the company is willing to spend an estimated $4 billion on the project. Company officials did not address how the arena opened in 1972, would fit into the project. The old Nassau County Coliseum, which uh, is like one of the draftiest places I've ever been in, having seen an Islander game. That's right, the Islanders who rousted my beloved uh, Rangers had a period of dominance there. There was Trotz, uh, there was uh, Billy Smith in goal, there was Nightstrom. I go right through the list. They won uh, Stanley Cup after Stanley Cup against the uh, Rangers. But, oh, boy, it was pretty much playing in a pretty decrepit facility. They had uh, uh, tractor uh, pulls in there. They had all kinds of events uh, in the old Nassau County Coliseum. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But out of the uh, state awarding three licenses for gambling in and around New York City, you have a number of developers who are putting their bids in. For the Hudson Yards, you have uh, Stephen Ross, probably best known for owning the Miami Dolphins and uh, Soul Cycle and uh, uh, what the hell is that uh, workout joint? It'll come to me momentarily. He's loaded. He wants it in the Hudson Yards in Manhattan, and he was hoping to get uh, Dolan who was born on third base with a silver spoon in his mouth, big enough to offset the trade balance between Japan and the United States. Uh, He wanted Jimmy Dolan uh, to move Madison Square Garden to the Hudson Yards. So it would be like a wraparound. You'd have a brand-new Madison Square Garden. You'd have a casino there right next to to the Jacob Javits Convention Center. 
and the number seven train that's right there. So that's one offer right there. Then you have SNL Green Realty, which owns the most real estate uh, in Midtown, right in Times Square. It's owned by Stephen Green, who is the brother of Mark Green, the obnoxious guy who used to run for every conceivable office from U.S. Senator to U.S. Congress to public advocate to mayor, you name it, he ran for it. And he was just a know-it-all. And remember, they had run Air America for a while. Stephen Green was the owner-operator, and Mark Green was the uh, sort of general manager, program director, and they, uh, they worked it right into the ground. They destroyed that liberal outlet for talk radio. So that's number one. Then number two, this is SNL Green. They have Caesars Entertainment on the bill. They want to bring a casino into Times Square, and they announced that back in October. And uh, Jay-Z is now part of that consortium. And then uh, Bill Bratton read, uh, wrote an op-ed piece in the Daily News uh, claiming that that would actually bring more su- more security to Times Square. And I said to myself, what the hell are you talking about, Bill Bratton? Although, obviously, he's got his dibs in with S.L. Green and with Jay-Z. Then you have New York Mets owner Steve Cohen. He wants to take all that decrepit area around City Field. It's been that way for decades. Uh, now it's mostly Pakistanis and Afghanistan. You know, they do window replacement. Uh, used to be a lot of chop shops there. It's right near the creek. He wants that developed into casinos. That would have a lot of Asians that are right there in Flushing and Bayside and Whitestone. Uh, boy, they'd be packing those parking lots. Then you have our owner-operator, John Casamitidis, who has put together a consortium, including the New York Yankees and other interests, and they want uh, they want an all-purpose casino in uh, Coney Island. Then you have the existing casino in Aqueduct. That's all electric uh, electronic games. But they give 70, 60% of their take to the state. Uh, that is the most profitable casino in the nation. Any casino in the nation, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Reno, Lake Tahoe, any of the other states that have uh, casinos, any of the Indian casinos, and it provides 60% of their take to the state of New York. So you would think the Malaysians who run that, Genting, I think it's called, uh, would have an option to uh, convert from a casino to an all-purpose casino. Uh, they're building a, uh, a uh, hotel there, a convention center, and obviously their purses subsidize uh, the continued racing at Aqueduct Racetrack, which without, uh, there'd be no racing. They'd have to take a bulldozer to it. So that seems to be all the offers that are in right now. I know for a while Staten Island dabbled with it. Uh, Borough President uh, Vito Fasella was talking about possibly having a casino on the North Shore right by Ferry Hawk Stadium. Uh, the Ferry Hawks owned by John Katsimatidis. Uh, that uh, that North Shore Mall, which is like a morgue, uh, right across the street uh, from uh, Curtis High School and the precinct. Uh, that would be a difficult choice. And that would be a very difficult choice. But the battle is on. And the billionaires are out there slugging away in terms of trying to get their case heard. And then the last-minute entry, this had been hinted at. But we thought pretty much it was a wash. Saks Fifth Avenue 
finally tipped its hand just yesterday confirming plans to bid for a casino license on the top floors of the flagship store on Fifth Avenue, the top three floors, right across the street from Rockefeller Center and right next to St. Patrick's Cathedral. Now, this would be really high-end. This would just be for the whales. You'd have to have a lot of dough to go there. The casino would take up three floors starting on the 9th, where servers will be dressed in black tie and hand out champagne flutes to gamblers. Richard Baker, executive chairman and chief executive of HBC, the Toronto-based company that owns Saks, said the casino at Saks will attract an affluent global tourist and not prey on people who shouldn't be in casinos. Uh, Part of their pitch is that Fifth Avenue desperately needs an attraction that will increase foot traffic on the iconic shopping avenue, especially at night when the stores roll up their doors. At least five billionaires are gunning for the licenses for which applications were recently made available, according to people familiar with the process. So already mentioned, Steve Cohen and the Mets and Flushing. Our own John Katzmatidis, uh, Chris... Uh, owner of Gristidis, uh, D'Agostino, and so many other companies, and obviously WABC. He's part of a consortium in uh, Coney Island. You have Stephen Ross. He wants it for the Hudson Yards. He's a billionaire. And you have uh, music mogul Jay-Z. He's partnered with S.L. Green and Caesars in Times Square. So it'll be interesting to see who wins out in this bidding process because it can be very corrupt. You have the governor who weighs in. You have the mayor who weighs in. You have a lot of interest. The last time this occurred, when Governor David Patterson was actually governor, uh, quite a few elected officials who almost uh, went to jail because of the way they were handling an AEG bid, which eventually was rejected. There's a lot of whining, dining, and pocket lining. Eric Adams almost got arrested on that, as did Governor Patterson as did the former congressman Floyd Flake, who was involved, John Sampson, who was the majority leader in the Senate, Uh, Malcolm Smith. Oh, man, there was a whole cabal involved in that. And then eventually AEG had to bow out because of the corruption, and that's when Genting uh, came in, uh, contacted uh, Governor Andrew Evilage Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, came up with a deal and operated the Racino. And then you had what was the Rooney family, or oh, they're out of the business now, and the Racino that is Yonkers Racetrack. They do not do as well as the Racino at Aqueduct, but they certainly provide money for the state in terms of their take. So that's pretty much gets you up to speed. And the question would be, where would you want to see casinos? Apparently, there will be licenses for three downstate. Three. So you consider Nassau County Coliseum. That would affect Jake's, which is a racino out in Suffolk County. All electronic machines. Uh, Hell of a lot of gambling. I don't know where the hell people find the money to do all this gambling, but obviously these major corporations, gambling corporations, are going in whole hog. Let's go to Fred in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Fred. How you doing, uh, Curtis? Nice to hear from you. My mom loves you. You are a great show all the time. Thank um, you. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I come from uh, Baldwin, 
I'm actually where uh, Mr. Uh, Kelly uh, comes from, and uh, you know, you know, all the uh, spokesmen. And uh, yeah, I think Long Island will be tough for that because there will be all that traffic and stuff, and trying to find places for parking, yes, and all that stuff, and and also uh, the you know, trying to say everything with people pleasing it. They're trying to obviously trying to go against that, uh, you know, against the green fire thing. It'd be a tough act trying to pull it off. So you uh, you just don't think that they'll be able to uh, be successful at the think, old Nassau County uh, Coliseum area? Well, let's say totally close down the Coliseum or they use the area next to it maybe. I don't know if they're going to do that. They're probably going to, because there's not much going on with the Coliseum, I don't think. Well, it's a full court press. Uh, there's going to be demonstrations in just a few hours against it by community groups. Boy, that's a quick turnaround. And Bruce Blakeman, who is the uh, Nassau County executive, who at times doesn't appear to be able to chew gum and think at the same time, has said, well, he's open-minded to it. You say that to corporations, it's almost like you're suggesting, yeah, wine me, dine me, and pocket line me. That's happened before. In a much simpler situation in which there was only one license at stake. And that was the one eventually won by the Malaysians, genting because the initial bid, AEG, had corrupted the process in whining, dining, and pocket lining some of the elected officials. Let's go, if we can, to Jack in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jack. Good morning. Good morning, Curtis. We need what we need to do. Follow me on this, because it's going to be complicated. Is get rid of the entire UN complex over there and send it back to Switzerland, where the original headquarters still is. That's the headquarters of the UN. Get rid of the UN completely. Send it over there. We pay most of the freight for the place anyway. The security for the uh, embassies and everything. Get rid of them all out of here, and will save tons of money just on the security end of it because they don't pay that much. We pay the most of the freight for the U.N., the U.S. Get rid of them. Send them all back to Switzerland where the original headquarters is, and it still is. So back to, yeah. uh, back to Geneva and Zurich. Absolutely. That's where the headquarters is now. This is only the General Assembly here at the U.N. is in New York. And we pay most of the freight for it. So the you, other countries don't kick in. So you, uh, Jack, uh, would take a wrecking ball to the United Nations level at build a casino there, or south of that, the old uh, Con Ed uh, building, which has turned into a browning field. That whole that whole area, and you'd have a waterfront casino. You'd probably have to extend the east side lines because you're down by First Avenue. So the shuttle. You probably have to extend the shuttle from uh, Grand Central and pop it another stop so it gets a lot closer to the United Nations. But we'd be saving we'd be saving the money by not having the the UN there. All right. I mean, well, let's look. Look, millions. look, that's that's plausible. That'd be another site. You'd have to have another billionaire to come with a consortium to make a bid on that. Be a hell of a lot more difficult uh, to remove the United Nations. Uh, it had been at one point recommended, I think, by either George Pataki or by uh, Michael Mbadicic, Rudy Giuliani, when he was mayor. Pataki was uh, governor. 
Uh, they were arguing over what should become of Governor's Island. They couldn't come to a conclusion. Bill Clinton was president at that time. So he sold Governor's Island, uh, which is off the uh, lower end of Manhattan. He sold it to, I believe, New York State and New York City for a dollar to do whatever it is that they wanted. And a big suggestion at the time was to put a casino and hotels out there because you would get out there by ferry and you wouldn't necessarily uh, cause problems in other parts of the city. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Linda in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Linda. Good morning, Curtis. I want to tell you thank you for your service. When I used to go to Brooklyn Tech back in the 80s, I used to see you. And then me and my first boyfriend, when we used to go down to Times Square, when they used to have the portraits, you know, they used to have the different backgrounds, and you take pictures back then. Oh, yeah. I just want to thank you for your service. But my idea is over there in that Jacob Javis Center, they can put a casino over there, right? Yeah, well, that's the idea of Stephen Ross. He's the one billionaire. He... He has the Hudson Yards there, which is like a ghost town now, ever since the lockdown and pandemic. So he wants to bring Madison Square Garden over there, over from 7th Avenue. He wants to put a casino there, and he wants to build up and develop that whole area. And then I have another suggestion. Over there where the old Toys R Us is, over there near King's Plaza, what about over there in that area? Ah, yeah, boy, that is. why When you pass that, when you go down uh, Flatbush Avenue towards Bell Parkway from Brooklyn, and yeah. you, you see that old Toys of Us, it is graffitied from the top floor to the bottom floor. It looks it looks and desolate. You're right. Yeah. That that might not be a bad idea. The problem there is access to mass transportation because the closest subway line is up near the junction, you know, by Brooklyn College where Nostrand Avenue meets Flatbush. So that's, that's still a long haul down Flatbush yeah. Avenue towards uh, the Bell Parkway and the golf course there. Curtis, I'm a retired bus operator. You got the 41 coming down. You got the 46 coming down. Mm. Utica Avenue, Avenue, the buses. Oh, yeah, and then you got the dollar vans. You forgot that, Linda. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah got the dollar vans. Oh, look, it's all a potentiality, all a potentiality. Now is the time that the bids are getting put in, and they're, they're really being backed backed by a lot of fiscal power. you got a whole bunch of billionaires with their own consortiums all vying. There will be three licenses available downstate for all-purpose casinos. And already there's a lot of jockeying, a lot of jostling going on. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Ladies and gentlemen, where do you think the best location would be in terms of the best payoffs? where the state could get the most uh, out of the tax dollars along with the city, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mike in New Hyde Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mikey. Sid Rosenberg, your previous caller nailed it, self-absorbed. What guy uses Botox and then brags about it? I mean, what's next, eyeliner? And this Geraldo-esque habit of posing without your shirt on. And the voice, it hits you in the face like a two-by-four. He's like Bluto from Popeye. <laughs> By the way, you mentioned uh, you mentioned what's next, eyeliner? Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. 
Remember our attorney general before Tish James? That's how she became attorney general. The guy Schneiderman had to step aside because he was in this uh, S&M torture chambers with women who apparently did not accede to his uh, wishes. He was a freaky deaky, but he used to use uh, eyeliner. I I would say, man, look at his eyes. It looks like he just used mascara on it. You very, know, very, just, very I, freaky deaky. The ultimate in metrosexuals. You just described Sid Rosenberg. He is the definition for metrosexual. You go to the Merriam Webster's dictionary, look up metrosexual, you'll see Sid's paper, uh, picture right next to it with no shirt on. <laughs> My wife walked around here on New Year's Eve, right? New Year's Eve, it was empty. You know, all the aisles here at WABC. Uh, on our floor. And so Nancy was roaming about. She came back uh, right before we were broadcasting uh, uh, all across the nation, all across the world, to welcome in the uh, new year with the ball dropping. We had John and Margot Katzmatidis here, Rita Cosby. I was here. Nancy was here. And our uh, smallest cat of our uh, litter, uh, low-key, she's the runt. And Nancy comes back and says to me, Mike, she goes, Oh, my God, everywhere I went, there was a picture, a full, like, you know, huge picture of Sid Rosenberg with no no shirt on. It's so Romanesque. It, it really, it's it's just, I mean, it's, it's one thing to take care of yourself, to work out, to be in good shape. I get it. But it's like the world has to see this. Yeah, it's a little bizarre. And then he looks red. He looks like a, a beat top. You know, he gets so red from the tanning salon, he looks like a beet. Uh, it's it, you know what? It's it's just so self-absorbed that that caller really nailed it. It's like it's one thing to take pride in yourself, but uh, and it, it's the voice. I can't even if I listen to your show religiously. If a if a Rosenberg uh, ad comes on, I have to turn down the volume. Rosenberg, I can't handle it. Well, maybe maybe uh, there will be. Uh... Changes in his presentation, changes in the vernacular, Mike. But for all of you out there, whether you like uh, Rosenberg, Sid Rosenberg in the morning with friends, or you don't like it, a lot of people are listening. You can tell by the ratings, but I need all of you. Please listen. I need you to rat him out. Eat the Parmesan cheese. I need to know the times that he's doing an Ides of March on me and he's sticking the shiv in me. Yeah, because from time to time he does that. And I have to hear about it after the fact. I'd love to be able to be right on top of it. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. King of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Every time you come around, you know I can't say. Every time the sun goes down, I let you take control. I can feel the paradise before my world implodes. And tonight, hide something wonderful. My bad habits lead to
standing in the way of any potential casinos being developed downstate is Frank Morano, who, as you know, snores for Atlantic City. If he's not shooting craps at the Borgata and snoring uh, free stuff there, he's working, working the Trop. He's working some of the other casinos there. He basically loves the boardwalk on Atlantic City. He said it over and over. And he acts as if he would single-handedly try to stop any effort to uh, establish a casino downstate. In fact, he claims that he can beat the Asians at their own game, Baccarat. Baccarat is the easiest game in the world. I don't even like to tell people how easy it is because I enjoy, when I'm at the Baccarat table, being the only person that's not Chinese because a lot of Western non-Asian players are intimidated because there's a lot of Chinese players there and they're all speaking Chinese to one another and they have dragons and monkeys and they have a big board and people think it's a complicated game. It's not. It's almost the equivalent of betting on a coin toss, and uh, it's it's difficult for me to explain without a visual cue, but the way it works is there are two, and there are all sorts of bets you could make. There are only two bets that I make, banker and player. Now, you have to pick which hand, banker or player, is going to be closer to nine. So it really is like betting on a coin toss. Um, tens and picture cards are zero. So if you get a nine and a ten, let's say, they call that a natural nine. If you get uh, a ten and an eight, that's a natural eight. No more cards. Now, if it's anything less than, uh, I think, a, a six for the, uh, a six or a five, then, or excuse me, a six or a seven, then they draw a third card, but the rules are still the same. Whoever is closest to nine wins. So you're betting, basically, is it going to be A or B that's closer to nine? Um, but I, I've done well. I, I mean, I, it's not unusual for me to p- play Baccarat and win thousands. My last trip to uh, to Atlantic City, I don't want to get into exactly how much that I, I won, but I played mostly Baccarat and, uh-huh. and won a, a pretty healthy amount of money. So... Uh... Avery, and warm up for your next hour, which is the uh, Frank uh, rap. You, you really think you could take on the Red Chinese and the Chinese and the Asians who like they live to play Baccarat? I don't know if we really know how to play. I mean, those, it gets crazy in there. I played Baccarat before. You have? Oh, yeah. Mostly Asians? Oh, that's it's like. Oh, yeah. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bright light city gonna set my soul. Gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there. They're all living the devil may care. And I'm just a devil with love to spare. So Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. How I wish that there were more. As you, uh, oh no. The passing of Elvis's daughter, Lisa Marie Presley. She'll be buried at Graceland. But uh, this song, 
and uh, Elvis, synonymous with Las Vegas. Somehow, you know, Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, he loves going to Las Vegas uh, where Oscar Goodman, the former mob attorney who became the mayor, now his uh, wife has swapped roles with him. She's the mayor. Where whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Remember how he was promoting that mob museum? Remember how uh, Avery was saying, oh, you need to go at least three or four times to be able to take in everything at that mob museum? I think he was snoring from Oscar Goodman, the former mayor, and his wife, the present mayor. I really do believe that. Let's go to Phil in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Phil. Uh, morning, Curtis. Um, actually, that La- Viva Las Vegas, that's arguably his best movie, and Anne Margaret was uh, really beautiful in that movie. Um, I was, and, and although my point was about um, um, Sid, and I think the most over the top uh, self humiliation I ever saw in my life, it was so cringeworthy. I think I turned the radio off because I couldn't bear to hear it. But uh, we met once a while back, and you're pretty savvy movie-wise. And uh, I'd recommend a movie, The Incident, with Martin Sheen. Mm. A real psychodrama, bully thugs on a subway for a real long run in between stops. I I continue to recommend it to you, sir. The Incident with Martin Sheen. That should be in your your repertoire of, you know, canny remarks that you make about movies. I heard you talking about The Warriors last week. You should know this one, Curtis. All right. No, no, you're right. I never did follow up on your suggestion. Uh, the incident with Martin Sheen uh, that has apparently a long, drawn-out session on a subway uh, train in which uh, it's a lot of thuggery. I'll definitely look into that. Anyway, don't go anywhere. It's the uh, Frank uh, Mamaluke Morano uh, rap and review with Avery, who won't be with us tomorrow. I bet you. And let's get the film footage. You're not going to be around, Avery. You're going to be on special assignment for WABC. Hush, hush, much, much. But uh, Broadway Billy, in 12 hours, let's get the footage of the protests outside of the Nassau Coliseum where uh, the promoter of that location as a Sands uh, future casino is uh, my husband-in-law, the stepfather of my son, Anthony, former Governor David Patterson. I bet you Frank Morano will be outside leading demonstrations against it. He doesn't want casinos anywhere but in Atlantic City. Want to bet he'll be siding against David Patterson? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Rosalie, who's calling all the way from San Francisco, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rosalie. Oh, um, good evening, Mr. Sliwa. Um, I have a couple of things I really have to bring to your attention. Happy New Year to you. Um, I heard, uh, I heard that Mr. Rosenberg was saying, I don't know if it's ac- accurate, but he said you were out on an island in front of the studio with a sign saying something to the effect that. You were saying you were getting um, less airtime, that you were like weaving in and out of traffic and almost getting hit by buses, that type of thing. And I think it was really early today because I, I know there's a time difference, but I heard that at work. 
I also want you to know that Newsmax has completely disappeared off of the airways. Um, and I looked it up, and they said they just axed it. I can no longer listen to it on my iPhone. I used to listen to it at work. And my last point. But uh, now hold on a second, Rosalie. So what did you say is now completely off the radar screen? Airmax news. You can still you can still see the TV portion, but as far as just clicking on it and listening to it as a as a radio show, you cannot. It's gone. It's just completely gone. Wow. And I'm afraid a lot of the conservative AM shows are going to go the same way because they are just basically trying to get rid of them. And you can research it, uh, Mr. Sliwal, that My third point, and then I will hang up, is I was watching Fox News sort of just on in the background. I don't really care for it except for a few commentators on Fox News. But uh, uh, Laura Ingram was on there. I really don't care for her. And she was interviewing a rodeo, a bull rider. And if anybody knows anything, rodeos are very cruel to the livestock that they promote. And the bulls have a very tight, tight, extremely tight cord under their genitalia. And that's why they're bucking. You don't see bulls bucking like out normally in a pasture. So she was going on and on and raving about rodeos and how many uh, injuries the bull rider had. And then she goes and says, you know, I'm an animal lover, so I have to draft a letter to write to her because she has no effing clue what she's talking about. Well, you are, uh, Rosalie. your wife about the bull rider. Yeah, no, no, you are correct. Uh, When uh, Don Imus was alive, sometimes he would promote uh, the rodeos when they would uh, come to Madison Square Garden. And he made it seem like, uh, oh, this was such a great thing to do. But you're absolutely right. What they do to the bulls, what they do to the uh, the horses, uh, also the dangers involved. Uh, you see now they're wearing padding, they're wearing helmets. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Uh, and a bunch of idiots riding bulls. You know, why don't they go get a job, do something else? You know, ride an electric bull, but it, but it's very cool, and, and she's misinformed, but she's going to be hearing from me. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah, like and by the way, yeah. uh, uh, we do have the clip that you were referring to uh, earlier on Friday when Sid Rosenberg uh, was speaking to uh, Joe Nolan, the traffic guy, because he had observed me in the middle of Third Avenue as I was protesting Sid. Long Island Expressway now, eastbound. Forget about exit 42. The biggest problem we've got right now, traffic-wise, I swear to God, Joe, I'm not making this up. What do you got? Curtis Sliwa is continuing his four-hour picket of me. (laughs) I swear to you, Joe, he is is standing in the middle of the street on 3rd Avenue. There are cars zigzagging out of the way. He's in the middle of oncoming traffic on 3rd Avenue holding up the cancel culture sign of me. He almost got hit by a Mercedes. I'm not even kidding, Joe. I know you're not. The buses are swerving out of the way. The car, he's right in the middle of the street. What's he doing? You know, he's insane. He's going to get hurt. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a and you've got a ringside seat. I know. I'm watching this whole thing. He's insane. <laughs> That's your traffic issue about to happen on 3rd Avenue. Get ready. Well, there you go. <laughs> so that's what you were referring to, right, Rosalie? That's what I heard. I listened to it at work with my uh, ear pod, 
at a, I, I think like, uh, oh, the, can I just say one other thing, Mr. Squibbles? Like Eric Adams, I don't know if you realize this, but he's a really, an extremely homely man. He never smiles because he's got really, with all the money that he, he could get like the Invisalign, but he's got incredibly like butt teeth. He is not good looking. Sid Rosenberg is not good looking. And you, I saw pictures of you when you were young. You were like so incredibly smoking hot when you were like, I don't know how old are you, but you've been married three times. So, uh, yeah, I think. Well, I, I will soon be 69. You were something, you were like just. If I saw you on the subway, I would have snatched you up so quick and thrown you in the back seat of my car and taken you home with me. No, no, understood, Rosalie. But now, question. You're in San Francisco. Yeah, like Nancy, Nancy, I hope Nancy wakes up and says, damn. Yeah, no, no, Nancy. Nancy I got me a fine white boy. Yeah, she's the keeper. She's the keeper. But let me ask you this, Rosalie. You're calling from the Bay Area. Are you getting hit? Are you getting hit with severe rains, with severe weather? Oh my God, it's terrible! I was walking up from Kaiser, and it was sort of clear for a minute. I said I can take a walk, just around the block, and it started pouring rain. And then it started like this amazing thunderstorm of like booming thunder. Like I said, like oh my God, like this is like being up in the high Sierras. It's crazy. Like just trees falling on everybody's homes. Sacramento was hit really bad. Um, Santa Cruz is totally washed out. Capitola is washed out. It's like the waves are crashing up over onto the. It, it's terror. It, it's. I think God is like just cleansing the planet, Mr. Sliwa, with all the depravity. I think this is. I think this is like the last flood. Like yeah, well, I'll be. Like I'll, I'll be. Days of rain. I'll be talking about that. In fact, uh, in 24 hours, the severe weather in California just battering You've it. Never seen it. Never seen anything like this ever. Never. Now the flooding, like the the flooding in your area has it uh, has it gotten into buildings, gotten into basements? Yes, it's gotten it's got into uh, people's you know the behind people's homes. The mud sliding down. Their houses are full of mud debris. Somebody posted there was a tree stump like in their front in their living room. I mean, the mother nature is like is like just. Uh, very humbling at this point for many Bay Areans, I think. Are they expecting more inclement weather? That's what they say, but it was rained a little bit today. Yesterday was completely dry, uh, but they say it's still coming for maybe one more week. But I did hear it kind of shifted north a little bit. Now, will it's, this it's help? Been, uh, will this, Rosalie? Will this help the drought conditions? Oh, name again rosalie yes oh it makes me so happy uh well this will this, all this rain though will it help your drought conditions they said uh snowpack in the high sierras is above 100 percent, and uh the drought is 41 percent. even though gavin newsom denies it because he's a climate climate fanatic, climate change fanatic. Yes, yes. They'll never admit it. They will never admit it. They'll keep saying you have a drought and take our gas stoves and make us get electric cars still, but I'm not giving up my gas stove, Mr. Sliwa. Well, no, no, no. Uh, Rosalie, uh, uh, feel free to call in and give us updates on these weather conditions, uh, but that is sort of a promo for the Frank Rap that is coming up 
And also in 24 hours, when Avery is not with us, he'll be on a special assignment, Operation Hush Hush Mush Mush for the station. Uh, we'll be able to go uh, go very deep in detail in terms of the weather that is clobbering. I mean, clobbering California. Uh, all the way up towards uh, Medham, uh, near the coast of uh, Oregon, right on down to San Diego. I mean, it is horrific. Check this out. On the weekend, Info. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. is the theme song for Frank Morano. As many of you know, he is the oldest young guy to ever exist. Uh, he has a uh, <clears throat> segment. In fact, Avery, as he uh, does his uh, analysis, his uh, Frank rap from this uh, last week's series of shows, Monday through Friday, the other side of midnight from 1 to 5. Uh, he has a segment in which he goes, uh, you can ask anything of Frank, and Frank will answer it. Is that correct, Avery? Anything at all you want to ask of Frank, and he'll answer it, right? Oh, yeah. Except his age. <laughs> he will not give of his age. And there's no doubt in my mind he is the oldest young man ever. To host a uh, talk radio program anywhere in the world. But let's get right into it. Avery has done a, another magnificent job of bisecting and dissecting much of what Frank had to say this past week. And now it's part of our Frank rap. Apparently, uh, he went through uh, baby names and he wants his sister-in-law to name her baby after 
Say it ain't so. Wrestler Ric Flair? You know that's his guy. My wife went out to her sister, my sister-in-law, Sharon's baby shower yesterday. So there's a baby pool, right, where you can bet $10 to see you can pick the date of the baby and the weight of the baby and the gender, right? Now, what I'm going to try and do, I haven't discussed this with them yet, (laughs) but I I don't even think that they're wrestling fans, but... (laughs) What I'm going to try and do is if this baby is born on Ric Flair's birthday and his weight is the same as Ric Flair's height and this baby has the same gender as Ric Flair, I am going to make a strong case. I'm going to make a strong argument that this baby ought to be named Rick or Richard. Wouldn't that be cool? Ric Flair's birthday, same weight, or his weight is the same as Ric Flair's height? I think that'd be great. No, it would not be. <laughs> <laughs> I, know you're not, I know you're not wrestling fans. I know you don't really care about wrestling. But there's this guy named Ric Flair, and he's, he's, a great, and he's a great WCW champion. You should name your baby after him. <laughs> your, your precious, sweet bundle of love, your, your firstborn. <laughs> Name him after a wrestler who had an alcohol problem and drug problem. It would be the perfect name for your kid. <laughs> and by the way, he gets all worked up about this. So, oh, yeah, yeah you got to name it Ric Flair. Then, then he talks about board games in which he gets Blaze and a caller trying to explain Othello and make it sound racist. So uh, I, I never got into Othello. I never played it. W- what is the premise of the game? What do you have to do? Um, what, for Vagana or Othello? Othello. Othello is when you try to, um, you flip your, your, uh, your um, oh, God, how do I explain that? <laughs> you have to, if you see the board, and you, it's, when you flip the, um, you roll your dice. and You, you, you flip, flip the from, chip. <laughs> you don't roll any dice. You flip the chip. It starts off. You flip the chip. Right. <laughs> it starts off with two white, and you start off with either, you're either white or black. And you start the game right. off with the two white chips diagonally at each other and the two black chips, and then you add to it. And if you put, if you're the white team, you put a white chip in hmm. between a white, in between a white yeah. chip. So and, it's a team the turn, game? No, no, no. <laughs> you play against another person, and the, the, the object of the game is to have the most colored chip of yours on the board at the end. So whoever starts... Let's say you're the white team. You'll stick your chip in a way that it, you flip the black chip so all all oh the God. white chips in a row will turn to all the black chips will turn to white. Another, so, I see. Right. So you, so you start with two white, two black. You take your white chip and stick it on the bottom of the black one, and that black now becomes white. And then the next person goes, and whoever has the most at the end of the game is the winner. Okay. Well, that sounds actually kind of fun. No, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> first of all, the first guy, I don't know what he's talking about. He couldn't even get a sentence out. He's talking, to, he's talking about dice for 20 seconds and blaze on the car. Look, there is no dice in this game, man. <laughs> first, you want to get the quick, you, you get the, uh, the, 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 the chips and the, with the chips and you get the dice and you pull the dice. Look, man, there's no dice. Stop trying to help. <laughs> oh, my God. Then you get the black chip, and then you, you turn over the black chip. You run the black chip out of your neighborhood and won't let them move in. Hold on. What, Blaze? In fact, uh, <laughs> uh, let's do a replay on that. <laughs> I mean, Blaze, it was like Blaze was playing three-card volley <laughs> with me. I, I had vertigo. Let me let me hear that one again. 
So uh, I, I never got into Othello. I never played it. Well, what is the premise of the game? What do you have to do? Um, what, for Vagamon or Othello? Othello. He said Othello. Othello is when you try to, um, you flip your, your, uh, your um, oh, God, how do I explain that? You have to, if you see the board, and you, it's when you flip the, um, you, you roll your dice. And you, you, you flip, flip the chips. You don't roll any dice. You flip the chips. It starts off. You flip the chips. Right. It starts off with two white, and you start off with your, your either white or black. And you start the game right. off with the two white chips diagonally at each other and the two black chips, okay. and then you add to it. And uh-huh. if you put, if you're the white team, uh-huh. you put a white chip in between a white in between a uh-huh. white chip. Yeah. So it, it's a to team the turn. game. No, no, no. You use well, team you, you twice already, Blaze. <laughs> and the, the, the object of the game is to have the most colored chip of yours on the board at the end. So whoever starts. Let's say you're the white team. You'll stick your chip in a way that you flip the black chip so all all the white chips in a row will turn to all the black chips will turn to white. Another so right. So you, so you start with two white, two black. You take your white chip and stick it on the bottom of the black one, and that black now becomes white. And then the next person goes, and whoever has the most at the end of the game is the winner. Okay, well, that sounds actually kind of fun. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, listen to the two Parker brothers here. The two Parker brothers is playing the game. This sounds like fun. Oh, this sounds not complicated at all. Oh, my God. I fully understand the game now. <laughs> I still don't understand what the hell Blaze was talking about. And first, you get the black chips and the white chips and the white white chips, and then you get the black chips and you turn in the diagonal <laughs> catty corner to the white chips and you get the black chips. Then you flip the black and the white chips and you have the chip chips. Huh. <sighs> and anyway, uh, Frank was talking about a surprise visit by our Capo di Tutti president. Of Red Apple Media, our parent company, Chad Lopez, to his studios. Let, let me ask you, as both a father, as a guy that was in the military, and as a guy that's a, a leader of a company that <laughs> includes a lot of young people, mm-hmm. where you come down on this? Because I, I've seen you uh, be very tough with people, right. including me, and right. I've seen you <laughs> use a lot of positive reinforcement with a lot of people, including me, and I've seen both uh, be really effective. I'm probably the wrong person to ask that question, and I'll tell you why. When I was in the military, if you did something wrong the first time, don't do it again. Second time, you're going to kill everybody on the ship. <laughs> yeah, that, that's for you, Frank. <laughs> Frank. Frank's been talking real spicy over these last couple weeks. <laughs> Chad pulled up on his show, Curtis, at like 3.30 a.m. <laughs> he, he almost jumped out of his pants with Chad. <laughs> with no security. Oh, God. Y'all hear that, everybody? Chad is here trying to get an alibi. Chad pulled up talking, talking mean, like military stuff on him. Like, Frank, that's about enough of you. Wait, wait, wait. We got to hear that again. I mean, Chad talking about killing, you know, a second time. First time, okay. Okay. Second time, you're dead. Let, let me ask you, as both a father, as a guy that was in the military, yeah, and as mode. a guy that's a, a leader of a company that includes a lot of young people, where you come down on this? Because I, I've seen you uh, be very tough with people, including me, and I've seen you use a lot of positive reinforcement with a lot of people, including me, and I've seen both uh, be really effective. 
I'm probably the wrong person to ask that question. And I'll tell you why. When I was in the military, if you did something wrong the first time, don't do it again. Second time, you're going to kill everybody on the ship. See, I, I thought Chad won the Mega Millions and came here to smack Frank up over the air. That's what I thought. Because Frank was so surprised he showed up. Frank had to call an audible on the whole night. And because Chad just stayed there for like an hour. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, he, why, why, what is he doing there at 3.30 a.m.? And then a class action as Frank tries to blame his height on natural gas. Matt, what are you? Are you gas or electric? All the way gas. Yeah, and uh, do you do a lot of cooking? Yeah. You do? Oh, yeah, and I would never, I grew up with a gas stove, and you just said that you grew up with a gas I stove. I did, yeah. So do you have asthma? Do you have any health problems? I don't, I mean, not that All I know right, of. Then. I mean, I'm, I'm a little shorter than I, I expected to be. <laughs> is my, that from the gas? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. My dad is 6'2". I've been waiting my whole life to grow, and uh, I'm still waiting, so maybe that plays a role. Good day. I mean, what about your brothers? They're, they're tall. They're tall, and they grew up with gas stove exactly. as well. So I, I don't know if I could blame the yeah, gas for that. I don't, I don't... <laughs> Hey, Frank, bring the whole average height down. <laughs> He's going to blame it on the natural gas. I'm telling you, Frank going to join a class action suit. <laughs> Get the, nat- the natural gas. He's going to show a family picture. <laughs> and then uh, immediately Frank uh, comes to the defense of Anthony Weiner, the very gentleman I'll be appearing with in just a few hours, left versus right, three to four this afternoon on WABC. Look how he puts up his shield to protect him. <laughs> Ed on Staten Island. Hello, Ed. Oh, hi, Frank. Hi. Listen, um, you know, regarding your uh, transition from an interview with Anthony Weiner to a discussion about pornography, <laughs> I, I, I question your judgment on that topic. I mean, you had Pretty a good former idea. congressman who sent inappropriate inju- <laughs> images to underage kids. Which is worse? A f- he went to prison for that, and uh, as he should have, right? You uh, disseminate uh, obscene material to a minor, you go to prison. And uh, I'm not saying he shouldn't have. I'm glad he did. You think he's going to change? I don't know him that well. <laughs> <laughs> that's, one of those, that's one of those phrases that, look out, everybody, I'm breaking left. Man, he left Anthony Weiner hanging. However, be that as it may, that being said, that look out, I'm out. I did all I could do. I'm out. I got I got family to feed. I got Carmine to feed. Yeah, because of Carmine, I got to break. I'm sorry, Anthony. I want to stay, but because of Carmine. Then, then Frank talks about a dream. Did he have a dream? I dreamt that I was a corrupt FBI agent, and I was being brought to justice. And I was on trial, along with three or four other people, and I chose to represent myself. I was representing myself, per se. And I remember thinking in the dream that I was guilty, but for some reason I had some justification why I was not really guilty. What annoyed me is that even though it was my trial... I was not able to sit at the defense table. I had to sit in the gallery 
with all the other spectators at my own trial. And I kept, you know, there were no chairs left at the defense table. I guess there were co-defendants and all their lawyers. And I would go up to the defense table, and everyone kept saying, oh, no, 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 you got to sit back there. I said, wait a minute, this is my trial. It doesn't matter. There are no seats left. So I'm not sure what it means. If you're a dream analyst, feel free to email me and offer your two cents on that. Frank, man. Why can't you have normal dreams like everybody? Why can't you land the plane and get the girl? Why? <laughs> why do you have to? You can't even get respect in your own dream. You can't even be the king of that of that domain. Oh, speaking of king of the domain, pimping off of what former President Donald Trump had announced weeks before his new NFT cards, it seemed like Frank wanted to go in that same direction. I do also, I, I do want to do those collectible NFTs and sell them for $100 a piece. I don't even sell mine for $50 a piece, these <laughs> NFT trading cards, with all the scenarios that you just outlined. But um, I don't think I'm a, a big enough star yet to, to have people do that. When? Star? <laughs> Well, so somebody using that word liberally. Star? Well, uh, why doesn't he start with matchbook covers? You know, start with a matchbook colors, uh, cover before you get to an NFT. But he said, I'm not going to charge $100. I'm going to charge 50 Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give the people a little break. I'm going to let people make a good investment. I'm going to let you get these at $50. <laughs> send, your, send, send your money. Give, Frank, give my people your credit card number, and we'll hook you up. And then Frank is already talking about life in the hereafter, how he might want himself frozen. If it's one thing I'd like to do, it's be cryonically frozen and be revived many years from now. And I'm actually looking into that. I always thought it was cost prohibitive <laughs> to do that. But a bunch of people have written to me and uh, explained that there are some mechanisms involving life insurance you can actually get life insurance to pay for your cryogenic freezing. So that's an interesting option that I hadn't considered. So I'm looking at that. <laughs> what about your family, Frank? <laughs> that's going to be a bad meeting, boy, with every, after he going and everybody at the lawyer's office. <laughs> at the will reading. <laughs> and I want everything to go to... So and so cryogenics, when I will be, I will be maintained until there's a cure for for whatever I got. The family don't get none of the money. The money goes to him being frozen. Oh, he'll be right next to Ted Williams. <laughs> Rachel there with with, with carbon. <laughs> oh, oh, and then he's talking about Indiana Jones. How Frank wants to go treasure hunting. Those of you that like to search for buried treasure, listen and listen good. So as the Nazis fled occupied Europe in the final days of World War II, four German soldiers buried a hoard of gold coins and jewels okay. in the middle of nowhere in the Dutch countryside. Wow. Well, now, nearly 80 years later, hopes of finding the buried loot have been raised after the National Archives of the Netherlands released a trove of documents and a map to the treasure where, yes, you guessed it, just like an Indiana Jones movie, 
X marks the spot. I think this would be such a cool adventure. I would go if I was not need if I didn't need to work on a daily basis. I would take a, a couple of weeks and go to the Netherlands and see if I could find this treasure. That sounds like such a fun thing to do. If, if, if I was if I wasn't five three and 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 and, and could can operate a vehicle or anything, if I couldn't. If I couldn't do anything, I would go. I would absolutely go. Yeah, go go chase the Nazis, Frank. Go go be in the, go be Indiana Jones. Go 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 find the treasure. Go jump in the jeep and you picture Frank speeding towards the cliff, fighting Nazis on the other jeep. <laughs> like the guns in Avalon. Yeah, Frank. Rachel in the other jeep. He's like Rachel, jump! I'll catch you. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, is this true? Frank has a new number? We have a special phone number today. We're having a problem with our main phone line. So our special phone number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. And I know you, if you're like me and you like to spell phone numbers, if you want to spell that out, that is Ted... Wow gigs. T E D Wow gigs. That's our phone number for the uh, for the next few hours. Yeah, thank you, Frank, because I don't feel like a complete idiot now. <laughs> oh, okay, that's the number. That's it's, it's A B Chihuahua. <laughs> okay, uh, if, for you who can't write, who, who don't have a pen, who can't type it in the phone, who can't do anything, let me spell out three meaningless words to you and hope you remember that. <laughs> let me treat you like a two year old. And hope you remember that. And then uh, Frank puts my business, my business in the street. And I, for many years, have had a major problem with these non-compete agreements. Look, these non-compete agreements have become so broad (laughs) and so restrictive over the years that they really are hurting people. And they're hurting people. the economy in general. We get word that we were going to be replaced with IMAS, and uh, I'm, which subsequently happened. So Curtis, you know Curtis. Curtis doesn't want to take this lying down. He wants to go to another radio station and compete against IMAS in the morning. Yes. So Curtis wa- had an I, – I, I don't know if it's okay for me to say this. Uh-oh. <laughs> Curtis had secretly negotiated through a third party a deal to uh, go to WOR. And he was going to go to WOR. And it had a very good deal, a lot of money. Curtis was not happy about that. He wanted to go to another radio station. <laughs> hey, that's pretty hey, – sooner, wow. sooner or later, the chickens going to come home to roost. <laughs> They're going to going to get everybody sooner or later, boy. He puts everybody's, <laughs> everybody's business out Everybody's business in the streets. You know, I don't want to say this, but Curtis made a secret you know, third-party <laughs> negotiation behind the back, behind closed doors. Well, it, I, I need to hear that again, Broadway <laughs> Bill Lee. He, like, gave me up, man. Gave you up. I violated my contract there. It's like, I I could have my contract rescinded now, what he just did. Let me hear. Let me hear this watchwoman give me up. And I, for many years, have had a major problem with these non-compete agreements. Look, these non-compete agreements have become so broad and so restrictive over the years that they really are hurting people. And they're hurting um, 
the economy in general. We get word that we were going to be replaced with IMAS, and uh, I'm, which subsequently happened. So Curtis, you know Curtis. Curtis <laughs> doesn't want to take this line down. He wants to go to another radio station and compete against Imus in the morning. So Curtis wa- had an, I, I, I don't know if it's okay for me to say this, but I will. <laughs> Curtis had secretly negotiated through a third party a deal to uh, go to WOR. And he was going to go to WOR. And had a very good deal, a lot of money. Curtis was not happy about that. He wanted to go to another radio station. Hey, Frank is not playing around. You can't tell. He's doing too many times. You can't tell me it's not calculated. It's not on purpose. Man, you can't tell this guy anything. You can't tell him anything. <laughs> Why, Curtis? Why, man? That was a mistake. That's a but that's a big time, big ball, big boss move you made. You told Frank that. God, what a mistake that is. I wouldn't tell Frank where I'm going for lunch. You told him about a secret third party negotiation behind uh, espionage. Uh, you told Frank that. You think he can keep that secret? Oof. Come on, man. Is there anything he'll take to his grave and without he, telling everybody? And he said the phrase to pace. I don't know if Curtis will want me to say this. You know what's coming next. That's that's the Frank phrase to pace, boy. I'm not sure they would want me to say this. I don't want their, I don't want their name to get out. I'm going to keep their confidence. You know what's coming five seconds later. Everything. Wow. Anyway, uh, you think that's bad? <laughs> He put his own wife's business out there for everyone to hear. His own wife, Rachel. Nobody's safe. And this, my wife said this to me, and I hope she's not listening at this point in the show. Because <laughs> usually she doesn't make it to the, this hour unless, you know, she's up, up live for some reason. But she said, I hate to say this, but unless it's a woman that you know is going to want to watch the game, no women. Don't invite any of these women to the Super Bowl party because they're all going to try and talk to me and I want to watch the game. So, obviously, I can adhere to whatever she wants to do. Hey, Frank, keep these bras, all those bras you invited last year, keep these bras away from me. I'm trying to watch the game. I hate those chicks. I hope nobody's listening right now. I hope nobody's. I I, got to hear that again. I got to hear how he threw his wife right out there. I'm telling you, nobody's safe with this guy. It's coming. He already threw Carmine under the bus with the cat food thing. His his own wife, Rachel. And my wife said this to me, and I hope she's not listening at this point in the show, because usually she doesn't make it to this hour unless, you know, Uh she's live for some but she said, I hate to say this, but unless it's a woman that you know is going to want to watch the game, no women. Don't invite any no women, of these women, no women to the Super Bowl party because they're all going to try and talk to me and I want to watch the game. So obviously I will adhere to whatever she wants uh, to do. So no no, no, no wives, no girlfriends, no nothing. I don't want none of these bros in my house. <laughs> I hate these bros. I don't want them in my house. Frank, I don't want to see none of those chicks in my house for this Super Bowl party. Can you do that for me? Can you do that for Okay, fine. And don't tell nobody either like you be doing. I know you want to tell people. Don't tell nobody. It'll be embarrassing. I got I to gotta, I gotta see these chicks every day. Uh, my lips are sealed, honey. <laughs> wow. Nobody's safe. Wait, wait. I, I need to hear that one more time, Billy. His own wife. 
Oh, my God. And this, this, my wife said this to me, and I hope she's not listening at this point in the show because <laughs> you know, she doesn't make it to the, this hour unless, you know, she's... She tried to wait till she was asleep. But she said, I hate to say this, but unless it's a woman that you know is going to want to watch the game, no women. Don't invite any of these women to the Super Bowl party because they're all going to try and talk to me and I want to watch the game. So, obviously, I will adhere to whatever she wants to do. Don't invite Susie McManus. I hate her. Don't invite Julie McNichols. I hate her. I hate this chick, ah. that chick. Don't invite them. Okay, honey. Okay. Now, maybe the weirdest request I've ever heard a husband make of a wife. So then I discover that I have a um, I have a uh, wood splitter in my garage must have been from the previous owner so i said oh this is all right now these wood splitters if you've never seen these they're great you just put a block of wood in there and then you get a a sledgehammer or something and you break up this wood so yesterday my wife tells me she's going to home depot i said this is great i say to her as she's leaving hey can you go and can you pick up a sledgehammer and she nods she nods the text messaging yesterday as she's making her ring. I said, did you end up getting a sledgehammer? Her response, did you ask me to get a sledgehammer? My response, I said, yes. You definitely didn't get my attention when you asked me to buy a sledgehammer. Had you done so, it would have resulted in a lengthy conversation of why the blank you need a sledgehammer. Don't buy a sledgehammer. It will be yet another tool that sits in the garage unused. <laughs> Number one, I like Rachel way more than Frank, man. <laughs> well, can you imagine? Let's make a list of yeah. things you're going to get at this store. <laughs> like a it, sledgehammer. Like it's eggs and milk and cheese. <laughs> hey, honey, why are you out? <laughs> can you bring me back uh, some Doritos, uh, a gallon of milk, and a sledgehammer? Like... <laughs> Who would take him seriously? Nobody would take him seriously if he asked for a sledgehammer. What the hell are they going to do with a sledgehammer? What does he want with a sledgehammer? <laughs> like, she don't even, I'm telling you, she got his balls in a vice, man. <laughs> she was like, do you think I actually believe you when you said you wanted a sledgehammer? Oh, my God. You can't even pick the sledgehammer up. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa.
guarantee you Frank Morano will be chasing Christina Aguilera soon. Selena Gomez, no. Christina Aguilera, yes. But anyway, let's get back to the rap of Frank Morano by Avery. I am the Ed McMahon here, just assisting wherever I can. He's bisected and dissected. Many of uh, the things that Frank has said in the last week of his broadcasting on the other side of midnight, one to five, Monday through Fridays. Then uh, he talks about trolling. Frank tries to intimidate his unsubscribers. I've told you, much like Santa Claus, I am keeping a list and checking it twice. Of all the people that have unsubscribed from my email list, and my plan is to confront them whenever possible. I'm looking for some ideas on next-level trolling for the people that have unsubscribed from my from my email list because uh, it is irritating. But every time I send out one of the um, email blasts telling people what I'm up to and so forth, always a couple people unsubscribe. So we got to figure out something. Uh, if you have any ideas, you can email me, frank.moreno at wabcradio.com. Or if you actually want to be added to my email list, you can email me, frank.moreno.wabcradio.com. Oh, it's M-O-R-A-N-L. God, the worst thing you can do to this guy is just pull the plug and unsubscribe. Uh, every time I try to add, tell people what I'm doing, some people quit. <laughs> to do something i'm telling you i'm looking to really crack these people i can't believe this now if you want to join <laughs> if you want to join this group god you're gonna get five page uh emails this is what frank morano does he sends a five page email and then he wonders why people just close him down close and him, shut him down. him down and then he tries to get people to join up yep who's gonna join up to that oh but now this is where Frank must have died and went to heaven because he had Shatner on. He had Captain Kirk on. And you see how Shatner ignores Frank's attempt to get personal time during their interview. And, uh, and all of those things make up an evening with me in addition uh, to the movie. It's a fun time for everybody. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to going, and people can get tickets at uh, WilliamShatnerTour.com. I'm looking for the VIP experience option that allows me to have cigars with you afterwards, but so far I'm not seeing that on the website. I'm going to keep looking. Um, you VIP, will... uh, yeah, there is a VIP thing. Uh, uh, it'll appear. <laughs> he, uh, just, he just didn't want Frank Morano to have access to yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, well, Frank, you yeah, know, there's a VIP there. When, when you put your credit card information in, it'll pop up. <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't worry, Frank. No, no, no. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. I got to hear that again. Broadway <laughs> Billy, I got to hear that again. Shatner just pimp slapped him down. You know, Frank, you're so good <laughs> at this. And, uh, and all of those things make up an evening with me in addition uh, to the movie. It's a fun time for everybody. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to going, and people can get tickets at uh, WilliamShatnerTour.com. I'm looking for the VIP experience option that allows me to have cigars with you afterwards, <laughs> but so far I'm not seeing that on the website. I'm going to keep looking. Um, you will... uh, yeah, there is a VIP thing. Uh, uh, it'll appear. 
Yeah. Uh oh, I don't want to hurt this guy's feelings. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, just, just go ahead and uh, yeah, just call the operator. She'll 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 tell you how to um, pay for it. And then Shatner offers a fake invitation. Everybody knows about it, except who else? Frank Morano. You know, Frank, you're so good <laughs> <laughs> at this. Would you? Uh, and I don't know whether they've got a uh, a uh, whatever we call it. Uh, 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 somebody who works with me on stage. Have they asked you to to be on stage with me? Uh, uh, would you Would you consider it? Are, are you kidding me? Wild horses couldn't stop me from uh, from I, doing I, so. I would I love will it. make that suggestion <laughs> as soon as this uh, interview is over, and uh, hopefully they'll get in touch with you. <laughs> oh my over, God. Listen, man. Wild horses. Wild horses couldn't keep me from you, Shatner. Oh, oh no. on the stage with you while you're performing, William Shatner. Me? What's my name again? Come on, don't don't, don't push it, Frank. <laughs> William Shatner. And then he said, "All right, I'm going to ask somebody, and I'll get it back." It's your show, William. Tell him right there on the air. You want his show? Confirm it, Will. Confirm it, Shatner. Oh man. And then. Notice how giddy, how giddy Frank gets, like a little kid. I took her to a supermarket. Oh, he, he, I don't know he's why. in full gear now. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank. Full butt kid mode. This, of course, is uh, a terrific William Shatner uh, song called Common People from one of my favorite William Shatner albums, which is called Has Been. Very, very good. And uh, hopefully I'll be uh, able to be on that stage in New Jersey. Oh, boy. You know, I, I'm... Um, <laughs> I, I, it would be, honestly, the coolest thing that I've ever experienced oh, if boy. that comes to fruition, oh, which God. is why like, I, I just can't believe that it would happen. So I'm trying to, I'm trying not to get too excited about it. If it happens, that's great. If not, and, uh, then so be it. This is, this, this, is when, this is when the practical joke goes too far, and it goes from laughter to, like, tears. <laughs> I'm giddy. Wild horses couldn't, couldn't keep me from it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm oh. the luckiest man in the world. That's when you're going, uh-oh. He is so excited. That's, it's like it's like watching a car crash. Like You, you can't turn away now. Because <laughs> you know you know you're not going on Shatton's show, Frank. You know this. But then, Greg Kelly busts his bubble big time. The interview that we did yesterday with William Shatner is uh, getting a lot of attention. It was interesting. Greg was very kind to mention this interview and and showcase it. But then he kind of seemed a little bit skeptical uh, about what Shatner was saying. There's something about that invitation. You think at, at the age of 91, William Shatner is going to redo his act to involve um, a new sidekick, Frank Morano. And he does a great show, by the way, William Shatner over there at the NJ Pack. Uh, granted, maybe it's, I don't know. And he made, he, when he said that statement, he made sure that we knew he wasn't talking about Frank. Yeah, and right. He, and he does a great show, William Shatner. Like, he wanted, he wanted us to know that he was not talking about Frank Morano. <laughs> not, not, not a cool kid to start to pick on Frank. Now, now it's getting bad. Uh-oh. Now it's getting bad, Kurt. Now it's been three days, and Frank is trying to save his face. Uh, we're still getting a lot of uh, great feedback, uh, positive, overwhelmingly, 
from the interview that we did with William Shatner a couple of days ago and uh, from the offer that uh, William Shatner extended to me on the air to join him on stage, which I hope comes to fruition. But honestly, it would be such a cool thing that uh, I can't imagine it will come to fruition. Oh, come on now, Frank. It'd be like winning the lottery. Hang in there, buddy. We all know that uh, winning the lottery is pretty Hold on, hold on. Wait a second. Did he say lottery... It's like winning $1.35 billion that's now available out there. Why is he not confirmed yet? It's been days, though. <laughs> Realistically, Curtis, the first time we heard, when he heard, we heard the, uh, the interview the first time, he did, he interviewed Shatner earlier that day. So he had already been eight hours or so by the time we heard that. How come he wasn't confirmed by oh, then? I got to hear that again. I got it because it seemed like Frank Morano was trying to save face. I uh, was still getting a lot of uh, great got feedback. The gospel in the uh, background. Overwhelmingly. <laughs> I'm from not the interview that we did with William Shatner a couple of days ago and uh, from the offer that uh, William Shatner extended to me on the air to join him on stage, which I hope comes to fruition. But honestly, it would be such a cool thing that uh, I can't imagine it will come to fruition. Uh, it's just, it's, it'd be like winning the lottery, right? So we all know that uh, winning the lottery is pretty rare. Come on, we all knew I wasn't going to get it. Come on, y'all knew. Wild horses. What happened to wild horses couldn't keep me away? What kind of response is that in 2023? Oh, God. Hey, do you, hey, Frank, you want to come do this? Wild horses couldn't keep me from doing that. You can hear the pain and the anguish in his voice. You can, it looks like he's getting open-heart surgery while he's still awake. <laughs> We knew. We knew it wasn't going to happen. Why is he not confirmed yet? It's your show, Shatner. Who do you have to ask? Who do you have to ask? I got to ask some people, Frank. Frank, I got to form a committee. I got to form a committee to form a subcommittee to overlook this thing, Frank. I can't just put you on the show. I can't just do that. Oh, he was so excited, though, thinking I'll be on the stage with my hero, Shatner, Captain Kirk. Then... Talk about Frank is dreaming about real personal, intimate time with his hero, Captain Kirk, William Shatner. I told uh, I told my wife <laughs> yesterday, you know, Shatner lives in California, and uh, it was interesting hearing him talk about that discussion that he had with Rush Limbaugh and how Rush Limbaugh came to his house for Monday Night Football. And I said to my wife yesterday, if Shatner and I really hit it off, you know, here, and he invites me over to his house for Monday Night Football next season, I, I said, I have to go. And she said, I absolutely understand that. Go ahead and uh, do your thing. I won't won't stand in your way. Yeah, but, she, but she was snickering, Frank. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. All right, if 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 Shatner invites you over his house for Monday Night Football, you you got my permission, honey. Honey, I'll you go with my blessing, honey. If Shatner invites you to Monday Night Football, like Rush Limbaugh, you and Rush Limbaugh are the same. You and Rush Limbaugh are the exact same person. So if Shatner invites you to Monday Night Football, you have my blessing. This honey. is incredible. I, I must hear that again. <laughs> that is just so not feasible. He's putting himself at the same level of Rush Limbaugh. I told uh, I told my wife 
yesterday. He just having a conversation with California, his wife. And uh, it was interesting hearing him Who he just talk betrayed. about that discussion that he had with Rush Limbaugh and how Rush Limbaugh <laughs> came to his house for Monday Night Football. And I said to my wife yesterday, if Shatner and I really hit it off, you know, here, and he invites me over to his house for Monday Night Football next season, I, I said, I have to go. And she said, I absolutely understand that. Go ahead and uh, do your thing. I go, won't, won't stand in your way. Go pack your bags, Frank. Yeah, why, Frank, why don't you pack a bag right now? Because that call is coming. Like she got to, She has to support his dreams, man. That now, is, a heavy, bur- that now, is now, a heavy burden. Notice, next season, he's hoping that the call comes in for next season. But it's based on an invitation that he's not going to get. So... <laughs> This building has no foundation. When are you going to get close to Shatner? <laughs> it's not going to be at this show because you, you're not going to be there. Oh, God. He, <laughs> his Frank thinks that Shatner will see that he needs him by the New Jersey show. Oh. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Whatever floats your boat, that's great. Twenty-one. Hold, hold on a second. We'll get uh, we'll get Frank here momentarily, but Frank thinks that Shatner will see that he needs him. Now, now mind you, now this is a caller that's going to ask him, but going to ask him about it, and then he and he thinks by this time now. That Frank, that that Frank that Frank doesn't even believe that it's gonna happen. Wow, this and, is incredible. And I'm telling you, man. And Frank, though, he I, nobody, everybody sees it but him. When Greg Kelly talks about it on his show, I think you should give it up then. <laughs> Hello there, Tommy. Uh, what is your question? Hey, Frank. How are you? Good morning. Um, after you said that you would be honored to participate with William Shatner on stage uh, as a guest, did you feel he was being honest or uh, disingenuous? I don't know. I, I, part is, I think I, I think he was being. Um, I I think he came across to me as pretty sincere. I mean, there was no need to. I told him I was going to the event anyway, so there was no need to uh, make that offer. Unless he felt that way, no, in the pre- moment. no now, pressure. He's doing no. these shows in Texas. Uh, he did one yesterday, and I think he's doing one today. So maybe he'll find that without my presence, it's going well, and and we'll decide that when he gets to New Jersey, he won't want me, and that's fine. <laughs> now speaking of that, uh, you know, Frankie Valley is touring at eighty-eight. Uh, maybe I could do exactly the same thing. You know, I hope Frankie Valley uh, allows me on the stage. He, he thinks they, he, they're going to do this show in Texas, and it's going to be flat. They're going to be huddled up in the background, going, "We need something." What do we? I think we need some Frank in this thing. I think Frank is just the ingredient to make this thing pop. We're missing something. I think it's time to call Frank Piscano. Uh oh, wait a minute. I mean, Frank Morano. What's his name? We need some more Frank. We need some, like the cowbell thing. We need some Frank in here. It was flat today, Will. What you doing? I told you, we need some Frank in here. Well, let me hear that one last time because if that doesn't make the case, then nothing does. And pay attention Hello to the there, caller. Tommy. The caller uh, is his last is friend. <laughs> Hey, Frank, how are you? Good morning. Um, 
after you said that you would be honored to participate with William Shatner on stage uh, as a guest, did you feel he was being honest or uh, disingenuous? I don't know. The main part is. I think think he was being, um, I I think he came across to me as pretty sincere. I mean, there was no need to, I told him I was going to the event anyway, so there was no need to uh, make that offer unless he felt that way in the moment. Now, he's doing these shows in Texas. Uh, He did one yesterday, and I think he's doing one today so maybe he'll find that without my presence it's going well and and we'll decide that when he gets to new jersey he won't want me and that's fine wow what a groupie frank what, like, like all he has to do is go on the stage and hit play like what what, 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 what miracle are you waiting for frank you know what i need somebody to hit play for me oh god we got to open up our phone lines on this 1-800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I got my first real six string. Boy, it out the five and done. Played it till my fingers bled. Was a summer of 69 Perfect, perfect. The best days of Frank's life would be if he could get on that stage with William Shatner, Captain Kirk. Greater than having a child, greater than marrying Rachel, greater than being on WABC, his place to be, right? He said it. He said it'd be the most special thing he ever did. I mean, he he has gotten married and he has had a child. And he is on WABC with a nationally syndicated program. Yet, that would pale in comparison to being being on that stage. He said it with certainty, too. He didn't even blink. With William Shatner. And this is Brian Adams singing that song, a fellow Canuck, a fellow Canadian. Shatner Shatner said, hold on, let me talk to some people. (laughs) It's your show, Shatner. It's your show. Frank 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 is at home, it's prom night, and he's at home on the couch with a tuxedo on. Hey, let, let me talk to some people, Frank. Well Shatner, you can just confirm it right now. No, 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 that's not how that's not how things are done here. We have to do we we gotta form a committee, we gotta form a subcommittee. I can't just go putting people on my show all willy-nilly. Frank, you are too special for that. God, I'm saying to myself, out of all the things that have happened in his life, and we don't know how many years he's been on this plane, but he's certainly an old codger, right? This is the great, that would have been the greatest thing that ever happened in his entire life. Not meeting and marrying Rachel. Nope. Not having Carmine. Uh-uh. 
not having a nationally syndicated show on the number one news talk station in the nation, WABC. You got to throw in some kind of memories with his mother. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I won't mention the father, but the mother, got to be something in there. You got to be something in there. Now, remember, this is the same William Shatner, the same Captain Kirk, who when our owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, was interviewing him on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion. Uh-huh. He said, you realize, Captain Kirk, when I went to NYU, we were all huddled around in the student lounge, yep. you know, watching you on a 13-inch RCA TV. He goes, I'm not here to discuss yep. that. Yep. I, I don't want to talk about what's old. Absolutely. Gave, I got. I got to. I got to save the world. I got to talk about what's going on in the world now. He gave Frank that same treatment on on on, on, on the interview, like later on that day or something. <laughs> and then, and then, all of a sudden, uh, John goes, you know, for purposes of transparency, I'm an oil man. And Shadi goes, "You're a what? You're an oil man?" You're like part of the problem. And then all of a sudden, Frank jumps into the interview, yeah, you know. Yeah. Wow. Why, why, why do you think he is such a sycophantony and lackey of William Shatner? Man, I, look, for reasons that can't be comprehended, <laughs> like, he just, that's just his hero, man. But I'm telling you, man, Frank. Uh, I, I mean, can't. he plays Shatner's music, his singing, and he, he puts it on replay over and over and over. That is the worst music I've ever heard. <laughs> what is wrong with this guy? Hey, look, and look, and just to touch the, 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 just to touch his shirt, just to touch his, and that's another thing too. Like I, I don't think Shatner would be comfortable with him that close to him. <laughs> like no, I think I think Shatner would end up feeling like Tulsi Gabbard feels, Selena Gomez. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, uh, <laughs> they'll all be talking about him, and they'll have a meeting, a slumber party. <laughs> They'll be talking about Frank. <laughs> what are we going to do about him, girls? <laughs> What's the ball? We got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> oh, man. God, this is this is idolatry of William Shatner, of Captain Kirk. And hey, I'm telling you, man, imagine that Imagine that theater, too, that, uh, that showing on that movie. I could just smell the virginity in that room. Oh, man. But anyway, up next, <laughs> you think this was wild. Wait till you hear what Bo Snurdly brought to everybody's attention and how it blew away his two hipster and millennial part of his crew. And then I had to jump in for the rescue. And even I don't know what the hell I was talking about. This is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard in 35 years of radio. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Tonight. 
Rolling Stone says that Aretha Franklin, the greatest singer of all time, of all time, and they've listed about a hundred singers. We're going to have to go through that list on one of these upcoming uh, weekends, critique them, but they've rated out Aretha Franklin number one, second to none. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask all of you, in fact, is that... Is that true? Is she the greatest singer, songster of all time? This according to Rolling Stones magazine. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, I bring this uh, music and conflate it into a subject. I heard it earlier this week. I was blown away by what Bo Snurdly was saying. You can hear him Monday through Fridays from 3 to 4. No, make that 4 to 5, excuse me, right before the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion of uh, John Katsimatidis Monday through Fridays. And then in just a few hours, back two hours, uh, he'll be on from uh, 7 to 10, a three-hour extravaganza. But he introduced us all to a story that was coming out of Harvard Medical School where they were training their doctors, their interns, in uh, determining a baby, a baby, baby just been born, determining the LGBTQ plus factor in infants. Listen to this opening uh, round of dialogue because it's between both nerdly his uh, producer and also celebrity booker here at WABC, Jennifer Grodd, and then his uh, board operator, Jason. Have you ever wanted to send your kid to Harvard? Hey, Jen, let me ask you a question. You 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 you, you graduated probably you know uh, sooner or, or within a few years than most of us have. Um, like ten years. Isn't That's that enough. That's enough. I went to the Harvard of Long Island. Okay. What the hell is that? Hofstra University. It's the Harvard of Long Island. <laughs> they call Hofstra the Harvard of Long Island. Oh, that's a good, that's rich. They both start with H. Okay. <laughs> hey, Jen, would, are you interested, suppose you were interested in going back to school and somebody gave you, uh, they said to you, you could go to uh, Harvard Medical School. Would you think that that would be like first rate Oh wow! I, I would. I'm getting into Harvard Medical School. I think when people look at your resume, they're, they're maybe more willing to hire you over someone that went to, you know, a school that's number fifty. You know, if they saw uh-huh. Harvard, I would. I would suit that. I would find that resume out and probably interview that person before I interviewed someone that went to a state school. Aha! Uh-huh. How about you, Jason? What do you think? If you if you had a choice between the Harvard of Long Island, Hofstra, and sending your kid to Harvard Medical School, let's say you had a kid, or let's say you have like six or seven kids out there, Jason, or ten. Uh, Jason, where would you, uh, where do you think that you would send your kids to go to school? Would you send them to Harvard Medical? Yeah, Harvard Medical sounds pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, come on. That's impressive. You walk in somewhere and say, I went to Harvard Medical. I mean, I, I, I think you'd probably get the job right away. Uh-huh. You do. Okay. Mm-hmm. You don't? All right. I just want you to remember that was your answer. Jen, I want you to remember that was your answer. 
I, I want you to remember what you said about how prestigious and, and great and wonderful Harvard University is, medical school. As I go through this next little item, and this item can be found, by the way, at American, uh, American Wire News today, can also be found at the Daily BS, which is my website, which is uh, growing by leaps and bounds. And it can be found in the Daily Mail as well. Medical students are being taught how to care for infant patients who identify as LGBTQIA+, according to new publicity from the course. So students at Harvard Medical School are being trained, part of their training now, is to work with infant, infant patients, infant patients who identify as LGBTQIA+. And so now I have a question to those of you who thought that sending your kid to Harvard they'd get the very best education known to man. Jen, let's start with you. Would you please tell me and tell the WABC widespread audience in all of the states that we are in, and which are many, and all of the streams that we go to, would you please tell us and tell us all how an infant identifies an infant, a newborn, an infant, how they identify as LGBTQIA+. This is, I'm, I'm lost for words. I don't know. <laughs> Jason. Their, their parents decided. No, no, that's no. not what it says. It says <laughs> well, that's medical what I think. students are being taught how to care for infant patients, not the parents of infant patients. It says they are being taught how to care for infant patients. I'm very who confused. I, so who much. identify <laughs> as LGBTQIA+. Jason, please explain to us, you know, us old people, us people that used to believe there was such thing as men and women, us people who don't know about all these many 99 types of genders that are out here now, explain to us well, your generation. Well, I have a and, theory. And maybe this is like one of those toys where the spinner goes around and it lands yeah, on a cat okay. or a sheep. Mm-hmm. So I might say, oh, it lands on, you're a, you're a man, or it lands on a woman. So, you know, I, don't, I haven't been in, in a toy store in quite some time. So for all you know, these are, these are the new things that are available for, for the young generation. Do you think that makes sense, what you just said? I don't even understand. So, so they hit the little spinner, and it says, oh, this no, is no, a No, no, the this infants is... can't hit the little spinner because the infants don't have hand coordination. They're infants. I think I they know. They know how to cry. They know how to poop. They know how to eat. They know how to wet their diapers. They know how to look up at you and, like, and you don't even know what they're thinking because they can't talk. They can't say anything yet. They're infants. They are little blobs of human beings that are not yet developed. I think if they gravitate towards the color pink, they might be identify as a girl. And if they gravitate toward the color blue, they identify as a boy. If they gravitate towards any other color, they're still deciding. And you're gonna you're gonna stick with that answer, Jen. I think it makes the most sense right now. And that's transphobic. <laughs> Scott, I want you to take a stab at this. I don't have a stab. 
I, I wasn't going to say I wanted to send him to Harvard. You didn't ask me. Uh, but I want you to take a step. How do infants identify? How does an infant Ladies and gentlemen in the audience, please help the host here, because the host is totally, I have to admit, I hate coming before you clueless. Today, I am clueless. I don't. He doesn't figure it out. He doesn't figure it out with the help of hipsters or millennials. So then he calls me in, and he asks me to come in with my uh my focus as a hipster millennial, not, but as a baby boomer. There's Curtis. Let me ask Curtis. Where's Curtis? Curtis, come. Curtis, please. I, Curtis Lewa, I need your help. You know, this is just, it, it's, I need your help, ladies and gentlemen. If you know the answer to this question, please give us a call and tell us how, this is at Harvard. This isn't at your run-of-the-mill. This is not at the CUNY system. This isn't even at that wacko system in California. Curtis Lewa may have the answer. He knows a lot about a lot, except music. Curtis. Yes, yes. There's a study, there's a story today that Harvard Medical School, and I'm going to read you from the story, exactly verbatim from the story, and I want you to please weigh in and help us here. There's a story today, and, and you should know the answer to this because you have sired children. Oh. There are children running around here with the Sliwa name from your loins, okay? One said I know and one said I don't know. Oh, boy. <laughs> medical students, these are Harvard medical students. Medical students are being taught how to care for infant patients who identify as LBGTQIA+, according to a publicly available course description. Now, I would like to know, Curtis, how an infant, you have held infants. Yes. You have sired infants. Yes, I changed their dirty water diapers. How do they identify, how does an infant identify as an LBGTQIA plus person? Well, let me quantify this. I am a high school dropout, so um, I would... (laughs) I will give you my high school dropout opinion. It's exposure to Teletubbies. I warned you years ago when you, we let our children watch Teletubbies, this would happen. And Barney, I will kill Barney. I love you. You love me. You see, this is what it led to. I actually had a 44 Magnum one time. I'm watching Barney with my sons, and I just wanted to shoot Barney right in the head. <laughs> this is what happens. I'm t- Teletubbies first, then Barney. Didn't I warn you? Didn't I warn you both snarly years ago? Said, well, he's a high school dropout. What does he know? He's not answering the question. He's straying that's how, away no, no, from the that's, question. That's how the indoctrination takes place. What is the music that the child first lives uh, hears? I love you, you love me. What's wrong with that? It's about love. It's all about that's love. That's where it starts. That's right. You start self-loving, and then you forget who you are. You see, this, this goes deep. This goes. You see, you don't understand. Let me let me let me let me try to put my head around this for you, Bo Snurley, because you okay. seen first you have Freud doing cocaine. Everybody wanted to follow a cokehead, right? And then you had a man who taught us all the problem that young boys have in growing up, Doctor Spock. That we didn't learn how to use the porcelain palace. Remember? 
It I all starts at the Porcelain Palace. Now, both these guys were freaking wrong. Right, Dr. Floyd, a cokehead, and peace, love, and happiness, I'm against all war. Dr. Spock, your problem as a young man starts because you don't know how to poop in the porcelain palace. Right? Anyone normally in the streets would say, you're crazy. But naturally, Harvard and Harvard graduates and Ph.D. says, amazing, brilliant. I'll give them scientific awards. Am I right or wrong? You're right, Curtis. See, it all starts. You trace it back. To Freud using coke and Dr. Spock saying that boys, if they don't learn how to poop right in the porcelain palace, will end up doing triple life without parole. Yes. And now we have infants identifying as LBGTQIA+. I'm telling you, when I I protested Teletubbies, you called me homophobic. It traces to Teletubbies and Barney. Thank you, Curtis. Thank we you. See, I knew I could cut it right down the to it. Yeah, the rest of them, they all avoided it. I went right to the heart of it. You. I felt like my answer was kind of logical. Oh, boy. <laughs> you heard my observation, which was quite different. And Jennifer Grodd, hipster millennial, also celebrity booker and producer of the Bo Snurdly Show. And uh, Jason, who was the board operator. What say you? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. the phones we go as we take it to the break of dawn. It's uh, Bob, who's uh, patiently waiting on the line from Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Curtis, I think I know why Captain Kirk would invite Frank to be on stage with him. And think about it. As you get older, your prostate doesn't work as well. You know, if you're driving a car, you can pull over and go behind a tree. If you're on stage, you can stand behind the podium, but you need somebody to hold the bottle for you. So maybe that's what Frank would be assigned. He gets to hold the bottle. Oh, and I think he would be so grateful that he would be asked by his hero, the one that he is uh, 
uh, sort of in a form of swooning idolatry for that if Shatner were to ask him to hold the milk bottle, he'd hold it. And, and then he would have, uh, you know, something to take home with him to remember the, you know, the greatness. Oh, that reminds me, uh, got to let you know, uh, the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant, in the afternoons at times would not want to leave would not want to leave the desk with the microphone. He had to do a four-hour show. So he would keep a can, a coffee can, uh, right beneath his legs so that if in that moment he had to uh, eliminate the liquid product that the body processes, it would go right into that, uh, that Maxwell House coffee can to be dumped out after the program. Anyway, our number is one 800 Let's go to Leo in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Leo? Good morning, Curtis. Uh, the question was how to recognize the newborn, which one is LGBT. Very simple. If the baby comes out and the umbilical cord is in the shape of noose around the neck, you know that's the LGBT. Oh, bad joke. Bad joke. You could do a hell of a lot better than that to the break of dawn. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Helen, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard, Helen. Hi, good morning, Curtis. I hope your wife is doing better real soon. Oh, no, no, she is. Uh, in but fact, I, I'm, I'm uh, glad. I also want to say it's not the babies who are LGB. It's the medical students who are LGB. Hmm. He, he read it the wrong way. Or, the, or whoever wrote the article made it sound like it was the babies, but it's the medical students who identify as LGB. Now, 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 wait a second. Are you trying to say that uh, Bo Snurdly... Was yes. guilty of trichnology? No, he just, you know, he just, it was written wrong. It was written, so it made it sound like it's the babies. But it's not the babies, it's the medical students. Well, wait a second, explain that, Helen. Uh, you're a medical student at Harvard University. And you you go- identify as LGBT, and they're, you know, giving them the, the work of taking care of the infants for some reason. Uh, I don't know, that's not what I perceived of it, Helen. Okay. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, in just uh, a little less than two hours, uh, you're going to be hearing live and locally Bo Snurdly. He'll be on from 7 to 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you or others can give him a call about that as to whether he misconfigurated it or... Well, it's the way they wrote it. So it sounds like it's the, whoever wrote the article. Mm. It sounds like it's the babies, but it's not the babies. It's the medical student. Well, this this we have to put to uh, our vast listening audience here. If Helen is right, or if the original statement by Bo Snurdly is correct, that it's the babies and not the adult doctors, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Eddie, who's calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Eddie? Hey, uh, should I shut my radio off or keep it on? What's the best way to do this? Oh, absolutely. If you can turn it off, we won't catch any reverb. All right. There it goes. So, um, look, this whole thing is ridiculous about uh, infants and, and, and trying to 
you know, establish their sexual orientation or how they feel and all that. But, you know, the fact that it's coming from Harvard, uh, you know, everyone knows how prestigious Harvard is and just, you know, maybe maybe there's more to this than we realize. Maybe there's more behind this study. Maybe they're looking at, I don't know, the, the blood or the chemistry or the hormones. I mean, it's already happening. They're doing it to adolescents and young adults, from what I hear. Um, I certainly wouldn't recommend it to anybody I cared for, you know, any of this crazy surgery. Um, but, you know, maybe there's something going on there at the Harvard Medical that they're investigating that we just don't understand yet. Hmm. So you're giving them uh, the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing. Well, I don't know if they exactly know what they're doing, but it, sometimes there's a trial and error process. Maybe they're just they're just looking looking at this and taking a closer look at it, and 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 and, and maybe it'll help put this to bed. You know. Um, I don't know. I don't know if uh, putting to bed is the correct terminology to be using in discussing uh, doctors being trained uh, at Harvard Medical School to make an instant determination if a newborn baby is, in fact, a member of the LGBTQ plus community. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tommy in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Hey, Curtis? Yes, Tom. Kurt, uh, uh, you were talking about Zoom Stompsish earlier in the show. Yes, Remember I was. the restaurant in Glendale? Yep, right near uh, Cooper Avenue. Yeah, Cooper, right. Cooper and Myrtle it is, I think. Uh, so um, uh, I used to go to Zoom Stompsish halfway regularly, you know, once in a while, you know. They have a tremendous uh, warm uh, sangria in the winter that is uh, just the perfect winter drink, you know. But anyway, I used to go down Hitler's birthday on purpose to see the freak show. I think it's the 19th or the 20th of April. I'm not sure. But uh, I have seen guys in Zoom Stompsish, motorcycle cats, you know, dead dudes, come in, order a stein of beer, drink it down, and then Heil Hitler. They would, you know, two or three of them would, you know, raise their arms in the salute and go Heil Hitler. And there's another thing that happened in Zoom Stompsish that blew my mind. There are three men that come on Hitler's birthday, and they sit in a booth with four place settings. And the one place setting is no one ever arrives to eat there because that's for Hitler. Hmm. And you've seen this with your own eyes. I've seen it with my own eyes, Curtis. I used to go. I used to live in East New York and come over the hill to eat with, you know, my kind of people, you know. It's, uh, you know, there's not there's not too many good restaurants in East New York, you know. No, no, no. Years and years and years ago, but uh, no. no. <laughs> you were talking about when it was Italian and uh, before the Puerto Ricans came and everything else, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, that was an Italian enclave. They had some of the best Italian restaurants there. But, Tom, this is very interesting that this was your perception. Going into that famous German-American restaurant right there where Cooper Avenue, across from the Mickey D's in the diner, where I would take my two youngest sons, uh, Carter uh, and uh, Hunter, to play in that jungle gym. 
And then we go over there and try to get some German food, some Wienerschnitzel. Uh, and then I was told that my business was not wanted by some guy in Lederhosen with a little feather on his uh, uh, his hat. Man, we had words. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. When we come back, I'll give you an update on uh, what's happening with the missing in action, George Santos. Because uh, there's even more information that has come to the service. People knew about this guy in advance. It was an open public secret. And nobody dropped dime on him. And you say to yourself, how could this be that so many people knew what he was up to? So many people knew he was a fugazi. So many people knew he was a fake, phony fraud. And yet they didn't share this information publicly. To be continued here, one 800 848 The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lima on 77 WABC. Nobody was paying attention. Nobody was paying attention. As you know, yesterday I talked about the North Shore Leader, a great community newspaper that has won a total of about nine Pulitzer Prizes. It uh, affects an area of Oyster Bay Cove in Long Island, Lloyd Neck, Lloyd Harbor, Cold Spring Harbor, East Norwich, Locust Valley, Oyster Bay, Mill Neck, Glen Cove, Glenhead, Seacliff, Bayville, Center Island, Coveneck, Matinock, the Brookvilles, and Muttontown. And it's a weekly paper that has a lot of eyeballs looking at it. And back in September, they had done this expose on George Santos. They laid it all out before the New York Times. They didn't have as much information on as the New York Times did, but... They had a substantial amount of information, and nobody, I repeat, nobody picked up on it and went publicly with it. You have uh, uh, you have uh, Zimmerman. Oh, my God, this guy's just never she schlubby schmendrick. The opponent, George Santos, this time around the Democrat, Robert Zimmerman, who was like, Oh, we didn't do any negative research, you know. Uh, uh, he had two. He had two debates 
with George Santos. Public debates. He didn't bring up any of this information, which meant he had none of this information because he hadn't done any of the negative research with the close to $1 million he had raised for his congressional campaign. at strike one. And you had the... Uh, the state leader, Jacobs, originally the county leader of Long Island for the Democrats, he did no negative research. Before that, Tom Swasey, who uh, George Santos had run against in 2020, he did no negative research. And the Republicans didn't do any negative research. Both the Queens uh, GOP nor the Nassau GOP, oh, they're all moaning and groaning and complaining right now. Well, now we have even more data that information had surfaced, that there were whistleblowers out there, but nobody paid attention. George Santos dismissed calls from his own campaign staff to drop out after the startling background check results came in from his own campaign, which is what campaigns should do. They're going to do negative research against the opponents, but they do negative research against their own opponent first, their own candidate first, because they know their own candidate is going to lie to them, prevaricate, and try to hide certain facts that could be very damaging to that individual or, more importantly, to the overall campaign and campaign staff. So, for instance, uh, George Santos dismissed calls from his campaign staff to drop out of the race for New York's 3rd Congressional District after a routine background check uncovered some of his many lies. In late 2021, an opposition research firm hired by Santos's team to conduct a vulnerability study on the candidate found no evidence of Santos's purported degrees from Baruch College and New York University. Now, by the way, when he went to Baruch College, he also claimed that he was an NCAA all-star volleyball player claiming, you know, because of his heritage in uh, Brazil, if you've ever been down to Copacabana or the beach at Ipanema, you see that they have all the nets set up for volleyball. They truly love volleyball in Brazil, and they have had international competition at the highest levels. So as you're walking by uh, the the beachfront there in Ipanema, you see the uh, security officers out with their AK-47s because there's always crime. But you see men and women training, training in volleyball, you know, going up there and spiking the ball. Well, apparently uh, uh, the company that did the negative research on George Santos that was hired by his own campaign did find records of evictions, a suspended Florida's driver's license, uh, George Santos's involvement with a company accused of a Ponzi scheme and that the openly gay candidate had been married to a woman. The research firm's findings startled some members of Santos's team, so much so that they urged him to drop out of the race. They urged him to drop out of the race. And this is uh, back uh, just about the same time as the... A news article came out with a lot of these details about the fact that almost everything that George Santos uh, represented himself to be turned out to be not true. Santos dismissed the results of the background check and ignored advice to drop out or face being humiliated, reportedly prompting most of his campaign to staff to quit. Santos would go on to hire new vendors for his campaign By spring of 2022, the Democratic National Congressional Campaign Committee 
a group that works to elect Democrats to the House, compiled 87 pages worth of opposition research against Santos before his race against Robert Zimmerman. That uncovered some of, but not all of, the findings from the researcher's firm hired by Santos's team. The DCCC uncovered evidence of evictions, a pet charity associated with George Santos that wasn't registered with the IRS, his ties to Harbor City Capital, the Ponzi scheme, and discrepancies in its financial disclosure forms. This all came about internally. The information was there, provided by a newspaper in September, a very reputable community newspaper, the North Shore Leader. That's one Pulitzer Prize for its reporting before. And by the way, the reason that community newspapers are so important, they will report a lot of local and neighborhood uh, news and information that the big boys and big girls won't even consider reporting on whether it's the tabloids, like locally we have the uh, uh, New York Post, uh, we have the Daily News, you have Newsday in tabloid form, you have the New York Times in fold-over form, you have other newspapers throughout the tri-state area. But, I mean, the goods were all here. They were just never delivered. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to Roger, who's calling from Massachusetts. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Roger. Yes, uh, thank you. Regarding um, that story about Harvard, I, 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 don't, I guess these people think so highly of themselves that, that they feel as though their fantasy is more, is more reality than God. Our creator, that somehow um, they they know better than all, all of uh, nature, and um, because uh, you know, because the big thing that's supposed that's supposed to matter to everybody is emotion, emotion, not results, not reality, but emotion is what's most important, and so. Um, it's like you're trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole, uh, forcing forcing their fantasy to, um, to, into supposedly reality. In fact, you know, I listened to, I, I guess the auto, audio may still be available, of a kindergarten teacher in a charter school up in the Boston area uh, teaching children, uh, no, te- teaching trying to teach kindergarten pupils, number one, that when a doctor, when a baby is born, a doctor looks at it, and based on what he sees, he guesses whether it's a boy or a girl. And usually they're right, but sometimes they're wrong. So he's teaching these pupils, kindergartners, that doctors guess and that sometimes they're wrong. And then he goes on to try to even teach them the definition of cisgender and transgender. These are like four and five-year-olds, for crying out loud. So I think people, I think that they're trying to force their a square peg fantasy into the round hole of, of reality, trying to, you know, trying to, trying to force their fantasy, uh, trying to make it reality when, in reality, when they can't, but it doesn't stop them from trying. Well, when you consider, Roger, uh, 
the complications here of starting at a very young age and then trying to make a determination as to whether a uh, baby uh, laying in their manger is an LBGTQ uh, plus person or is straight, to me, is just bizarre. And it's almost like maybe you're forcing your agenda through the identification of these children, which I can't imagine how it could be accurate at such a young age upon almost birth. And we've seen that situation now start to replicate itself. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And as we go to Santos, there's a guy who uh, I question uh, if he can chew gum and think at the same time. Bruce Blakeman, who has become the point man for the Nassau County Republicans, uh, basically claiming no mas, no mas. There's no room in the inn for George Santos. It's time for him to be on the outside looking in. You heard George Santos say that he's been honest his whole life. I mean, this guy is delusional. And I will not have any dealings with him. Hmm. That's Bruce Blakeman. Will not have any dealings. He's a card-carrying Republican. Obviously, he's in the lead in taking the flack on behalf of the Nassau County Republican Party. Then Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who's packing his bags and getting ready to head down to El Paso to get a view of the border. He won't be back until uh, Sunday night. Uh, He said he'd have no problem copping a squat and having a sit down with Congressman George Santos. He's the congressperson that represents parts of the city and even in the state. There are things we need uh, in the state, and also there are things we're going to need. We're going to need votes on the federal level. So until it's determined that he no longer should serve, right now his name is Congressman, and we are going to, we're not leaving any stone unturned on who we should be sent down with uh, to make sure New Yorkers get the resources that they need. What the hell is Eric Adams weighing in on that? That, to me, makes no sense whatsoever. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Then there's Kevin McCarthy, brand-new speaker of the House of Representatives, basically throwing uh, George Santos a lifeline. George Santos, if there is a concern, he will go through ethics. If there is something that is found, he will be dealt with in that manner. But they have a voice in this process. Yes. And there were protesters outside of his uh, congressional office that he is still not occupied yet. That is a leftover from uh, the days of Tom Swasey when he was the congressman. But uh, they showed up and started protesting uh, against uh, against a situation involving the continuation. George Santos will be ineffectual in Washington. Nobody will believe a word out of his mouth. We'll show up to every event that he has. Uh, he will have no safe harbor and no quiet in this district. <laughs> we will show up to every event that he has. They'll be stalking him. In fact, they actually have a contest now where if you spot him, take a picture, they'll post it and then blast it out to everybody. And then, of course, there was uh, George Santos who claimed to be gay, claimed to be a Latino, claimed to be uh, Jewish. Well, he might be gay, but he's certainly not a Latino. He's Portuguese uh, from from Brazil. And he's certainly not Jewish, although he milked a lot of money out of uh, Jews 
who uh, pledged themselves to fund the Republican candidate in the North Shore election to fill the void uh, that was left by uh, by Tommy Swazi, and supposedly was going to be filled in by Robert Zimmerman, but that that guy's a real mamaluke. Back, let's go to uh, the audio tape. So, as I've said many times, and I think you've heard me say this, I always joke, I'm Catholic, but I'm also Jew-ish, as in ish. Uh, and I've made that joke because growing up, I grew up fully aware that my grandparents were Jewish, came from, from a Jewish family, and they were refugees to Brazil. And that was always a story I grew up with, and I've always known it very well. And I've told it the way it was told to me. Now, if if it, it just strikes me so odd that people are rushing to disinherit me from being Jewish or for even allowing to care for Israel and Judaism in a time and an era where anti-Semitism is at a all time rise. And here's somebody who actually cares about Jews, cares about uh, uh, um, Israel and somebody who's willing to fight for them. And, and we have people pushing me away. It's, you know, I got a text from somebody today who says, George, I don't care what they say. You're still an MOT. And I'm sure you know what an MOT is. Um, right. Member of the tribe. Oh, <laughs> member of the tribe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. And then he spoke about when he might resign. I was elected by 142,000 people. Until those same 142,000 people tell me they don't want me, uh, we'll find out in two years. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to John, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here, John. Thank you for taking my call, Curtis. Um, I believe I'm, I'm Catholic, and I believe very strongly, and I know as a fact um, uh, that ch- all children are born innocent, and that uh, unless uh, somebody perverts them or makes a judgment in, in, in word or deed against them, um, that they can they have the power to change them. Um, but like 60 million children were murdered uh, because of so-called doctors uh, who, are, who are practicing medicine, but it's not medicine, it's murder. Um, Jesus said, uh, Jesus did say, let the children come to me for to such is the kingdom of God. And he also went further to say that uh, anyone who uh, who causes one of these little ones to sin or die is better for them that a millstone be cast around their neck and cast into the sea, and th- and they will pay for it in, in the presence of God at Judgment Day, and that we don't need, we don't want, we don't, we should not, we will not believe doctors who do take the place of parents um, in in raising their kids to what the parents want them to be raised at. Parents need to stand up for the rights of the children, the human rights for children in the, in, in the womb and, and, and after being born. Um, that's Boy, I, I, I got to tell you, John, uh, of late we got to question some of the doctors who have been promoting the uh, vaccines because apparently there are no guarantees that there are not after effects, either from the uh, Moderna uh, or from uh, the Pfizer uh, that's a little alarming because we were told by we were told by Dr. Fauci, who was supposedly on the outside looking in. I represent science. No, you know, not anymore. You're supposed to be collecting barnacles on your backside. Uh, in that, uh, no, everything was copacetic. There were no problems with vaccines, and now increasingly, 
Many people have spoken up and said, no, 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 I had a stroke, I had a heart attack, I had real serious physical ramifications, and uh, they're not ruling that out any longer. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Pamela calling from central New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Pamela. Yeah, I don't, there's not the Ivy League schools that there used to be. And Ivy League doesn't necessarily mean they're better. It just means they've got more uh, money coming in from woke people. They've changed the definition of triage. Triage means, say you have a big car accident and a lot of injuries. You're supposed to treat the ones that are close to death first. They've actually changed it to uh, leave the white people last. Now, I don't know about you, but a Harvard uh, resume ain't going to impress me none. (laughs) <laughs> Do appreciate that. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Exodus continues from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, down to DeSantis land, Freedom land. There has been no secession of the exodus. But there is uh, one man who is exiting New York for the next two days. That's the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Because he's heading down to El Paso. Now, back in August, it was Governor Abbott who had invited Eric Adams and the mayor of Washington to come down and see the uh, Michigash, the craziness on the border for him themselves, whether at uh, Eagle Pass in Texas uh, or at El Paso connecting to Juarez, New Mexico. Both of them chose no. They said, Ixnay, we're not going to the border. The president wouldn't go to the border. Giggles Vice President <laughs> Harris wouldn't go to the border. And yet it festered, it grew, it became problematic. And uh, nobody wanted to go to the border and see for itself. Well, now all of a sudden, back to back, belly to belly. So the President of the United States go for a three-hour soiree. And he departed after they had completely swept up, sanitized, and removed the uh, illegal aliens across uh, across the uh, bridge back into Juarez for 48 hours. Now we have Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who goes, hey, it's going to cost us $2 billion, the growing number of illegals, and we're not getting any help from Albany, no help from Washington, so I'm going to the border to see for myself. And then <laughs> he's now saying that no matter what, 
hundred still are arriving in New York City each and every day. Trust me when I tell you, our numbers, <laughs> we are still receiving hundreds of migrants. In the last uh, few days, we received, I, I believe, 800. And then Eric Adams uh, told the feds to do their job because he wouldn't name and shame anyone in particular, but... He's claiming it's the feds who've got to stem the flow of the exodus coming north. We're the only ones that are saying federal government do your job. But everyone is telling us to do our job, which we're doing every day. We're doing that every day. We're doing our job. So I need help. And that was one of the number one things I said to all my colleagues. I need you to join me in telling the federal government New York taxpayers don't deserve this. And so... If he believe I'm not doing a good enough job, then I think he should be part of this team calling for the federal government to do their job. As he was talking about state controller Tom DiNapoli, who in his uh, overview with his sharpened number two pencil after the mayor had given a uh, state of the city address about the budget. He said, hey, you haven't even uh, you haven't even put into your budget. The fact that you claim you spent about a billion dollars to care for the illegals who have come across the border, and now it's expected to rise up to two billion, and it's not even in any of any of the paperwork that you've submitted. So Eric Adams decided to attack the messenger instead of deal with the message. He refuses to name and shame Bill. Uh, excuse me. Uh, he refuses to name and shame President Biden. And now he claims he's going to go down to the border and see for himself. Will not be available to the press, he says, on Saturday. And then claims that he will address the press on Sunday before flying back to New York. But the bottom line is this. He could have been down there in August at the invitation of Governor Abbott. First class accommodations, room and board, all expenses paid for by the state of Texas. He dissed and dismissed Governor Abbott, moaned and groaned and complained, always factored in that he felt he could get monies from Washington, from Biden, not from Hokum, who he helped get elected the governor, first female governor of the state of New York, not, and any of the local officials. So we'll be tracking this closely. Uh, we'll certainly talk about this when I return with uh, Anthony Weiner, left versus right, three to four. And then when I do it all over again and take you to the break of dawn from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning. And don't forget, coming up, oh yeah, it'll be uh, Bo Snurdly from 7 to 10. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.